on the 10th episode of Pixel Gaiden. We delve into Jurassic Park. Cody reviews a Commodore power supply. Eric plays some D&D. Cody got a lot of new stuff. Eric got a lot of new stuff. Modern Commodore 64 gaming. The first $100 Switch edition. Eric discusses automobile destruction. I think we're turning British. Ten episodes in, how do you feel about that? I feel great. Double digits. I was gonna say congratulations. We right. made it. It's not. That I feel like I made it a long time ago. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, ten episodes. That's pretty cool, and uh, all of them varying in length. Yep. So yeah, it feels, feels like a little milestone. Yeah. I drink to that, but we don't have our beer yet. We don't have the beer yet. Really quick, uh, listeners out there, uh, I know we put this information at the end of the show, our contact information, stuff like that, but I do just want to reiterate, uh, if you guys can do us a favor and uh, do some reviews, we'd really appreciate that. The show would appreciate that. Um, also, if you could follow us on Twitter, we have a lot of, uh, I met a lot of great people over our 10 episodes yeah. already. You, you, Eric, of course, have been, introduced me to quite a few, but met a lot of great people on there and it's just cool to meet people that uh share the hobby so it's a really good community i've i've learned a ton from them twitter and in, in in general yeah twitter in general and the people that i've met along the way it, more than any other social media platform really yeah and i i really don't soch meads no uh <laughs> That's social media for... Uh... I've, I've dipped my toe in other ones. Like, I had a Facebook account for a hot minute. Like, I mean, literally less than about two weeks. And I, I saw it. I saw what was going on. And I was like, I don't want any of this. Hmm. So, it's Twitter. And I've tried, like, Mastodon. I've tried uh, Instagram. Never even heard of Mastodon. Yeah, it's like Twitter. How old am I? <laughs> is that like a new, new one? It's already over. No, I'm just kidding. You see, the problem with Instagram is you'd have to see our faces. Right. <laughs> I, I have, I still have my account open, but I really use it for family stuff, and it's not. There's nothing going on there, so. Yeah, that's. That is definitely something. But Twitter's the only one that's stuck, and I've met so many great people there. I can't imagine. Um, I can't imagine closing that account. So let's get right to the meat and uh, potatoes of this thing, and. Ask some quick questions. Quick questions! So you actually wrote more questions this time. I did, yeah. Go, um, go for it. So the first one I had was before the Xbox 360 era. And I, I don't remember ever remember the generation numbers. I don't know. What is it? Generation oh, what, yeah. 6, 5? I don't know. But anyway, before the Xbox 360 era and, I, and PS3, I guess. What was your favorite controller? What was your least favorite controller? I think it's funny that you say before the Xbox 360 era. I'm guessing for you afterwards, the, the newer controllers are just the best? Yeah, I, I, I think they're the pinnacle of ergonomics. Okay. To varying degrees, you know? Like, you can take the PS4 one and compare it to the Xbox One controller, and there's... They're kind of becoming very similar. Yeah, now. they're morphing into the very all-the-same kind of ergonomics, so I thought it would be a better question to ask before that well my answer might surprise you regardless of what control or 
<clears throat> and I want I want official generation. controllers, official controllers, yes. the ones that are, come with the systems. <laughs> okay, um, then I'll take the official Commodore sixty four controller. <laughs> exactly. Okay, that doesn't exist. No, um, no, it's gonna uh, it's gonna be funny. Um, so I don't know if this is if I try not to let nostalgia into these things, right? And I don't think it is honestly. Um, it might just have to do with my past using this, and I'm just so accustomed to it now that I love it. But honestly, the the Square NES controller, I oh, love sure. it. Yeah, I, uh, I don't think that's a bad answer. Uh, I know a lot of people will pick Super Nintendo. A lot of people will pick the Japanese Saturn controller or the or the USA Model Two. Yeah, Japanese. Saturn, and I or, do love that yeah. controller. Yeah. Um, but for me, those controllers kind of force your fingers to be somewhere. Okay. Because there's buttons on the top, and you kind of have to put your fingers there. They kind of assume a specific hand, like a hand size as well. Well, they have with, with yeah. that many buttons, they have to guess where your fingers are, and they have to right. make an, you know, and they do those two do a very good job of yeah guessing for the most people that that's going to work, and it, they're great controllers for that. But in this controller, I can hold that thing upside down, left, right, uh, you know, at a weird angle depending on what game I'm playing. Like it's just so there's only two buttons and a joypad. And it's so small relative to my hand. I can hold it however I want. Right. I guess some people, like, they'll actually have the corners dig into their hands and they'll hurt them over time. Yeah. But that's never been an issue for me. So let, let me ask you this. Of that, so there's the Nintendo, Turbo. there's the TurboGrafx-16, mm -hmm. and there's the Sega Master System. They're all pretty similar. So but would you say the Nintendo ones? I would say the Nintendo, favorite? but I was going to get to that. The okay. TurboGrafx, which, I, again, I've never used up until I bought one four years ago. Yeah. I love that controller as well. You, they're it's, so similar. They are very similar. Uh, and the turbo switches are pretty neat little feature. That's cool. That That's on there, yeah. Um, uh, it's a little bit bigger, and the buttons are a little bit lower. Um, not quite as perfect as the uh, control-wise as the Nintendo is as far as getting, you know, accuracy. Yeah. Um, but still really darn close. Um, I, loved, I almost love those equally. Okay. The Master System, uh, the buttons, have or they're not as connected to the electronics as i would like i don't know if that makes sense no it makes sense feels yeah. like there's some travel or some mush in the buttons and then the d-pad i've talked about this before i think that's really good if uh you use that controller for some of the isometric uh and we'll get to that in a second uh some of the isometric uh games that are really really big in england and stuff that have the the diagonals because yeah. the diagonals on that controller are really easy to hit in fact sometimes too easy and you mess up trying to play a you know, a game that you need to go up, down, left, and right. Right. So, so what's the f least favorite? Least favorite? Yeah, because that's on the question, man. Oh. Hey, man, I can ask whatever Shh, I want. I didn't read far enough. I made that's assumptions. the second half. <laughs> I'll think about that while you answer. What's your favorite? Okay, sure. Uh, if I had to pick one before the Xbox 360, I it's going to be a lame answer, but it'd probably be the PS2 DualShock. Okay. Well. I mean, it's it's got all the features. It's got the analog, the digital, multiple buttons for things. Um, I think I'd, I'd, I'd have to pick that one. I'd have to, but I think if I had to pick a second best controller, it would be the Saturn one. Is that before yeah. the Xbox 360? Yeah, that's, that's yeah. before that generation. What one before that? A generation before. How about your least favorite? I think I can guess what it is. You guess that one. I've, I've, you know, proclaimed it. N Nintendo 64. Nintendo 64. Yep. So that it's funny. I was thinking to get this eventually. My, my daughter and I have been playing a ton of Mario Party 2. Yeah, on my now that I've been using the heck out of my N sixty four EverDrive, and oh I, good, good, I instantly finally started using that. <laughs> I instantly, within five minutes, felt like I was at home with that controller again. Mm. I don't have a problem with it. I never grew up with it. I never used it. I think that if I 
was a kid or a, or a 20 something and that was my only console and I got used to it, I think I could get used to it, but I'm not and I don't. So I want to try your your new version of the controller. Yeah, I, I should bring it over sometime just to let you yeah, give it I want a to whirl. Check it out. Yeah. Um, least favorite. So I, I, again, I know I always hark on the Genesis one just because it's that yeah. and whatever. There's a lot of controllers that I probably, I'm honestly would probably like less. Um, but for whatever reason, that's the one that just pops into my mind because whenever I think Genesis, mm-hmm. instantly in my head, I, I want to play on another system because I don't want to use the controller. Yeah. I don't know why it's that big of a deal to me. It just feels weird. No, I, that's cool. I For some reason, I liked it a lot. In fact, I got that little interface that makes it work with the Commodore 64, and for a long time, mm-hmm. that was my go-to controller for my Commodore 64, as I, I preferred that. And for all the folks out there who want to try that, remember, you can't use the Genesis controller natively on the C64. It works, but you run the risk of blowing out the CIA chip in there, because if you hold down the fire button... Or oh, I'm sorry, the keyboard buttons while you use the joystick. If you accidentally do that, it will blow your CIA create, chip out. Yeah, create a, a short. So there's these things that have diode protection on them. There's these little controllers that will allow you to use a Genesis controller with no problem. Yep. So. So I've been and I recently played. Um, well, we'll get there in a second, but recently played some Amiga, and I was using uh, my version of that, but I was using it with my NES controller. Oh yeah, that's, that's my controller. That's my go-to. And again, nice, the one yeah. I bought, I think, was like two or three bucks more. But it does Super <laughs> Nintendo, NES, or Genesis. It's oh, like this nice. mix-up chip thing. I, I got to be honest. I bought an adapter that uses what I just said was my favorite controller, the PS2, and I use that on my Amiga now. And there's the just, PS2. Yep, it's a oh, PS2 controller weird. with the Amiga. There's just something that isn't right. I don't know if I can respect you for that. That's weird. Man, There's something weird about that. <laughs> it works. It works, but I got to admit it's not it's not my optimal it's not my optimal setup. So, I've been using that Ben Edwards joystick with the Amiga and it works great. That thing did feel solid when you brought it over. Yeah. I haven't actually played with it, but it felt solid. Oh, it's very good. So, yeah. on Twitter, I put out a uh, I retweeted a tweet <clears throat> I saw there. Um, you know, the peak of crea- uh, creativity retweeting somebody else's thoughts sure but there's a picture on there of i guess it was a toys r us in 1983 which was the year i was born um and it was the computer slash video game aisle is i think it was mostly looking at the computers but there's right video games on there as well and i just thought how cool it would be and like the first thing i jumped in my head is how much would i pay or like what would i do to have that experience of being able to walk through a toys r us video game computer aisle back then knowing that nowadays i days i have many of these machines and i want Mm-hmm. to collect more of them and play on more of them and experience them. How cool would it be to, uh, I could see like a, it looked like either a, a Atari 400 or Atari 800 sitting there. Yeah. And just walking through there. They had little plastic cases. Now I do remember when I was in, when I was younger, probably six, going to Toys R Us and looking through the little books of video games and you have to like pull out the tags and then take them up front to a cage right. and then that part of it. Yeah. Um, I, I remember this clearly because I'd make the pilgrimage and ride my bike the six or seven miles to the Toys R Us down at Arden. And uh, they those tags would there'd be a display showing the cover of the game, the video game. OK, so like there'd be a Commodore 64 game. I remember summer games and you'd see the the, the box lid and then underneath it was were the tags and they were just like you know, 20 tags or whatever of all the same tag that just said, Hey, take this to the cage and you can get your game. So you'd rip that tag off. Mm -hmm. 
you'd go to the you'd go through the register, you'd pay for it, and then you'd have to go to this cage, this closet thing. <laughs> the and, dungeon. And half the time there wouldn't be anyone manning the station. They'd have to call someone and they'd go over to it and they would go and they'd hand you the game through the little slot in the They'd go over there, they'd like hunch over and go, ah. Exactly. You'd have to feel guilty for wanting something. But how much would you pay then? Hundred bucks. You'd pay a hundred bucks to do it. <laughs> I don't know how long I get there. Maybe you know an hour or more, just to go check that aisle out and go through there and just pour everything. Two yeah, hours. I would. I would want two hours. I'm a pretty nostalgic guy. I think I'd probably spend more. Yeah, than that. that's a place I went a lot as a kid. Yeah. Just to sometimes it was just to just to like window shop, like just browsing the aisles. But the funny thing about that picture you showed is I went to Toys or I started riding my bike there a year later than that, eighty four. So yeah. I was in junior high, 84, 85, and, uh, well, 83, 84. Yeah. So it was about 83, 84 when I'd start riding my bike down there with my friend Jesse, and we'd we'd spend hours looking down that aisle. And they would. I remember they had the Commodore 64, the VIC-20, all the Atari computers, the TI, um, the Coleco Atom they had there. Mm -hmm. They had a ton in the in this place there. That was the place to go, really. Very cool. Yeah, so I don't know. I think I'd spend more than that. I'd probably, I don't know, 500 bucks. <laughs> wow. I, w I mean, I wish I could go back in time and buy all that stuff and bring it well, back. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> I'd spend a lot more than that if I was able to buy things and then come back here. I'd right? cash in my 401k and just yeah, there you go. buy a semi full of stuff <laughs> and bring it back. Perfect. All right, so my last question. I tried to make this not as grim as possible, this question. So in 45 minutes from now, all this is electricity. Very specific. <laughs> all, well, and I'll tell you why I did it specifically. All electricity on Earth will cease to exist. You've dun, dun, found dun, safety dun, for dun, your family. Dun, dun, dun. I should have got yeah. music ready for this. You found safety for your family and are fully prepared for what comes next. What video game would you play for your final 45 minutes? And listen, I could have made this dire. I could have said, hey, you're going to die in 45 minutes. What video games? But I figured you'd want to, you know, first spend time with me, then second, <laughs> spend time with your family, you know. But, um, but no, so so for you, you have 45 minutes to play a, a single video game. What would you do? So without getting really nitty gritty and making fun of all the specifics. and <laughs> Right. I mean, obviously, I'd want to play something super happy because I'm about to die and I'm going to be thinking about well, that. Well, not but in my scenario. Not in your scenario. Okay. Not in your, not my scenario. All right. I'd probably just pay something, honestly, where I can just go do whatever because I'm not trying to achieve anything. I'm just playing and having fun. So I'm going to say Just Cause 3. Wow, really? Yeah. That's just, a great game. Just run around and blow stuff up. My or, son and I it's had kind of like a, a Far Cry. I mean, no, no, but I even more it. over the top and ridiculous. My son and I have had a blast with Just Cause Three. In fact, I've been—I always see Just Cause Four, and I'm like, oh, I should buy that sometime. I should buy that sometime, and I just don't pull the trigger on it. But uh, if the price comes down, I will. Yep. But no, I love Just Cause Three. I, I think I'd pick Twisted Metal too, just because it's my favorite game. Yeah. And if I'm never going to play another game again, I'd probably would pick that. Yep. And you can do the same thing on that. Just run around, blow people up. That's and... that's all I would do. Yeah. Yeah, or, and, but I did think of Tony Hawk. Like I thought about like the Tony Hawk yeah, Pro Skater Two, like something open world where you just kind of go nuts. It's funny that the two ones I picked though would be on PS One. Oh, that's true, huh? And I wouldn't even say that's my favorite console of all time, but it is what it is, I guess. Awesome. We are moving on to Errata here, uh, where we just say what we did wrong last <clears throat> time. Yeah. 
And while we do that, I'm going to start opening our next beer, which be we'll awesome. get to in just a second. Um, we already discussed the Dustin Not Nick thing, didn't we? I thought we did. Yeah, I think we did too. Interesting. I don't know how much more errata we have. The only one I really mo- noted on here, first of all, um, Telltale. Uh, I talked about Sam and Max and how I couldn't download that episode again because they are no longer a company. Oh, okay. Um, uh, we'll get this to in a, here uh, do this in a second, but I got a new computer here, put Steam on there. Oh, I see that. And nice. I clicked on Sam and Max and it downloaded. So I don't know if that was a temporary thing and they fixed it. Or it was something on your old laptop? I don't know. Huh? Oh, I don't have an old laptop, but yeah. Oh, I mean on your old system. Yeah. So that's yeah. my rod. All right, we have beer here. <clears throat> so if you remember last time, our friend, uh, not Pat. Not Pat. <laughs> but Tim. Yeah. Sanction on Twitter. Have you have you been thinking about that where you got the name Pat? No idea. No idea. It's funny how that happens. It's a three letter word. Yeah. With a T in it and one syllable and two consonants. (laughs) Can I keep going? Um he and I brought I saved this so we could read this again. Uh he sent us a care package with some goodies and one of the things he sent us, along with a bunch of candy. Um is he got us a couple of beers from, and I quote, the deepest Cornwall way down in the west of England from the famous Jamaica Inn close to the Bodmin Moors, which I'm sure I said some of that wrong. Um, their, so, lo- their location sounds so much so much cooler than ours. I know, it really we're does. Like, oh, I went to Stockton and passed Manteca, and they're like, oh, over the dale and through the weird oaks to or grandmother's whatever. grandmother's house we go. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> wow, yours sounds so cool, and ours sounds so, so I lame. seriously feel like I'm like running through Hobbiton, and I have to like stop and into the Prancing Pony Inn and get a mead and then yeah. hide from the, uh, what are they called? Not Ring Race, that's Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, it sounds very cool. So what is this one called? Uh, we I just grabbed one. I probably should have paid attention, but I just grabbed one. This is uh, from the Tintagel Brewery. Uh, real ale from the home of King Arthur. Arthur's Ale. Brewed with pure Cornish spring water. <laughs> Not cornhole. You don't want cornhole spring water. <laughs> you want Cornish spring water. If any water's coming out of cornholes, don't oh, drink it. Oh, good gracious. Don't Again, drink it. We do touch in the PG-13 area from time to time. Now, this is only 4.4% alcohol by volume, which means we get to drink twice as much. That is great. All right. Let me get some icy cold uh, glasses here. Make a bunch of noises. Yay. And what kind of beer was that again? Did it say? I'm going to pour one for my homies. Uh, It did, but since I'm pouring it and it is label side down, I could not tell you at the moment. Like a... Uh, It looks kind of light for... It's pure Cornish beer. Um, Arthur's Ale. Just an ale. Like You're right, it doesn't actually, let's see here, I'm sure it does. Maybe it's just a pale ale. Um, Arthur's Ale, a uh, pale amber beer. Yeah, nice. nice. I bet it's going to be great. I do enjoy my ambers. And we'll get to that one next. Let's take a look at that one. All right. Well, while we're pouring this, let's go ahead and start catching up. And I poured that one too fast, and there's a big old... I'll take that one. Big old... Oh, it's all right. It doesn't matter to me. Big old head on that one. All right. I'm going to let that settle here for a second. Sure. So, catching up. Um, I did catch myself, by the way, I mentioned playing the Amiga, and I started playing uh, some of the Lotus games, because I've heard great things about them. Um, They're kind of like an outrun, which is bigger in America, obviously. Yeah. Um... 
And I really enjoyed Lotus. A lot of people love Lotus too. Mm-hmm. I know um, the Amigos. I listen to, when I listen to the Amigos podcast, they always rave about. I think it's Lotus Two, but they play Lotus Two and Three. They they they're big fans of them, mm-hmm. but I think it's Lotus Two. They say is really good. a lot of people really like that one. I from what I I preferred Three. Okay, when I played these. Where and what um, what platform did you play played on? My my Amiga Five Hundred. Amiga, great. Okay. Um, and uh, I played it with my NES controller, and um. Uh yeah, it was a good time. The three has like they put, um, like speed cone or uh, construction cones and things in the middle of the road. Okay. So you're constantly dodging those along with cars. And I think a lot of people think it just kind of screws up your rhythm. Whereas yeah, Lotus Two is I much think, more a little more open. Yeah, I think the last one I played was two, so I don't remember three. I know I've played it, but I don't remember three that much. But it did kind of strike me as odd. Um, you you do have to start on the first race and work your way through all the races. Mm-hmm. And so I made it to the very last race on Lotus 3, and then it just got insanely more difficult. Yeah. But it was a great time doing it. Um, but I thought it was interesting because there was a, I should have wrote it down, a fellow on Twitter that I saw take a picture of his setup playing Lotus 3 with an NES controller. I saw that. And um, I was laughing because I took a picture of my setup, which is, which is exactly that, except I also had a picture of um, a Crunchy Bar that I was eating at that time. Yeah. Time. And uh, that's where I get to, again, our boy uh, Tim, um, who sent us a bunch of candies last time. And I got addicted to them. Those crunchy bars are delicious. I was going to say, I, that was probably your favorite, huh? That was by far my favorite. I and think I, it was. That was the one with the honeycomb in it, right? Yeah. And yeah. I remember those from England. So I, I went ahead and like ordered a 12-pack of them. From and, England? Uh, well, um, essentially, but from Amazon. <laughs> I wonder if there's like an importer exporter though. They didn't come from the UK, right? I think they have to. Well, they came to Amazon. Then you bought them from Amazon in yeah. the warehouse here. So you got them a couple days later? Yeah, I got them pretty quick. Oh, that's great. I might do that because those were really good. I did love crunchies. Cool. All right. To our beer here. Right on. Cheers. Cheers. I'll go first this and time. Well, cheers to uh, Tim. Yeah, you go first this time. So, um, we going to move on to the next one? Yep. Let me ask you one thing about Lotus. Do you feel it's a little tough going back to racing games after playing modern ones? Definitely. It doesn't feel like... I, even back then, like OutRun stuff never appealed to me. Right, me either. Um, so I always kind of had a hard time, even when those were the new thing, playing those games where mm-hmm. sprites just kind of get bigger at you. Yeah, like Super Scalar almost, but yeah. not, not not really Super Scalar, but kind of that technology where it gets smaller and bigger. Yep. Yeah, it always kind of looked, even though it was cutting edge or whatever at the time, it always kind of looked janky to me. And the I car, a, I have a really hard time going back to especially racing games. I mean, I can play any other genre and go back, but I can't play the racing ones. I mean, it's yeah, it almost feels like having my hands tied behind my back or something. Yeah, you go all the way left or all the way right or straight. Yep. So this bear is very very um, distinctive. Let's see what you think. It's mm. chewy. That is really good, though. It is good, but it's very um, distinctive. It's got a little tang to it. Mm. Yeah, but I can't... Is it? I mean, it's low alcohol, so it's not that alcohol. I it like good. it. Yeah. Very flavorful. I'm going to say it's... I mean, it's light, but chew, somehow it's chewy, even though it's light. There's just a lot of... A lot there. I like it. I'm going to give it a thumbs up. I'll give it a thumbs up, too, but... <clears throat> I've not, I haven't had anything like that before. That's cool. I'm going to give it a thumbs up and a you win. You win. There right. we go. All right. Because you don't have a soundboard, I you don't, have to point at it, and that means, Cody, do this now. <laughs> <laughs> All 
Uh, you've been playing some uh, PS2. I remember last time we you said you were going to slow down on tinkering and buying, and you were going to focus on playing and PS2 and PS1. And to my word, I haven't, I haven't really played or bought any Xbox One games. I um, have done nothing but tinker and mess with things and spend way too much nice. money. So my bad. So I've lived uh, up to my word. I did buy a couple Switch games, but I, I didn't say I wasn't going to buy Switch games. <laughs> um, but Semantics. I did want to go into Ape Escape. Have you played any of the Ape Escapes? I downloaded it on my PlayStation Classic, hoping to play it. Play I've heard great things about it. Ape Escape 1. Ape Escape 1. And uh, when I turned it on, the first thing it said was, you need dual sticks. Yeah, you need dual shock. So I'm like, oh, yeah. okay. Well, I'll have to but get not it. not dual shock, but you're right. Dual stick. The, dual, the, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that happened to me too, by the way. So that's why I didn't start with that one. I started with Ape Escape 2 because yeah. I've never played them before. Okay, so I, to this moment, I don't know how it plays. I don't know what the gameplay and, is. And I do want to kind of go into it because I want to point out um, a few things based on some things I've said about games in the past and relate them to this game. So this is going to be kind of a mini review. Oh, of review. Ape Escape 2. Yeah. I wasn't even ready. <laughs> it's time for a review! So, Ape Escape 2. I. I did the same thing. Download PS1 didn't work, so I got I downloaded on the hard drive for my PS2, Ape Escape 2 and 3. So I've got two of them to kind of go try. Um, but I, I started up Ape Escape 2, had knew nothing about it, never even watched videos on it. I did hear everyone raving about what a great game it was. So Which is funny, because if I saw the cover or saw the title listed in a list, I would never pick that to play. Same thing to me. I think that <laughs> this is kind of cartoony. It's gotten, you know, I'm I'm just not... I, you know, if I saw just the cover, I'd be like, yeah, this isn't really for me. Um, but I gave it a shot. And what you do, the goal of the game, at least Ape Escape 2, is you are this guy running around and he has a net. Is he an ape? He is not an ape. Oh, okay. He's a person. And I got to admit, I, have, I played this a couple weeks ago. So, I mean, I, I haven't played in two weeks because I, I switched to a different game, which I'll be reviewing later. Ooh, cool. Lots of reviews this episode. I'll tell you that up front. Yeah. Um, and I'll keep this one pretty short. Your guy, you're running around and you start off with a net and a and this baton. It's like a electrified baton. And you run around these 3D worlds. Um, they're like little enclosures. You run around. It's a 3D kind of game. You look it over your shoulder, kind of, or looking down on on yourself. And your goal is to hit the monkeys and you stun <laughs> them. But the goal is really to capture them with your net. But you can stun them with your baton and grab them. Um, and each monkey has a little siren on its head, a little like, um, not a siren, but one of the, what do you, what do you call those little lights that swirl around on uh, cop cars? A beacon? Yeah, like a beacon. And they're different colors. And it means they do different things. Uh, so one color means that they will, um, you can't really sneak up on them. And uh, another color means that they're going to run, they're going to throw things at you. Um, so you go and you hunt down these apes. And if you catch a certain number, then you get to go to the next level. Um, it sounds very basic, but it, meanwhile, you, when you clear a level, you go back home and you can spend money on upgrading your devices that you have. So instead of a, like just RPG like a, elements, like, exactly like <laughs> RPG, like elements, you go back to this command center and you Score one for Cody. There's like this bubblegum machine, this giant bubblegum machine. You can spend coins on it and a little ball rolls down and like it'll show you you get a little animation or you get part of the story or you get 
um, cookies, which are your health meter, is, are cookies. Okay. Like five cookies and you, you have full. But it, I, I got to tell you, I sat down with it and I started playing it. And it, even though it's cartoony, it, cl it clicks all the boxes for me. Really? I mean, it's like okay. no, there's no time limits on the levels. You can explore. You can explore and actually find things in the world to use. Um, you, it is a, it, it is a, not an open world, but large world. So you're, you can explore it. Um, and that's about it. So anyway, I've been, I've been really enjoying it. I mean, it, I, I didn't expect to really love it. I just wanted to try it. And, and based on our conversations, you know, I'll try like 20 games before each podcast segment. Yeah. Like I'll try 20 games at home, but I'll play one for five minutes and go, but this isn't for me. And then just ditch it. This one, I, I think I probably have four or five hours in it. Oh, wow. I love it. It's a great game. Cool. Yeah, I'm going to have to give that a shot. I'm watching video of it now, too. Yeah, and this is just kind of an animation of, like, just, you know, messing Characters around. Characters and stuff, yeah. Yeah, but... I was hoping it, to get to some gameplay here, but... So, yeah, I just assumed you were an ape the whole time. But, yeah, you're a... No, you're like a little boy kid. or something, or a girl. Can't remember. Yeah. Cool. But those yeah, are the apes the, that you catch. Yeah, I see the beacons. All right. Yeah, so each beacon means something different, and they they will run from you. So it's almost like a game of tag, like you're really trying to get there. Yeah. And there are things in the world you have to hit with your baton, like switches to lower a bridge or something like that. Some light puzzle elements. It's very yeah. light puzzle elements, which I appreciate because I don't like heavy puzzle elements. Mm -hmm. um, no time limits. I mean, it's really it's a beautiful game. So I'm really looking forward to now. Everybody I talk to on Twitter or the guy at Legacy Games. They say this is our local uh, friendly game store. Yep, they basically say Ape Escape One is better, really, than even two or three. And you find that a okay. lot of sequels. You know, so a sequel comes out and they're like, "Yeah, I didn't like this. I didn't like that." So I'm gonna go back. I actually went to Legacy and I bought um, Ape Escape One. I guess it's not rare, but it is getting harder to find because I got a he was sold me the greatest hits one, and it was like seventeen bucks. Yeah. So, I mean, that's right. not super cheap for a yeah, PS1 well, game. PlayStation games are getting up there now. Any of the ones that are, even if there weren't, you know, yeah. a lot of them. I know Spyro goes for about that price now, and that was everywhere. Yeah. And the Tomb Raiders, I think, are starting to get above 10 bucks. And Yep. It's too bad. So, do you remember walking into, I remember walking into Dimple Records. Yeah. And they had video game section, and almost all the PS1 games were like three bucks. Yeah. Yeah, you know what really I mean? Cheap for a while. They were just, and they had them all. You just don't see that anymore. But again, the PS One's a system I never loved. No, me either. Because even at the time, like I had the Nintendo sixty four, and I appreciate. It. I know everyone makes fun of how it's like smeared Vaseline on your TV now. Yeah. But I always appreciated how their games were rounded, and you could tell, even though they were simpler characters and things, you could tell what you're looking at. Yeah. And the PS One stuff back then, and even to this day, is hard for me to. The stomach just the way it looks is hard to the, the 3d games yeah, i agree because yes, the yes. funny thing and see twisted metal 2 was a little different it wasn't it wasn't so chunky or or i'm sorry polygonal looking because you know it was square like ice cream trucks and stuff like that you still had the clipping in and out of walls yeah a lot in twisted metal 2 that's the one thing i and really like, didn't the like textures about it. on yep. the things got um, hard to see and but games like castlevania um like yeah. like what you got up there um and Ape Escape, from what I saw from the videos, they don't really, they don't really suffer from that too much. So anyway, anyway, review over. Uh, here we go. No, that was for the game, not you. <laughs> All right. All right. Otherwise, it would have gotten a, a, a 
Wheel of Fortune, bum, 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 <laughs> or was the price is wrong? Thumb down. Um, I picked up a game on my Switch because it was on Super Sale, and I've been thinking about it. Um, I've played. Have you played any of the Steam World games? No. So I played Steam World Heist, and I loved it. In fact, later in the show, you'll hear about it. Um, but I picked up Steam World Dig on the Switch because it was on sale. I heard great things. Actually, a lot of people played this. Not as many people have played Heist. Um, but I think you would. I think you would dig this. Yeah. Oh, where's my uh, corny? Uh... Oh, um, I did look at a video of this. I I went into the eShop and looked at the little video they have um, attached to the game in the eShop because I saw you mention it on Twitter. Yeah. And I didn't. I never seen them. I've never played any. So I saw it. It looks cool. I think it dropped down to like three bucks. So wow. I'm like, for that, yeah, I have to get it. I was hoping to get a physical for like twenty, yeah, or fifteen if it goes on sale or something. But for three bucks, I'm like, whatever, I'm doing it digitally. And uh, no, it's a cool game. It actually reminds me a lot of Mr. Driller. Oh, uh, which I not, really love. It's not a puzzle game. It is definitely a. It, I would call it if you had a no time limit Mr. Driller with RPG elements. But that's. That's high praise. That's high, pra- <laughs> high <laughs> that praise. High praise. Um, I wouldn't say I absolutely loved it. A lot of people really do. So I think it would still hit you right. But um, there wasn't a lot of challenge to it. It was, more, it was almost like busy work. Okay. But it was fun. It was fun busy work. Funny thing is like uh, a game we're going to mention here in the future coming up here is, is, I mean, a game like that sometimes can be relaxing. Yeah. Versus the really hard games. <laughs> now this, this would be a relaxing game. Yeah. yeah. You you start digging, um, you know, it's like your grandpa left you this this mine he has the rights to, and there's a city above the mine with a few people left in it. It's like this old west, but of course you're these steampunk robot things. Yeah. And you start digging down there, and you collect enough gems to take them to the surface and change it in for cash, and then you can buy things to upgrade your axe and upgrade your lantern so you can stay down there longer before your light runs out. And so you start digging again and get more and more precious jewel- gems and... Uh, that's essentially the concept of the whole game. I did think you it took, beat it? Yeah. Wow. It's about How eight, long did it take you to beat it? About eight hours. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah. Um, very cool. Which is a little longer than average, but I'm very, I know I'm very, I, I want to get every little flipping thing. Yeah. I can't just beat a game to beat it. I have to get every little thing. That's what I, I typically try to do that. And usually I lose steam, but at, while I'm going through it, I try to get everything. Yep. Yeah. Um, so anyways, I'd, uh, I'd suggest it. I think you'd like it. Okay. Um, I will give it an eight. That's pretty... not that I said I would review it, but that's pretty good. Yeah, eight I mean it's ten. not something I would recommend for everybody. Although I take that back because a lot of people love it, so maybe everyone does like it. Right on. It almost feels like, almost like a mobile phone game, and like, but with good controls. Yeah. Where you're playing it, you're just like, this is nice, but then it's not interrupted by any ads. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty much what it feels like. Cool. So there's that. Um, so I played that over our vacation. My family and I went to a uh, one of the timeshare my parents have and just chilled by the pool and just enjoyed it. That's great. Um, so I just played that uh, while we were sitting in bed and stuff. Um, but I couldn't help myself uh, from not playing a C64 game while I was out there. Nice. So I did bring a laptop and I um, brought, you know, there's the web emulators online and stuff. And I brought a, uh, I brought my F, was SF30 controller. Okay. And uh, downloaded. Uh, actually, I already bought this a while back, but put Maze of the uh, Mummy, Maze of the Mummy. Yes. Yeah. Which I actually saw on the back of one of the Free sixty four magazines. Oh, cool. That I it was advertised in the back of one. I saw that and I'm like, that looks really good. I already have it. Let's play it. 
and it is absolutely a puzzle game. <laughs> That's I, I remember taking a quick look at some videos online and realizing this is a puzzle game. It's so I'm absolutely probably not, a puzzle game. Not too interested. Right? Um, I actually did enjoy it, though. Oh, that's um, good. I really did enjoy it. You're basically, you show up in this maze. I think I like it because most of the puzzles have more than one way to beat it, at least up front. That is important. It's not like find out the exact right thing. There's a couple different ways you can do it. Yeah. But basically, uh, you're in a maze. There's a mummy somewhere in that maze. Every time you move, he moves towards you, and you kind of learn exactly how he moves towards you. Um and you're, so you're trying to use the walls to your advantage. So, like, if you move away from him, but there's a wall in the way, he'll just try to move into that wall. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so you're trying to lure the mummy to get somewhere so you could trap him somewhere so you can get to the exit, which is usually behind where he starts. Right. Um, later in the levels, you'll get two mummies, which is fun because if you get them to touch each other, they fight and one of them dies. <laughs> so in some of the mazes, you have to make a mummy die. Yeah. Or um, I think there were some scorpions, um, which uh, were, were similar um, there's fire, I want to say. There's a couple of little things. So basically the game plays the same. But it's cool because you have this pyramid of levels to go up. I think there's five on the bottom level, then four, three, two, one. After you beat all those, you've completed that pyramid. And then you go to an overworld map, and that allows you to get to the... You have options, which way, left or right, uh, to what pyramid you want to go next. And so I think you can get all the way to the end of the game in like six or seven pyramids, but you have multiple ways to get there. So there's a lot of game. Yeah. I beat, uh, I think, three pyramids <laughs> before I stopped for the time being. But you, I can I can go back to it. You make a great point about puzzles, though. If there are multiple ways to beat a puzzle, I enjoy that puzzle much better. It's the very linear way, yeah. uh, you know, where you almost design a puzzle from the solution to the beginning, where there's only one path to solve it. I, I, that's those are the puzzles I don't like. Like one a, example of a great puzzle is in you, you haven't played the new Legend of Zelda yet, right? No, Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild. Yeah, I've actually played very few Zeldas ever. Okay, this one is is really good. I really enjoyed my time playing it. And you go into these temples, and if you beat the temple, you get certain power. And there are puzzles. There are puzzle elements in these temples. But there are many ways you can usually beat it. You can fly across to a certain level. Oh, yeah, I've heard that. Mm -hmm. Or you can, like, use an explosion that launches you over something. I mean, there are way, many. It doesn't matter how you, you solve creative it. creative and, yeah. There can be five or six ways to fix to, to solve it. And I really loved it. Then you get to the bosses, and there's only one way to solve it, and that's I hated those. Oh, really? Okay. So, that you know, it's a good example of both. But that's good. I mean, that, that sounds interesting then. You gave, you gave Skyforce a shot on the Switch? So I did. Yep. I downloaded it, and I do like it a lot. Um, it starts a little slow because you start with the pea shooter. <clears throat> yep. You start with the pea shooter, and I was really surprised. When I first started playing, I was like, oh, this is easy. It's mm -hmm. slow moving. I'm not going to have any problem. And like the first pl time I played, I got two of the, the, the milestones, the quests. Yeah, there's two out of four stars. You have to get all four stars to get to the next, Yep. open the next level. Yep. So I got two, and I was like, "See, this is this is easy." But then, I, I even on the first level, I had a challenge. It was, I had a hard time getting the next two. Yeah, I get but it. I kept getting the stars and and adding things. Excuse me, adding things, and um, it was a very interesting element. So I did get past it. I think I'm on the I'm only on like the third or fourth level right now, but it's it's a very challenging. It gets to be very challenging. Yep. And so you just have so, to keep on. Uh... 
Yeah. Know, basically grinding, but grinding is fun because it's never the same grind. Yep. You're playing the same levels, but trying to do a different uh, strategy or trying to... Yep. It's know. one of those things you just keep going back to the same level, but you can... There's a built-in mechanism to, mechanism to make you more powerful, so every time you go in there, you have a better chance of actually beating yep. it or I'm, getting I'm one of the I'm going into this run turns. to try not to get hit. Yep. To get that star. Or I'm going into this run to kill everything, so I don't care if I get hit a couple times because I need to kill everything. Does that have... I can't remember. It it does have a two-player mode, doesn't it? I believe so. Yeah, because I'm, I'm taking my Switch on vacation next week, and I'm going to try to get my son to play that. Very cool. Yeah. So And we both have the, the Nintendo Pass. We should see if it connects yeah one of these days we're gonna play something online together it's gonna actually happen we should try it would be a lot of fun <laughs> um i got a couple games in from play asia okay let me grab them here real quick <clears throat> so my final verdict on the spear is is i love it i do i do too it's, it's good. really good it's definitely got a tang like this yeah it's good it's a really it's a cool bit, tang a little but... tangy um so this is one of them. Have you? I um, think we talked about this one. We did talk about it. Yep. Reverie, and you'll notice it's still in its packaging. Yep. Um, so this is what's kind of Earthbound-ish. Yeah, it looks. It's kind of like Earthbound, and the main um, weapon he uses in there, kind of like in Star Tropics, is a yo-yo. Yeah. So it came with a little yo-yo. With a yo-yo, um, which I have not opened the game, but I have opened the yo-yo, and I've actually been playing with it. <laughs> Here's the yo-yo. Here. Wow. It's actually metal. Yeah. It's actually not terrible. Um, when I was younger, I want to say in like junior high, I got into yo-yos for a little bit. Yeah, me my too. My dad taught me a few things. And this just shows my compulsive um, mentality. Um, Are you going to open that? We'll get to that in just a second. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Exhibits A, B, and C. I went out and bought yo-yos. Yeah. <laughs> I started playing with that yo-yo, and I'm like, that's really cool. And then I got on a YouTube kick, yep. and I found this website that basically, like, grades yo-yos and best starter yo-yos, and you need a, a yo-yo for doing loop tricks, so I got a loop 70. You need a yo-yo to help you uh, learn how to do your uh, sleep tricks, like walk the dog and, like, the uh, Eiffel Tower and things. So I got this guy. And then uh, this is a, uh, they call this a non-reactive, I think, a non, what do they call it? Anyways, a yo-yo that doesn't come back to you until you do, like, wrap the string around it during your trick and then let go. Yeah. Anyways, I went yo-yo crazy. <laughs> oh, apparently uh, it's time for something else here. Talking tech! Oh, we're talking tech now. Do we have anything? <laughs> no, we're not talking tech. We're I accidentally hit that button. I'll just take that out of the show. Well, we were talking yo-yo tech. Yo-yo tech. Oh, there we go. There we See, go. it all fits. Um, so anyways... It is still in the box. Yeah. I'll get back to that. Okay. Here's the other game I got. And it's still in the box, too. Let's it is take also a look still at that. in the box. This game looked so cool. I bought it purely because it looked good. Went on Steam, saw it got like an 8 out of 10 when it was on Steam. Oh, and really? That game is Ghoul Boy. The Vita game. And uh, I heard some of the things. Like, they got 8 out of 10. It's like, it's a great game. There's nothing like imaginative about I mean, the art and the story are kind of cool. Yeah. Um, they said there's nothing groundbreaking. It's just a solid platformer. So I can only give it an 8. I'm like, well, I love just platforms. I love solid platforms. Yep. <laughs> so the reason these are not open is because by the time I received the one you have in your hand, that is now $200. Is, uh, how much did you pay for it? 30 bucks. And it's 200 now? And now it's 200 bucks. This is my issue with these limited run games. Yeah. Um, this one, again, this is from PlayAsia. Yeah. I know. Yes, I paid thirty for this, and I could open it, enjoy it at thirty bucks. But my mind does not work that way. My mind goes, "Cool, I got this game in my hand, it's unopened, and it's worth two hundred dollars. So would I pay two hundred dollars for this? No. 
So if I don't sell it, I'm basically paying two hundred dollars for it. That's right. the way my mind works. And l- l- let me let me ask you this off the books, <laughs> just between you and me, can you get that game somehow on your Vita and play it without opening this? Oh yeah, no, you can buy it for for nine ninety nine. Oh, D- you can. Digital. Okay. Yeah. So if you're really interested in the game per se, you could just go play it. Yeah, and I, that's probably what I'll do. Yeah. I mean, I I don't want to pay two hundred for a physical. I'll pay thirty bucks for a physical. Okay. But that's two hundred bucks. I'm not gonna hold. I'm not gonna open that and basically rip two Benjamins in half. That makes sense. Hey, uh, now that the PS Vita, they've they've driven the dagger through the heart of that. Uh huh. Has the price gone down on them? Because I still no, they're lo- going up like crazy. because uh, I'd really love to get one someday. Everyone's uh, yeah, trying to, to scrambling one. to get them. They also finally cut off the <clears throat> supply of the Vita cartridges. So these limited run game companies are getting the last of it. The shells are pretty. They don't make the shells anymore. Yep. The whole yeah. Mm. So they're um, they're basically re- releasing these games with like a thousand runs. That'll and those get are fixed. like the end of the Vita carts. Yeah, that'll get fixed because they can 3D print new cartridges and then they just need to get how big the circuit boards are inside the carts. Yeah. They'll be able to work around that. And anyways, Reverie, not to, not to the same extent, but even though this one's a, a Switch game, yeah, uh, this one's already going for near 100. So. And how much did you pay? Uh, 35. But this the reason I got it, one of the reasons I got this one particularly, the game looks good, but it's got um, a world map in it yeah see that's a big old unfoldable world map it's got a soundtrack cd Uh, this means nothing to me a numbered certificate um and they call it this version of it is called the sweet as edition with one s (laughs) so i have number 964 and yeah they only printed i think a thousand of them or something so all right see i i don't have anything unopened when i get it i open it (laughs) it doesn't matter yep but to me, yeah. do I keep those two games, or do I download them digitally and use that money and buy myself an Amiga 1200 or something? Since the Reverie game has <laughs> like, a bunch of feelies in it, I'd, be, I'd still have a hard time not opening that. That one I might, not, I might keep that one. Yeah. I might keep that one for the feelies. All My right. phone keeps going off. I apologize about that. Yeah, I keep hearing that thinking that's like, <laughs> end of a segment. <laughs> yep. You have another PlayStation topic. I do. Let me look here. Oh, well, this one will be quick. Um, everybody raves about Spyro. Yeah, we mentioned it already. Yep, and uh, we mentioned Spyro. Yeah, well, I mentioned it how it's the price is going up on a regular Spyro. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Game. So I've never played a Spyro game, so I went and I put it on my PlayStation Classic. Okay, went and grabbed it, launched it, started playing it. I was like, okay, this is okay. It's kind of neat. It suffers from the same PlayStation problems. You know, the choppy, the, the, the camera's not The camera's perfect. messed up, the polygons look horrible, the textures don't look so good. I mean, it, but you expect that from the PlayStation, right? But after a while of playing that, it, it made me sick. And I don't get sick from... I don't oh, get, weird. I don't get motion sickness from most video games. There huh. have been a couple that I do, and one was on Xbox One, was the first Wolfenstein game. Like, I played that, and for some reason, it, it, I just the got first sick. first remake? Uh, yeah. Not the first. <laughs> no, not the first one. Uh, the not remake the on the Xbox One. Well, did you know it was actually keeping out before Doom exactly. on the PC? I remember that one. That was actually fun. Um, I destroyed Mecha Hitler many times. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> that's my short story on Spyro is I tried to get I into it. That I game. played it for 15 minutes and I was like, wow, oh, this is not making my stomach feel very well. And I turned it off, walked away, felt better. So I, Now you need to get the PlayStation VR version. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
I, I I'm gonna give it a you know there, there is a PS2 version of Spyro right like because that one had sequels up the wazoo right I, I think it did but yeah the first three that were on the PlayStation one are the one people love okay the ones people love I might try another different one maybe just the way the camera was in that game just didn't sit with me well so yeah. anyway that's right. my story with that one gotcha you tried uh the Bridge new Strike. Amiga game yeah which, which I was a bummer because I know that I I wanted you to just just at least try it so that we could both talk about it i was very very excited to try this game it looked great yep and um yeah you you purchased it and uh you let me try it because i i did want to buy it as well but again i have a, a amiga fear mm-hmm. um that i just have a hard time loading a lot of games even though you helped me get that fixed with the yeah. pal and ntsc switcher and the debugger and everything but um yeah his name is uh, gonna escape me glowing rice is that glowing no. Freaking Frankie? Freaking Frankie. Yeah. Sorry. Freaking Frankie. Okay. Yep. Uh, Glowing Rice was our, our buddy who did the uh, Neo Geo <clears throat> mini yeah. review. Yeah. But that that is one of the reasons. I, I heard about all the problems loading games, especially in America, like in NTSC land. So that was one of the reasons I got the Amiga 1200. So yeah. so, so I didn't mention that I did uh, try to load it and run it up. Yeah. I tried it in every mode, 50 hertz, 60 hertz, PAL NTSC, everything I could do. It wouldn't load. Uh, went online, dug through the manual, and kind of in small print in there, it did say you have to have two megahertz, I think, or more. Seven. Oh. It says you need seven, but megabytes. I'm sorry, not megahertz. Uh, Mega. Okay, that's what. I, that, okay. Megabytes of RAM. Megabytes of RAM, two. and you don't have two on the 500. No, it's a stock 512, and I have a I have a, the expansion, which takes it to one. Okay. Because my I, I I've been meaning to try it on my Amiga 600 because that one is not is a seven megahertz but it i got that over the processor ram anyway i just loaded on my amiga 1200 and it works great but that was a bummer you couldn't get it to run but it basically is a river raid clone um, looks awesome but yeah it's got very cool high color it almost looks pixely like graphics river raid gameplay but with advanced wars graphics yes that's pretty much so cool yeah and the colors really pop in it in this yeah. game it, the colors are are amazing um and they do a lot of cool um additions to river raid so um there are things on the land like little radar dishes and and okay. missile and missile yeah. launchers so you can shoot at those from the shore um there are weather effects it go it, it rains and there's like thunderstorms um so like the sky will get dark and all of a sudden there's rain pouring down oh very cool um i'm loading up a video so i could watch it while you're talking yeah um there um there the remember in river raid like especially in the beginning levels the need for getting fuel wasn't that great you could yeah. like blow up a bunch yeah it takes a while you really have to watch your fuel in this one it goes fast is that so he's landing on those little air yeah the little aircraft those carriers are... are where you get the fuel that's fuel okay yeah because it's almost like he slows down and lands on them yep and then you blow the bridges um it, it, it like i said it's inspired it's by absolutely i mean it's not even inspired by that's it. a blatant We'll call it an homage, but that's a blatant ripoff, if you will, of River Raid. It is. They they do they uh, they add a ton of of extra things though. So yeah, at this point in the game where he's playing, I'm not seeing much change yet. But the graphics, of course, are the biggest change. Yeah, the graphics, the uh, the the need for more need for fuel adds a much like a bigger element in there. Mm -hmm. Um, So so yeah, I I played it a lot. Um, It's a great game. Um. They have another one called Tank Fury. 
that was the first one that came out. It has the same exact kind of see that plane. No, there's a big old yeah, like a that's cargo much plane or a yeah. bomber or something, some large plane with four engines. Yep. Um, that so Tank Fury is the first one that came out with has the same kind of chunky pixel graphics, same mm-hmm. color. Oh, I do remember but, that. But one. you do okay. tank battling. And I, now that I've played this and I like it, I really want to get that other one. I probably will. And is it's the other fr- one kind of like combat? I I don't really know. Okay. I've seen the graphics, but I don't know what the gameplay is like. But I'm going to pick it up, and I think it's free. I think you just oh, wow. don't. You can okay. donate. You you just donate some money if you like it. Yeah, I believe this one was seven ninety nine. Is that right? Eleven. Oh no, eleven ninety nine. It was eleven ninety nine. Okay. And it's worth it. It's a good game. Yeah, I really enjoyed cool. it. Well, check that one out if you've got a uh, Amiga that can run it. I really. I know you hate my concept on this, but I'm more than willing to turn my 500 in to get myself an a, a all-in-one Amiga with a hard drive solution. Yeah. Even I, if it's a 600 or a 12, I mean, a 1200 would be perfect. My but. 1200 is amazing. It runs everything, and I and it, that's with just a cheap accelerator. My accelerator was only 120 bucks, and accelerators are are blood money. Like, if you try to get the originals, they're seven, eight, nine hundred bucks for Jeez. just the accelerator. So... Don't do that. <laughs> just get a twelve hundred. Get, do get that. there's this one called an ACA twelve thirty two. It will literally run any game. I've never had a game not. Was run that from online. individual computers by chance? It what mine wasn't. Mine was from um uh don't remember. But it, I don't think it was from individual it might have been. Well I'm gonna jump ahead from in our list here because I okay. was looking into that since we're talking about Amigas. Yeah. And uh I saw somewhere someone took a picture of their amiga 500 and there's a card sticking out the side mm-hmm. and i zoomed in on it and it said aca 500 plus so if you remember when i got my 500 i looked all over for hard drive solutions and there were none there was one that was made like a few years earlier but they stopped production on it right um so i couldn't do it you know a compact flash card or anything to do a hard i had to do a gotech floppy which is cool but it's still a bunch of disc swapping and then the time it takes you to get that up and running and then you find out your game is not working anyways uh that again the it's been a big turnoff for me on actually being able to pull that thing out and play many games on it. Right. Um, so I looked into the ACA 500 that I saw on there, and it is a current hard drive solution for the for the Amiga 500. Oh, sweet. So that's very cool. Uh, made from uh, by, well, I don't know if it's made by, but sold by individualcomputers.com uh, or whatever. It's a mm-hmm. website. I'm sure I, if bought, you type it up. I bought a bunch of stuff from them. They're, pre- they're pretty reliable. Yeah. And... Uh, it looks great. You pop it in there. It works. It pops in that. Is that the IDE slot on the side, right? Is that mm-hmm. how it works? And looked like a great solution. I think it was 165 pounds, though. So that's like 220 bucks. At that point, I'm thinking if I sell my 500, instead of buying that, I could have a 1200 probably. Yeah, they're getting harder they, maybe to find. They yeah. are. I need, and that's the thing is I need to do it quick before they get yeah. too ridiculous because I really want a good Amiga solution. Yeah. Um, when I got my Omega 1200, I did everything I could to make sure that thing ran forever. I recapped it. I uh, cleaned the motherboard. I cleaned the keyboard out. I mean, I refurbished that thing to a T. I mean, it shines now. Um, and then I got the cheapest, best accelerator I could for it and the CF card solution. That thing is 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 a beauty now. It runs everything I've thrown at it. It's beautiful. Yeah. So, so my 500, I finally did uh, open it up and get that leaky battery out of it. That's good. I put some pictures on uh, Twitter of I it. I saw that, yeah. So it was leaking pretty good. Yeah, um, you're lucky it didn't destroy the traces. But, <laughs> you know, a lot of people say the Amiga 500 is their favorite Amiga of all time. And you can get accelerators for it and stuff like that. So Yeah, again, just for my own purposes, um, 
I'd like to have one Amiga that does everything. That that would be the and just the, yeah. the physical size of that thing. You can see it up there. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it's gigantic. It's huge, and that's not even with all the stuff you need to run it because I still need to add more inches to the front and the side and the <laughs> with that card that'll be adding more size to the other side it's just it's huge i had two friends that had amiga 500s when i was uh in high school like my later years in high school and then i had one that had an amiga 1200 and the amiga 1200 just just ran circles just around him. does everything better yeah it does yeah i do love the 500 don't get me wrong oh, I yeah and I, I, it doesn't do everything i need it to do unfortunately it's big. You know, there's there's two Amiga 500s on Goodwill right now, and I thought about grabbing them, but yeah. they're already going for an insane insane amount, and they're dirty. They're in bad shape. Yeah, I saw a couple. Of, I think they started at two hundred bucks. They, and they started at two hundred bucks. So. Yep. 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 And I think I got that one only uh, three years ago for one forty. Wow. With the box, that's a great deal. It is now, but then it was going price. Yeah. Three years ago. Um. So I did that. The picture I showed you of the uh, we already talked about. The guy who's playing Lotus at the same controller? Yeah. The reason he was showing that off is he mentioned, he's like, I'm playing this with my Turbo Chameleon. Have you heard of that thing? I, ha I have one. D do you? Mm -hmm. I don't have the newest one. There's a new Turbo Chameleon. I have the older one, which looks the same. It's a yellow cartridge with okay. blue buttons on it. I, ha I have one, yeah. Describe what that does. Okay. It seems like the most... So I'll tell you what it is. I'll do it because I can kind of a thing. Oh, and I'll make this real simple. It is a cartridge that has an FPGA chip in it. So the FPGA, just like the Mister that I talk about all the time, yeah, the FPGA can run a simulation of a, of any chip. So all it does is simulate a Commodore sixty four, and there's also an Amiga core that they wrote for it as well. So really, it's a Commodore sixty four in a cartridge that you put in a Commodore sixty four. Yeah, why? What? So what it can do is it can. Um, it has a VGA port on it, on the cartridge, so you can plug your Commodore 64 into a VGA monitor. Um, it can simulate a 1541 disk drive. It can simulate all the different disk drives Commodore had, 1571, 1581. It can even simulate, um, it, it can it can simulate the, um, the C, remember the CPU accelerator? Um, I forget what they call it, uh, the super CPU. Okay. It can it doesn't simulate that, but it can go as fast and even faster than the super CPU. So it's this little thing that does a lot of things, but that was from individual computers and I bought it from yeah. individual and I gotta tell you, I used it for a little while, but then once I got the ultimate cartridge, like I I know it sits in my closet. I don't use it anymore. I think it was kind of silly because it seems like the main thing at least that I would do with it was just run another computer on it. So the, that's just kind of ridiculous. <laughs> one thing you can do is you don't even need a Commodore 64. You can plug the Turbo Chameleon into a VGA monitor and plug a keyboard and mouse into it. Mm -hmm. And it, you you can yeah. You can just run it as a Commodore 64 right off the cartridge. And I've done it before just to just to do it. Just to see it and then I was like, "Oh, that's cool, but I have a Commodore 64." Well, that's what I'm saying. That the whole cartridge, everything it does is kind of like it's cool to do it once and go, "Cool, that yeah. does that." <laughs> It has an SD card in the side, so you can use it like an Ultimate 64. Yeah. But now you're just using up your cartridge port to have all these functionality. I don't know. I didn't. It's interesting. Yeah. There's a whole lot of stuff, but and probably couldn't meet a whole lot of random niches, but they've right. got to be very specific. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. Okay. Um, you had mentioned when we did six good games for modern <clears throat> c64 games yeah a game card called fairy well yep 
Uh, I love that game. So I, I whipped it out the other night. Okay. And I actually never had... I actually, I think I did load it up once a while back, and I didn't understand how it worked for whatever reason. Played it for like two minutes and then shut it off and found another game. Okay. So I sat there and figured out how it worked, and uh, it's a pretty good game. I love it. I went ahead and played it once, died within like two minutes, played another time, got a pretty good feel for how it works, and then the third time I beat it. Yep. I wouldn't say it's a deep game by any means, and it was uh, entering, I think, the, a 16K competition. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's not one of the deeper, complex C64 games, but for just a relaxing, fun game, Oh yeah, like the, I had a the, blast with it. Graphics and the music were similar to like Night and Grail or yeah. or um, Aches and Pains, the the sequel. Felt very similar to me. I don't know if it was the same artist or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I felt right at home with the art, and uh, you just go around and you're con- collecting um, the keys, right? Yeah, you have to collect as many keys as possible. Um, I think the wraps. I don't know if the. I think the maps are either randomized. They're randomized. They're yes. randomized. Yep. So it's procedurally generated. It mm. is. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you're running around trying to basically. Uh, open these um are they i can't remember at this point it's been again it's been a few weeks eggs or or treasure chests i think they're little chests yeah and you try to get what's in there and for the most part it's going to be keys and the keys are going to help you to open the the keys help you open chests that's right all right anyways and then usually you'll find gems or money you'll get money and you'll save up more and more money and you can take that to these certain they almost look like tombstones throughout the levels and then, yeah, those have... Uh, we've already described it, and I just realized... They're like little shops, yeah. Yeah, a little shop that you can use once, and then they go away. That's right. And you can use them to buy more keys, you can use them to buy health, or you can use them to buy... Um, uh, you're trying to ultimately get these three items. Once you get those three items, you can leave the level, go to the next one. I think there was three levels altogether. The one thing I found really interesting uh, uh, mechanic in that game was that you could pick one of three fairies, if I remember right. And, yes. And one is, like, fast, <clears throat> but mm-hmm. has very little health. And one is like really armored up, the mm-hmm. fairy, <laughs> and but is slow. Yeah. And one, and one, because you press the button to fly, right? If I remember that you, game, you, it's been, it's been you a hold couple it up, years. And then you'll float, but then you only have so many seconds before you right. lose your ability to flutter. And then you have the middle fairy that kind of is a balance between both of them. Yeah. So I actually went with fast and weak, which I usually just go middle. <laughs> right. But I decided to go fast and weak, and it worked for me. I'm, yeah. Like I said, I went and played through the whole game, and it's definitely worth playing through once. Oh, uh, yeah. It. It's a great game. <clears throat> um, you'll notice on my wall, mm-hmm. I have mounted all of my microcomputers. Yes. All, most all of them. Yep. Um, and I put it, it's interesting, because I don't... I, I, there's people on Twitter, you know, that'll... And, you know, to each of their own, they'll be so excited. They get 100 uh, followers or they'll get 1,000 followers and tell, tell everyone, like, oh, thank you so much for... I reached 100. You know, like, it's a milestone right. or whatever. And to some people, it is, and that's great. Sure. Not something I... I mean, I want to go in there and find people that we're talking to and interact with people. I like to promote the show. I'd like the, the show to get as many followers and listeners as possible. Yeah. Um, but anyways, I don't go out there and try to make massive tweets and try to retweet things and um, unless it's just something I find interesting that people I know want to find interesting. Yep. But it's interesting because I've put out tweets before and most of my tweets get very little response except for people that are directly related to it, and that's fine. I put a picture of basically my computer's mounted on a wall, and that got like 10 times the amount of comments, 10 times the amount of retweets and likes that I've ever gotten before. Yeah. And I'll, I literally just put garage hooks on my wall and put computers in them. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, it, I, I think it's a neat concept. It just kept and, going. Yeah. 
And uh, that's the great thing I, I think I, I like about Twitter is that there are new things, new ideas, new products, new yep. items, new creations. Uh, that's the that's a bonus to me. So, I mean, you posting that probably sparked or some people to have some ideas on doing it. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I got, uh, I think, at least two people asked me, they're like, hey, that's cool. Can I do, do you mind if I copy that? Right. Like, of course you can copy that. You don't, first of all, you don't have to ask permission to copy something in your own house. Right. Now, if you're going to go ahead and, like, release an <laughs> album based off of a tune I made, we have to talk. But, um, yeah, so I've got th these, they're basically these garage hooks that you use for hanging, like, chairs or a bike or something in a garage. Um, they're white, so they kind of match the wall, kind of. And I got six sets up there. So I got my Amiga 500. I got my VIC-20 above that. I've got my Coco 2 over here. Yeah. I've got my one of my Commodore 64s up there, the one I'm trying to finish fixing because yeah. the other one's always connected down here. Yeah. And then on the top, I've got another new computer I'll get to in a second. But I kind of posted it out there and just said, hey, check out my new wall. There's one spot missing. What should I put in it? And um, I got all kinds of responses, which is cool. Pretty much any computer. I think people were trying to find any computer that wasn't mentioned and trying to mention it. Yeah. Um, and there's two things I heard the most. What do you think the number one computer was requested up there? Well, I kind of followed the thread. I thought one of them said BBC Micro. One person did say that. Oh, yeah. they did say that. Okay, it was yeah. just one person. Um, I don't know. What was it? Yeah, I was actually kind of surprised. The By far and away, the most requested one was an Atari ST. Okay. Which is cool. Yeah. I've absolutely a, thought about it. It's a great computer to have, yeah. Because, um, I, 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 you know, the 800XL is really popular. It's one I've definitely been looking into. See, if I had a choice between the 800XL and the Atari ST, I'd probably pick the 800XL. Yeah. I like it. It just, it, a lot of the games are just throwbacks to good old 8-bit Atari games. Yeah. So they're, I, I really enjoy that. But the Atari ST is a great, a great computer. And I'd say the closest second was a bunch of people saying, I would suggest a Sinclair Spectrum, ZX Spectrum, but it wouldn't, it would fall through the cracks. Yeah, but you could fix that. <laughs> and that's absolutely what I, why it's not up there because. Yeah. I did get myself a ZX Spectrum. Yeah. Um, yeah. Applause. Applause. Yeah. applause. Uh, shout out to my boy again, Tim Sanction. Tim. <laughs> Who set it up for me. Yeah. He went over there. Uh, well, went over there. He was over there in, uh, in England and uh, was looking for one for me. Found one. Apparently drove somewhere to meet somebody to get it. Wow. Brought it back. Um, did he do the mod for you for video? He did the video mod. Sweet. Yeah. Which uh, so I, And I, I'll get to that in a second. I forgot that he did it. But uh, he did the video mod. And then um, because uh, Tim is with the future was 8-bit, mm -hmm. um, we ordered a bunch of stuff. And I had you uh, see if you want anything as well. And so uh, I've got something for here, here for you as well. Cool. Um but so yeah, I got myself the the SD card that uh, device that goes with it. Yes. So it's the um, DI. I don't know how you say it. Div MMC Future. I always Future. call it Div MMC. Yeah, yeah. DIV MMC Future, and it's their kind of all-in-one device for the Specky. Basically, you get a Specky, you get this thing, shove it in the back, and you've got everything you need to do everything you can with that Specky. Yeah. And it's really cool. Let me grab this for you while you. Uh... Excellent. So I told you before that I have a Div MMC for my Spectrum Plus 2A. They're great devices, but mine has a lot of dip switches on it and configuration you have to do and et cetera. These new ones from the Future was 8-bit 
are are much better. Jumperless, you literally just pop them in and they work. Oh, yours has yeah. I mean, this is like I said, that shoves in there. On the back here, there's an SD card slot for a full size SD card. Yep. There's one DB9 connector for any standard. That's a that does Atari a Kempston. Style. It does a Kempston joystick. Yeah, That's they call, they call it, it they call it Kempston. So you have to know that when you're, yeah. when you're playing these games. And then it's got two buttons on the front. Or actually, yeah, they are both buttons. Oh, that's cool. Um, Plus, their theirs is much um, smaller than the one I have. The one I have is huge. I mean, it's 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 probably a good. I don't remember it being that big. Okay. It it, it comes out probably twice the size. Like we about that. Before. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So this thing is yeah about it's like a thick credit card, maybe a three quarters of inch thick and oh, width of credit awesome. card. So there is yours. And there's also a. Um, included a very cool looking uh sd oh, cool. card i'm gonna transfer my stuff over to use that one yeah the sd the sd card they they hooked us up with uh has the the rainbow on it yeah so this thing mine the one i have is black to match my black specky they both have the rainbow on it and then the sd card now has the rainbow on it too that's fantastic the future was 8-bit makes just amazing stuff yep First thing I did is flip this over and make sure it's the 48K version. Yeah, that's important. I was worried about that. The, the 16 one's not going to get you let you run. Yep. Actually, there's a ton of games that run on 16, but um, you want the 48. Yep. And I have been loving the hell out of this thing. That is a beauty. Can I check it out? Yeah, it's got one little dent in there, which kind of adds some personality, so I know it's mine. Oh, yeah. but Just that's... right there on the little metal faceplate. And um, See, I didn't even know this was metal. I thought it was plastic. And I've seen one of these. Uh, you saw it briefly when you got yours, but you got the big old plus two. I got the plus two, yeah, so it's the full-size keyboard. But when I imported that from the Future Was 8-Bit from Rod Hole, he threw one of these in for Chris Osborne, the mm -hmm. guy that I imported this stuff with. Uh, but this looks like, first of all, much better shape than any, one I, any of the ones I've seen. Yeah, and that's the only one I've ever seen, and I own it. Yay. That's really I'm cool. I'm crazy excited. And you so, tested the keyboard. Everything works? Yeah, everything works perfectly. Um, oh, he opened man. it up, cleaned it out. Actually, he, he took pictures and said he hasn't seen one this clean in a long, long time. Oh, that's beautiful. Um, so much thanks for this, Tim. Appreciate it. So I'm going to tell you a few things about this because, again, never knew, right? Mm -hmm. this, is, this is So I, um, first of all, I get it. And the first thing I do is plug a... A, a coax cable into the back oh for rf yeah because when he said he was going to av uh do the av mod on it uh they also sell an av mod for ataris and things that's correct so i looked at the back and i didn't see a drilled hole with a with a new av mod <laughs> right so i'm like oh shoot he, he, he just used forgot to do it or didn't do it whatever right. i'll do it later but right. i want to try this and it wasn't working on my tiny tv and i was like oh bummer i have to use it on my little tv and then i went online to look up av mods and everyone says, oh, it's got com a component or composite right there on the board. You just have to bypass something. Right. I'm like, oh, he probably did do it then. Sure enough, I plugged I in. I looked a, into it a long time ago. It's, it's like you cut a trace. And like add one add jumper. Add something. Yeah, it's super easy. But it's nice that he did it for you. Yeah. You know? In fact, he asked me. He's, he's like, do you want me to do it or do you want to do it? Like, yeah. Sometimes some people like doing it. I'm like, I'd love to do it, but I'm not going to pass up that offer. Right. I knew that right when this came out of the box, I wasn't going to want to mess around with it. I want to play it. Right. Um, That's a beauty. So, it, I mean, I, I love how it looks. Yep. And it's actually, to be honest, in the pictures, it actually looks smaller than it actually is. It is it is very small, but it's bigger than I thought it was. Yeah. Um, chiclet keys. The rubber keys everyone makes fun of, and you, know, we always, you call them chiclet keys. Like yeah, a lot of people call little, them that. The rubber. Somebody called them the dead skin keys because they dead feel like skin. dead skin. Uh, whatever. 
Um, I thought they were going to feel like calculator keys. Oh, no. Like hard plastic keys? No, no. Like the rubber calculator keys. Oh, you okay. kind of have the mush in there, and you can't tell if you pushed it except for to look at the screen. Right. They click. Oh, I didn't notice that. They, me, they actually, if you, they feel they click. So it's actually very tactile. I mean, considering I was all worried about it, but yeah, you can hear it in the mic. Yeah, let me try to do that real quick. Yeah, I mean they're not. I will tell mechanical. you, like, So you know, when I got mine, I was like, "Yes, I'm going to get one of the big speckies that has the full size, awesome keyboard." Uh huh. It's a horrible keyboard. Oh, is it really? Oh, it's not. If I had to type more than just load this game, <laughs> I, I, I. Really? It's What's not, wrong with it? It it's hard to explain. The the f you know, like on keys, the throw of the key doesn't press down very far. So they're very gotcha. shallow. Yeah, they very don't travel very far. They don't travel very far. Um just not a comfortable keyboard. Listen, it, all these retro computers vary in their degrees of Yeah. I mean I know one a computer you're gonna talk about pretty soon is coming up and it, it's one of the best keyboards, one of the worst keyboards to me. We'll have to get to that, yeah. yeah. But anyway, so anyway congratulations. That's yeah. awesome. Every time I've touched one of these keys, it interacts. So I thought, I honestly thought the rubber keyboard was going to be awful. And I know a lot of people, it doesn't, this computer does not have joystick ports. Right. For the people who don't know. Yep. <clears throat> which now our listenership is uh, two-thirds American, so we can talk to them now. Right. <laughs> um, so for our American listeners... Uh, First of all, yeah, a, a ZX Spectrum Sinclair, if we, if you're a brand new listener, is a microcomputer kind of akin to a Commodore 64 on level of power, actually probably a little less. Um, uh, in Big in England, never made it over here except in the form of a Sinclair 1500, I think they called it, a Timex Sinclair. The Timex Sinclair, Sinclair 1500, 1500 and yeah. Um, but basically, that I mean, that thing never sold. That one's based on the Z80 processor. Which was big on a lot of the microcomputers the in the UK. The 1500 Z81. Oh, I thought I thought all the chips used the Z80. They, there was a, the computer was called the Z81. Uh, the Z, oh, okay. Z, ZX80, ZX81. You would know more than I do. I'll the, shut up. The processor is a Z as a Z80 or Z80, and uh, instead of being a 6502, a lot of the US microcomputers are based on the 6502, like the Apple II, the Commodore 64, like the VIC 20. Yeah. Um, there weren't a ton that used the, the Z80 here. Um, so anyways, I got this thing, uh, was stoked about it. Um, oh no, I was going to talk about the keys. So I actually, uh, have played some games on this. Yeah. And where you actually press up and down 11, I mean, yeah. like I, J, K, and L for up, down, left, and right. And it's extremely usable. Like I can tell where I'm going and I don't accidentally like not push hard enough like i can tell when it clicks and connects so. yeah and almost every zx spectrum game uses the keyboard and then sometimes they'll use joysticks yeah i haven't run too many that haven't used the kempston joystick yeah. yet but yes um so uh i also bought their adapter which was the easiest way to get power to this thing okay yeah because they have an adapter where you can plug in basically they sell one adapter with four different connectors depending on where you are you plug in yours so mine was america Two prong. Yeah. Um, that's the one thing that's easy for the ZX Spectrum, that that model, is you can go to Fry's. DC. And you can get a, go to Fry's and get a 9-volt DC yep. power wart, yep. and, it, and it works great. Absolutely. Um, so you've plugged it in, and you've been using it, right? Yeah, I've been using the hell out of this thing. Um, and you've been listening to our, you've been listening well, to our Sinclair. Well, we'll go. We'll yeah, get we'll to get that. there definitely. Okay. Um, one thing I find was thought, found was interesting. So, 
he, see, he sent me a bunch of stuff. I've been playing tons of games on this in hopes of me eventually getting myself a cassette deck. Yes. He sent me some of these goodies, too. Oh, cool. I have a few of these, too. When they sent, when they sent um, our box of yeah. ZX Spectrums, <laughs> uh, there was a bunch of cassettes in there, too. So, of course, in America, everything was on floppy. Not everything, but most stuff was on floppy. Um, in England, everything was cassettes. This is my so favorite we, game on the ZX Spectrum. So there's a copy of uh, Jetpack Jet for the ZX Spectrum. Yep. Copy of Pst. 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 He, ta- he sent me a bunch of Ultimate Play the Game stuff, which is a company that eventually became Rare. Yeah. Which you'll know a lot from the Nintendo 64. It's classic. Jet Set Willy. Yep. Jet Set Willy on cassette. You know, there. he sent you some really good... These aren't just I'm, dud games. Either. I know. These they, are pretty they're, good. They're legit. I'm stoked about it. European 5, five aside... Yeah, that one I don't know. Is that a rugby thing? No, it's so- uh, no I think it's just soccer, soccer. football, football. Football. Fantasy World Dizzy. That, Fantasy World Dizzy. Try, try my hand at a Dizzy game. And another one, Treasure Island Dizzy. Got a couple of Dizzy games. Uh, th- Some Codemaster stuff. These are really actually good games. They are. They're that's very pretty, much. That's pretty cool. Um, I'm very excited about them, and I absolutely need to get myself a cassette player. You, you expect when, you know... That's a credit to Tim. You'd expect like getting like the NHL '95 yeah, equivalent. Here's some, here's some like, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> rugby seven '93. Enjoy. Yeah. Like in the U.S., um, like you. Oh, here's NHL '95, which is like you know ninety nine exactly. cents at any store. Um, that is cool. Those are great games. You, um, you know he um he sent me the zapper, the oh the, really the light gun. I got the light gun with my with my spectrum. That's cool. Yeah, that's very cool. Um, so I also do have the leads here. I guess they didn't come with his, but um, he right. threw a pair in. So I've got the leads to to connect this to a cassette. Yeah. Which is weird because they don't have in and out or right. they don't have microphone or record. They have ear and mic. Right. And they're backwards. The ear doesn't mean headphones. The ear means this is the, the ZX Spectrum machine's ear. That's its ear hole. Yeah. Sound goes into the ear. <laughs> yep. And mic means it goes, I don't know why it says mic. Sound is out to your cassette recorder from there. Oh, okay. So I guess that means goes to your microphone in on your set cassette deck. Right. So it's backwards. Um, that I had to, you know, I had to mod my ZX Spectrum to get that. Yeah. I, I might actually do have audio ports that uh, I, I didn't do the mod. Chris Osborne did. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's Foztex on Twitter. Okay. Um, but anyway, he, he actually modded mine, drilled holes in and put... Um, audio ports in there so that i could plug uh uh my cell phone into load games oh okay yeah, so i, I didn't that, have yeah. a div mmc for a long time i had to load load games. everything up and my model does not come with those ports interesting okay. yeah gotcha yep um and the div mmc works great you hit that button cool. it resets you can load up other games at this is instantly my second favorite computer yeah of all time it's definitely got personality and honestly, I think one of the things that makes it so enjoyable, and I'm noticing about these about all my computers now, um, is just the the ease of loading up games. Yeah. And basically, how big the scene is. Yes. Um, it's just like the Commodore. There's new Specky games coming out every week. Every week, and now there's, I mean, there's just so many resources now for ZX Spectrum stuff, and it's funny that, I don't know, eight eight years ago, I didn't even know what a ZX Spectrum was. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Same here, except and you know I was back in the ago. day, but they weren't in the magazines. They weren't. No one talked about it here. Yeah. And the Timex Sinclair was a joke. It I, was, it was in value bins for ten bucks. 
It's funny because I've got all those retro gamer magazines. Yeah. And when I first started getting that, it was to see all the old Nintendo and Super Nintendo stuff. And 40% felt like the entire magazine, but probably 40% of the magazine was this stupid system called the Spectrum. They always talked about and it was everywhere. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> this looks terrible. Why are you playing that? Talk about stuff I care about. And now that I have this, um, I'm so, by, so excited to go back and read all of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. And play these games. Uh, so I've already played a whole bunch of classics, and there's a few I keep going back to. Um, Manic Miner I keep going back to, mm-hmm. which is the predecessor to Jet Set Willy. Yeah. Um, there's a few games I don't quite understand. Um, mm. I think we might have mentioned this last time, but I finally did play uh, Attic Attack. Yeah, that's a great game. It is fun. It's way faster than I thought. Because yeah. I totally watched the video, or uh, looked at still shots, and it looks like it's a methodical like adventure game. No, you're flying. It's an action game. Yeah. You're flying through rooms like like crazy, back forth, back forth. Um. When I first plugged this in, uh, I only had video connected because I didn't have the right... You didn't have the audio? Audio jack, right? So I plug in video. I'm like, well, let's just see if it looks good. And all of a sudden, I'm hearing noise. I'm like, what the hell? Yeah. I'm like, holy crap, there's a speaker in the thing. There's a tiny little speaker down there, yeah. And it sounds so cool, the little clicks and boops coming out of this tiny speaker in the back. Yeah. And uh, it almost sounds better than plugging it through the TV. It's just there's something cool about these tactile little... Yeah, the little clicks. So you, you really hear hear that jetpack, like when, the, yep. when you shoot. Jetpack's like, got a ton. <laughs> Attic Attack has a ton. Those noises. Yeah. Um, but when I do plug it in, you get the same noises out of the TV if you want it louder. That's cool. Only negative is I was going to bring this into my room, except I can't because the TV isn't pal in there. I was going to bring this to my bedroom to play it while my wife was sleeping there, and I'm like, oh, I don't think I can turn the, the sound off of the oh, actual computer the, on the speaker. I'd be trying to like she'd be trying to sleep, and I'd lose on manic miter, and there's this notoriously jarring noise when you lose on the yeah um it wouldn't be good no that's <laughs> so, great he so... threw something in there for you as well oh what is that jetpack what yeah but look what it's for look what oh wow that's a cassette uh version suitable of for 8k expanded vic 20 vic 20 so Beautiful. it looks just like mine for the spectrum but it's for vic 20 yeah awesome so enjoy that. I'm going to actually, I have a data set out in the garage. I'm going to pull it out and try to actually load this on my VIC-20. Absolutely. From the tape. I need to get a data set now. That's going to be my next, one of my next things. Uh, cool. He also sent a few other things for us. Oh, all right. Again. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. A uh, whole lot of uh, more British candy. So the first one he got us yeah. was Terry's Chocolate Orange. Oh, wow. Which these uh, are freaking amazing. Orange they? chocolate. So there, that's an easy split. Uh, I'll get to this one last. We got Smarties, which look like M&Ms of some sort. It is Nestle, but I think the Nestle over there is different than Nestle over here as far as how it tastes. Yeah. So we'll have okay. to split those up. I think it's three tubes in there. Okay. Cadbury mini eggs. So those are my favorite. Yep, those Cadbury are awesome. Cadbury cream egg five pack, which is probably, these two, the mini eggs and the cream eggs are probably the only ones we get over here normally, unless it's, we only get them on Easter, but. Right. And then Swizzles. Loads of sweets. This big old package of hard candy. Wow. Looks like it's got, I love some of these names. Candy names are hilarious, regardless of where you're at. Uh, fizzer, fizzers. Mm, fizzers. Double lollies. Drumstick, love hearts, which look like the uh, yeah the the hearts you give away on Valentine's Day. <laughs> Refreshers and Parma violets. So no idea. Take a look at those. And then this last one. 
Oh, wow. I'm sure this is like a normal thing over there. Yeah. I just think it, you couldn't make a, a, a least um, delicious sounding name. These are from a company called McVitie's. Yeah. They are chocolate cookies. What, what, do you see the cookies? What would you call that? Yeah, I, I know this because I oh, follow so many people. Yeah, so they're called digestives, right? <laughs> yeah. Why are they called digest? No, these are mini digestives. And they, I think that's what they call biscuits or cookies. Digestives? Like, yeah. I didn't know that. Mmm, that sounds like it's something going to help me poop. Well, they, they have well, another they look name delicious, for that. And we'll be eating um, those tonight, I'm sure. There was another name they, they used for something, but... Um, I don't remember what it is, but yeah, I, I remember when I first heard digestives, um, and biscuits because biscuits are biscuits. I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. But biscuits cookies. aren't like biscuits and gravy. Biscuits are, you know, little crackers or like sweet cr like cookies. Yeah, of, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's cool. And, yeah. and, and I shouldn't say they have, we, ours are wrong. They had English before we did. <laughs> Whatever. They're wrong. They drive on the wrong side of the road. Um, that's awesome. Yep, more candies for us. So, but as we learned, it doesn't mix well with podcasting. So I'm not going to really dig into these. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't have the annoying chewing. But sound. beer drinking, beer drinking doesn't either. But we're not stopping that. No, we're not. Um, so the other goodie I got up there, and I actually got this first. Okay. Um, is I went out and picked up a TI ninety nine forward slash four A. That's right. Which is a Texas Instruments computer. And you got the good one, stainless steel. Yeah, I made sure the re the main. Re I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you. I've got, I have all these computers to try them and play them. Mm -hmm. The main reason I wanted that computer is just because it looks so damn cool. It is cool. It's like this stainless steel. Um, you can tell at the time it probably looked super futuristic. Um, I don't know. You have some. You have some uh, experience with a computer, right? A lot of experience with it. Yeah. Just getting one that worked for me. I had to buy four of them. Luckily, I was buying them when they were still dirt cheap on Goodwill. They haven't quite gone up yet, I don't think. But yeah, I mean, I was buying them for ten, fifteen bucks. Oh wow! And um, and the good, and the, it was good because almost all mine had bad keyboards or bad uh, ports in the back. Um, I had to Frankenstein enough together to build one good one, and I do. I have a, I have one now that's modded. I put an F18A video chip in it so that you could use it with a VGA monitor. And it'll do 80 columns and all sorts of neat stuff. Okay. But um, I, I've, I, along the way, I gained a lot of experience with it. It's a great computer. I think we're bumping into your mic there. Oh. So I bought it, and it came with a couple of games. It actually, um, one reason I bought it is because, for me, it was below market value. Okay. Uh, simply because it was in Jackson, California. Oh, that's nice. So shipping was like 10 bucks. Um, which is right up from us. When like, I saw that, us. I was like, did you borrow that from me? That's exactly yep. the one I have. Do you know where these are? The, if this is the exact one you have with that button and everything. From Woodland, right? It's from Woodland. Yeah, that's where I got mine. Yep. So yep. Um, anyways, we'll get to that. That's the uh, TI-99-4A Flash ROM 99, yep. which is a um, schematic which is available on the internet. You can make it yourself. Right. But there's a gentleman in Woodland who makes these things. And he he does the circuit board. He does the 3D printed case. Um, he does a little sticker on the front. And the sticker is falling off, so that's kind of annoying, unfortunately. But the device does fit in here. I'm never going to have to take it out. It fits into the cartridge slot, and this is basically my SD device. Like an it's EverDrive. Like EverDrive. Yep. Excuse me, for my TI-99. Um, this did come with a couple of games, so I played some actual cartridges before I got this. Okay. And... Uh, 
so yeah, the guy, uh, the company is called the Brewing Academy. Yeah. I don't know why. It actually even has a beer on the logo. I think he probably just does this as a way to funnel the money into his business. You know what I mean? <laughs> he, I think he has a brewing business. I think it's a drug ring. <laughs> um, if I open the shell, I think there's going to be a half kilo in there of, of, I don't know what the, I don't, I don't know the lingo. Yeah, I'm not. Of a... <laughs> white, white gold. Let's call that. White gold. Um, since this thing was only 40 bucks, um, and it works. You, you plug it in. You have to wait until the red light turns on and then off. Um, if you know anything about the TI-99s, you turn this on. There's a little screen, and it'll say press 1 for basic or press 2 to load the cart, basically. To load the cart, yeah. So when I hit 2 to load the cart, a little GUI comes up, and I can select what games are on there. Yep. So, and, and I have a ton of peripherals for mine, but the only one I would suggest you get after this, and then you can stop, is the voice synthesizer. <laughs> And you can so, find them dirt cheap nowadays, too. So I actually have one on order. Okay, good. I already ordered that. Good, good, good. But I don't know if I agree with you unless I'm wrong here. Okay. So when I got this, I went on and owned, like none of my ROMs were working. A 1 out of 10 might work. Hmm. And I w couldn't figure it out. And then I went on, I signed up and got an Atari Age login, which I've never actually ha gotten yet, which is silly. Silly. It is silly. silly. Yeah. Um, so I got a login because a guy had created a file called... Um, what does it say? Shoot, what's it called? Basically, it's unexpanded ROMs for the TI-99 4A. Okay. Th then there's like four times as many more ROMs if you have the 32K expansion. That is right. That is so correct. So that, you're right. So I'm a little frustrated that um, I didn't order that because this same guy from the Brewing Academy makes that as well. Okay. And so I need to pop that in here. Yes. And I, and, and I, I do stand corrected. You should get that. I that, okay. For sure. Now, you know, the sidecar technology of the TI, you can keep adding sidecar devices till it's like four feet long. This thing makes the Genesis look ridiculous. Yeah. So, You've seen the Genesis, right, where you've got your Sega Genesis on top of a Sega CD with a 32X in it. And then on top of that, you can put the Mega Drive adapter. And right. you can build this thing like five tall Sonic and Knuckles on top of that. And then the Sonic game. Yep. And you go like literally five or six high. Yeah, you, you 32K and then the voice synthesizer and you'll be good to go. So those are the two I'm going to get. And that's really all you need. I have the th a thing called the Tippy and a thing called the NanoPeb. And they allow you to get online and, yeah, and do some cool do things like BBSing and stuff. And they one of them simulates hard drives, which is pretty neat on the TI. It is arcane, though. I mean, it is hard to... It, the, the DOS on TI was very complicated. So just steer clear of that. Just do cartridge games with that, with the 32K and the voice synthesizer. There's a game called Parsec, which is awesome with the voice cart. Yeah, it I talks noticed that. Only works with the 32K. Yep. So you'll so. be set once that comes in, though. And that's all you need. You won't so. need to get anything more ever again. So I'm excited about that. Love yeah. the computer. You can see it's, it's actually a little dirty. I just wiped it down with a baby wipe. It looks like it's in really good condition. Yep. Um, everything turns on works. Uh, what this is the I think this is the device you're talking about where you love the keyboard and hate it. So you know I do I connect mine to BBSs, so I do a lot of typing on there. I actually send and receive messages. So I mean I, I'll type a good document out on that keyboard. Love the feel of it, like the sound of it, mm -hmm. the feel of it. But if you look at that keyboard, where's the return key? <laughs> oh, enter right here. Yeah, see yeah. how small it is. I did and, run into that already. Yeah. Well, now tell me where the backspace key is. Uh -huh. You have to do like a function something? It is. It is. Um, function back. Function nine. See the arrow? See the arrow keys? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, function nine. Yep. 
function nine to backspace. Yeah, the, the one thing I learned about this is, yeah, on the top row here, this mm -hmm. is actually kind of cool. There's the numbers one through nine, then zero, then your plus equals key. Yep. And then right above that, there's a little, um, it's almost like one of those name holders you'd have on doors for people who, who are using that office. And yep. then once they get fired, you just pull their name out and slide a new name in. That's right. Uh, it's like that, but with extra functions for above your keys. Yep. And I think this is a standard one. It just has delete, insert, that, erase, clear, begin. That's uh, the one that processed. came with it. And then you would buy like a word processor and you could slide a new one in. It actually came with like three extras. Yeah. But they were blank. Yeah. yeah. So you could handwrite them or something. Yep. And games would come with ones like sp special templates. Oh, that's and, cool. Yeah. Um, what I did notice is the games for this are very expensive. The cartridges. The, the cartridges, yeah. I bought a few cartridges and they're still in the box. It's so weird to me how this how this hobby works because mm -hmm. this computer is relatively cheap yep i mean i guess probably because none of them work but luckily i got one that he told me everything works fine and it absolutely does um if you want to get the beige one that's not stainless steel uh, i think those are in better shape but they don't play as many games because they only play officially licensed ti games they won't play third party they have a copy protection purchase. in them basically they have copy, yep Texas, and I'm sure that did great things for their computer sales. That's why they're uh, they don't make computer or uh, yeah. microcomputers anymore. Um, they're still in business though. Yep, still making graphing calculators. Yep, and uh, and PLCs chips. and all they, kinds. They of do things. a bunch of chip manufacturing. Yeah. Um. Anyways, I'm very excited about this. Oh, that's one thing I did learn. Function plus is quit for my game. Yeah, which is something I, I do use a lot already. Yeah, once you get that 32k, you're right. You're you're going to be flying. You'll be able to run just about everything. And and that system was was almost strictly cartridge based. So after I got that, I picked up one of these. Russell, 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 and I bought this in pieces. It only saved me like three dollars, but yeah. I like soldering. Okay. So I already soldered it together. Yeah, yeah. And I have one of these that. Um, so what I'm looking at here is the thing you plug in to the joystick port and then you can use official nine pins in here right like nine pin atari joysticks yep the um joysticks i do have the original joysticks that came with this yeah and they're absolutely terrible they're terrible they're and terrible and uh, all it is is two two of the lines in the joystick are crossed so okay. you could open up a joystick uh, your favorite joystick and fix it and then plug it right in and it'll work but then but, you'd only have one joystick. But then you might as well just make that adapter. I went on eBay back when stuff was still super cheap for the TI. And for like five bucks, I got... It's actually in a plastic shell mm -hmm. with a tail on it. And the tail plugs in and you plug your joysticks into the box. Gotcha. And it works great. So the problem with this one, the one yeah. I got is uh, kind of horizontal. You've got a female connector, you've got a board, then you've got two male connectors. Mm -hmm. um, no, other way around. Anyways. But it's just so far off of here... That when I'm plugging stuff in, it's really wobbly still. It just And it sags. Okay. It just feels kind of weak. Um, so the one that I purchased, I, I have my paperwork around here somewhere. I do Anyways, have a cheap... it was from San Jose. Okay. I would not recommend this one. Um, I, I do have a cheap solution for you for that, though. You can get a 9-pin extender. It's a cable that just is an extension cable. Yeah, I got you, yeah. Um, yeah, and that would work. Uh, but basically, there's another one I saw online from a company called Tex Elect. Okay. Uh, I'm guessing they make electric components for Texas electrical yeah. computers. Um, so basi basically, it's the same board pretty much, except theirs comes straight off the board on this side and this side. Yeah. So basically, it goes flush up against your 
computer. Oh, yeah. And so like you, a little elbow. Yeah, so it's not sticking out three inches before you plug in the other joysticks. That's, that's pretty smart. So, I mean, it's I could probably do that to this. Honestly, I could probably desolder these and put in a version that just goes straight. Yeah. But it works. And I am very happy with my TI-99-4A, which I want to put back on my wall of fame here. Right on. No, I think the wall looks great. All the computers up there. But I, I honestly think you'll get a lot more function out of that TI than like even the Coco. Yeah, the Coco, I, I still haven't gotten around to figuring out how to load the cart. There's still, so, like on a, the TI, there's a game called Ambulance, which I played for quite a while. It's a great game. Um, okay. There's a lot of Parsec, um, Ambulance. I can't, none are coming to mind right now, but there, there's some really good ones. Very cool. Uh, you've been playing some so this is my more next, PS2 my, games. My next uh, mini review here. Oh, wait. I got to review it. Hold on. That's right. It's time for a review! So do you remember when I brought Dragon's Quest Seven? I showed you the box for yes. PS2? I was hankering for a good D&D game, so I heard that that was really good. And I played that for, I think I've got two hours into it, and it, it is a good game. But I wanted one that really stuck to the rules of Dungeons and Dragons, um, and was just nerds exactly nerds. Um, so I did a little research, and, and I had played this game before I loaded up, but it didn't play it for very long. But it's called uh, Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance, mm -hmm. and uh, I threw that on my PS2 hard drive, and I've been playing that, and I think I have about eight hours into it now, eight or nine hours. And I'm loving it. It is awesome. And I I can't believe that a game from back in that era has such good controls. Like the menus are all logical, like swapping in and out of armor and different yeah. weapons and things. But basically what what Dark Alliance is, is it is an isometric kind of game. I, I don't know if I'd call it isometric because you can spin the camera around like the 3D camera. Yeah. Um, but it's only, it's one of the four directions, if I remember One of the four directions. Yeah, yeah you, it's the bumper buttons, though, and you could just, oh, no, no, I'm sorry, it's the right right analog stick moves the camera, and, and it does you can't move it up and down, it just spins. Yeah. And you're a little guy running on there, and you, it's basically a Dungeons & Dragons game. You go through, you fight things, they drop loot, money, you find chests, you... Yeah, it's very, it, it is very simplified, but it makes it really streamlined. I have actually played this, um seven or eight years ago, I want to say. Yeah. And I loved it. Oh, uh, I, I mean, I, I didn't think I would love this game so much. I, so much that it was just yesterday I beat the first... Um, it's divided into three episodes. I beat the first the whole first episode. Got through the last, like, the first mm -hmm. episode boss, which is this big floating eye, like a eye with a tongue and stuff. It's really gross. <laughs> but I, I, I was in battle with him for about 20 minutes and finally beat him. Um... I just can't say how how much I love the engine that is built around this so much that I went on Twitter and I ex expressed my love for this game. <laughs> and guys are like, you know that there's like the like, champions of Norath. And... There's these eight games. There's a Fallout game. There's there's a ton of games that use that engine, the exact engine. I knew of like three or four. I didn't know there was a Fallout one. That, someone cool. on there told me that there was a Fallout game that used that the engine. Oh wow. But I need to give me that list because I do remember really enjoying yeah. that game. Now, to be fair, 
the game by the time I beat it after the episode three. Mm-hmm. I think I remember like halfway through the last episode, I was pretty much playing it just to finish it at that point because nothing really changed. It was more of the it same. It just got kind of grindy and I'm not grindy, yeah. but kind of monotonous. It got a little monotonous, but that's because I was playing it straight. And I think, and I could see it getting like that, but I, what I'll do is I'll just take a week break yeah. and, and then get go back to it. Yep. Um, if you played episode one and said, all right, I'll start episode two next time, then... Yep, and I'm on episode two right now, and I'm still not tired of it. I love yeah. it. But the thing that gets me is the, like, how you pick your spells. Like, it's the up and down on the digital pad. Um, going left and right on the digital pad is switching your weapons. Um they really thought out what how good the controls are, you know, what the controls were going to be like. I remember being very effortless, yeah. You could just pick that game up with having not played it for three or four months and just jump right back in. The 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 yep. The controls are so easy, but on a D and D game, it has to be complex because I mean, there's so many things you can do. Uh, I I just I love the game and I'm gonna beat it. I, I mean, I it just, makes me want to go back and play one of those now. Yeah, so I'm gonna. Try, I'll probably try Champions of Norath. So for anybody who hasn't played this, a good analog, modern analog is like the Diablo games. Yeah. You know, they're kind of like the Diablo games. Yeah. I mean, same kind of perspective. Well, you say modern. Diablo 1 and 2 came out before this game did. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like... But Diablo 3, yeah. I think the Diablo games ended up being much more popular, so there's yeah. more remakes. No, and... this definitely was a game that wasn't, it wasn't huge or anything. I right. remember finding, I think, that exact one, Dark Alliance, and playing it on my PlayStation 2. Yeah. And, yeah, I love it. And they it. actually have a GBA version of Dark Alliance. Hmm. I never played Could it. Could be good. But... Anyway, that's my mini review. Very cool. And thumbs up or thumbs down, big, Eric? Big, big thumbs up. <laughs> I've played that game more this last month than any other game. I'll so now it's time for uh, my review. It's time for a so my review uh is for the div mmc future and i like it i forgot i already uh did the review but now there's another item i bought from the future was 8-bit when we got these things okay i ordered two of these this is my second one which i have not installed yet but you got one of these for free from them last time they sent you a little review copy yep and it caused me to buy two because i love it it's sitting on my desk right now because I don't know how to install it in an NTSC Atari 2600 Heavy Sixer. I can send you a link I found for that. For the Heavy Sixer? Yes. Okay. So I went online and so, yeah, there it's this is the AV mod. Right, we need to go ahead and throw that out there. Yeah, I guess we and should say that. This AV mod basically gives you a 1 8 inch uh, audio slash video jack. Uh, sorry, 3.5 millimeter audio video jack. <laughs> That's what they call it over there, but it's one eighth inch over here. Okay. Um, and of course, it's got to be the type that has the three rings on it. Otherwise, you won't get your two channels and your video. Right. Uh, but it comes. Uh, I got the the advanced kit or whatever. Basically, comes with the cable. Comes with the little um, four wire um, lead on here, and then it comes with this little. Have you opened yours up? I have. Okay. So yeah, it comes with the small. I mean, a tiny little circuit board that basically just has the jack on it. Yep. Um, and that wire just jacks into that circuit board. Yep. And then you're done. There you it is. Pretty much mount that in there. Oh, and, and it comes with a uh, a small piece of double sided foam tape. Yep. Which is made by a company called Cello Tape, which is again a very British name. Yeah. Cello Tape. Um. So I popped this into my and I cleaned it up first and popped it into my Atari. Oh, you already installed it. Oh, that's awesome. Yep. So I put the hole there. 
Yeah. I actually, in hindsight, I should have put it a little further over. I did it from the inside without looking. Yeah. So there's kind of a small little decorative mark on the back here that I kind of went in between. But that's it. That's the whole hole. Man, I got to do mine. But I, there were no pictures on the Future Was 8-Bit so site I do that, for the I, Heavy Sixer. Correct. And they, they came with instructions for the 70, different versions of the 7800. Um, I think four different versions of the 2600, including the Junior and the 4-Switch, and then yeah. a bunch of PAL versions. But you're right. The Heavy Sixer American version, they did not have. But I went online and just looked up other people that did this. And this is, I mean, they all work the same way. You take the same four wires, put them in the same four places. So I did see a Heavy Sixer online. All right, send me that because I, I want. I'm going to do my when I get back from vacation. So it actually was a little more in, involved than I thought it was. Um, okay. Uh, so you open this thing up, and of course there's one fairly small circuit board in here. It's not that surprising. It's kind of double sided, so you have to get the shield off um, to get to all the components. So that's easy. You take some pliers and bend the tabs, and then pop it off. Then you have to go to your thing, your uh, drawing, where they say, "Here's what you need to do." For my version, I had to cut out. Oh, they say cut out, but I desoldered um, three components, a capa two capacitors, I'm sorry, one capacitor and two resistors. Okay. I just pulled them out, and I did it that way, so if I screwed up, I can put it back in. You could just cut them. Um, the hard part, and this is the part that was really involved, was just trying to get off the entire RF module. Yes. Because it's big that. and chunky, and it's got these really big feet, and they're all soldered in there with, like, heavy solder that's really old. So I had to sit there especially because I don't have a solder sucker, although I don't know how much that would have really helped. Um, and I had to basically add all kinds of new solder, then take it off, and then put new solder on again, and take it off, and kept doing that for each foot. Uh, I almost got to the point where I was just about to like manhandle the thing, just tear it off and whatever, ripped yeah. off, ripped off. But it came off, got there. Um, I got it down to the point where I got as much solder off as possible, then took the pliers and just squeezed the tabs as hard as I can to just shove the solder flat so I could pull it through the little slots. Mm -hmm. Once I got that off of there... The rest was easy. You soldered a four points in there. Um, now, uh, the product is simple. It is straightforward. It works well. I'm going to give it, uh, if I was going to give it a grade, though, even though these are our friends and whatnot, I would give this a C plus. Whoa. And simply for this reason. Yeah. Um, now this you can also use this in a master system and other there's other consoles as well. Sure. Um, so you can see the little hole I have here. Yep. That's small and simple and easy. Um, you can see there, and again this is just for my 2600 four switch. Maybe the other ones are easier. They don't tell you where to mount this thing. Right. Um, you can see how much room there is from the edge of the board to the tip of that. Yep. It's very small. That doesn't reach all the way through the plastic. So the the hole I drilled, it'll fit in there. But the jack will not plug into it through there. Gotcha. So I literally had to um, take it back out, take it all apart, uh, throw away the cello tape because it wasn't doing this job anyways. I was trying to, it was wiggling around. Yeah. Um, I had to actually get my Dremel and basically grind away thickness in the plastic so that this will stick through far enough so that this will make proper connection when plugged in from the outside. I gotcha. And then to hold it into place, there was no really good place to put it. So I just hot glued the hell out of it. That's not a bad um, solution. So it works. Uh, honestly, what I wish they could have done was the same thing, but with um, the three individual RCA jacks. Yeah. And then we could just drill the holes, and then those mount right through here and just have little screw, um, you know, rings, uh, threaded rings that would just hold it into place. Yeah. And then it would look a little worse because it had three little chunkers in the back, but it would be a lot more solid 
and less hokey on how to put it in. But that being said, for what it is, if you can make that work, it works, and it's a great solution. And it was only, um, like, 12 pounds, something like that. And it comes with the, uh, uh, comes cable, with the cable, which the cable is worth 12 pounds probably alone because, it's again, it's a eighth inch to... Uh, on the other side, a video of red and a white. I'm gonna I'm gonna do mine, and we'll see if it's easier than the heavy sixer. Yeah, uh, tell me how you come. Across. I mean, it was, it was nothing was terribly difficult. It was just yeah. like there could have been a very simple like drill here, place in here, and screw it on. But instead, I had to do all kinds of burring and thinning out, and then hot gluing. Like it was just kind of yeah chunky doing that part of it. Nonetheless, it worked. I do not regret my purchase, and I will be using the same thing for my 7800. And uh, but knowing what I know now, I'll probably know where to. I'll be more specific about where to put the hole and what so, kind of plastics behind it. And how? And ultimately, this is really what matters. How is the video output? Does it uh, look? Because I will say my twenty six hundred looks pretty good on the RF. Oh, does it? My Mine looks sixer. terrible. Mine was, does it? And it might have just been capacitors getting old inside the modulator or whatever. But yeah. mine's looked terrible for years. Okay, and um, and now with this, it looks great. I've got a new lease on life with this thing. Good. Yeah, that's ultimately. I mean, all this stuff is kind of a headache, but ultimately, that's the bottom line, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't not suggest this to anybody. I mean, literally on this board, I think there's the jack, and it looks like two, three capacitors, or was it? I don't know what they are. It's very. You know, nowadays they make these things so small. Right. You couldn't solder them on personally. Those are those computer uh, soldered SMD surface mounted. Yep. Devices. Yep. But I'd still recommend it. Um, just I'd probably go with the RCA route, to be honest. However, once I got this thing done, and one of the things that pushed me to get this done, and I also cleaned this up. This hasn't looked this good in years. I'm stoked about my Atari. Yeah. It allowed me to get this from our previously mentioned um, Brewing Academy out of Woodland. Okay. Who sent me the TI-99 cart. Yes. Well, I wanted to save on shipping, so I'm like, well, what else should I buy? should have bought 38, 32K RAM. Uh, expansion, but instead I picked this up. Oh, the twenty six hundred Uno. So that's the Uno cart for the seventy eight hundred and twenty six hundred SD card. Cool. Yep, forty bucks. Forty bucks. Oh, that's a pretty good deal. Yeah. My my wife for one of my uh, birthdays got me the Harmony cartridge. Mm -hmm. I was looking into that, but it only worked on the twenty six hundred. Yeah. And then I think it was a little bit more. Um, and then this guy was right down the street in Woodland, so I'm like, cool, I'll help him. And I love the way it looks. He actually made it look like a, kind of one of the original Atari carts, like Combat or yep. or uh, Adventure. It does look. It looks awesome. That's really cool. Yeah, I'm stoked about that. So I've been using it. Used it a ton. One of the games that we'll talk about later I was playing on this. All right. So let me put that back in here. Just I love that noise. Hold on. It just sounds like gaming is about to happen. <laughs> you don't hear that anymore. Yeah, I know, right? The switch doesn't make a lot of noise when you pop the little uh, car mini cartridges in. I don't even people call them cartridges. They're not really cartridges, are they? They're more like SD cards. Everyone, yeah, I think we just want to hold on to the past. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've only got one or two more things. Uh, my penultimate cartridge from the Future was eight bit still doing amazing. Yeah. Um, I actually fell in love with the uh, the uh, Jeff Mintner games. Yes. Um, the llama. Llamatron. Llama Soft and stuff. Yeah, but what was the game that I, I mentioned on? Um, it's my favorite one so far. I can't remember what it's called right now. That's the one with the grid, right? Yep. Gr Gr Isn't it called Grid Runner? It's Grid Runner, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it was great. That's a great game. Yeah. Beautiful. Love that one. So I'm still I'm still exploring the system. I think um, anyone that gets a VIC-20 just needs to have that cart. 
So I'm going to be honest with that cart, though. The problem I'm still having is it works with the SG2 IEC. Mm-hmm. But with the VIC-20, there's, like, so many different expansion carts that they had. Yeah. There's, like, seven different, like, there's a 3K and a 5K and a 7K and a 20K and a 30K and a yeah. 32K. And some games are made specifically for one of those Ks. A lot of them, yeah. So what I'm still trying to learn, I haven't figured, this wasn't as simple as I was hoping. Uh, if I have a game, for example, I'm trying to get uh, that Tanabra Macabra, that one of the newer games they released for the VIC-20. Yeah. If I have that on my SD card... I'm trying to figure out how to get from the penultimate loading screen to select the correct expansion, which I think was 30 for that particular game, and then load the SD card using 30. It's okay. just not. It, it seems like it should be pretty straightforward, but it's just not working. I see what you're saying. So it's like the order of which you need to do things to make. Yeah, because there's a button on there to set the system to 30. Yep. But and then, then you when just I go get to a basic prompt. Yeah, then it goes to the basic prompt. And so you don't want to use the... You, you're trying to use that menu to load up the game on the SD2. That's the only way I know how to. You're going to have to learn how to use the command line for that. Okay. And so, there's a way to do it. And that's that's where I'm missing, because I'd love to be able to say, yep. set to 30, open the SD2 IAC menu, yep. load this game. Yep. You're just, just gonna, it just doesn't work that way. You're going to need to... Well, we could talk offline about this. I know a way you could do it easy. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yeah, on the SD, uh, SD2 IEC in the root of it, just drop that menu program, you know, the little, uh, uh, little workaround. file manager, put it right at the root of your SD card, and then you can just load it. Well, you could just put your memory expansion in, drop to basic. Hit there load. is a command to load that program, load that in, find your program, and launch it from there. There we go. I'll have to do that. Give that a shot. I got one more big new purchase, okay. and this was completely on a whim. And okay. again, our boys at uh, Legacy Games and Toys, or Toys and Games and Elk Grove here. Yeah. Um, you know about this already, Eric, because I, I was so excited I had to show it off already. Um, here, I'll give you the first part of it. Okay. Stack. My Stack-O games. Wow. So you remember seeing those? I do. What are they? I'll they get the are rest of it. Odyssey 2 games. So we got Casey's Crazy Chase, Casino Slot Machine, I've Got Your Number, Out of This World and Helicopter Rescue, Showdown in 2100 AD. A lot of space games in there. Hockey Soccer. A lot of dual games, though. Yeah, like, most of them have one or two ga- or two or three games in them. I didn't know that. That's pretty neat. Alien Invaders either. Plus. You have much history with Odyssey 2? No, none. Other than I had a, a Mister, a Mist Core. Okay, yeah. For FPGA, so I could load all these games, and I tried a few, but no, I didn't. Armored Encounter, Sub Chase, Invaders from Hyperspace, and Las Vegas Blackjack. That's a lot so of those games. Those are the games that. Yeah. I had them. Uh, they helped me. Th- they threw those in with me. They had literally received an Odyssey 2. Yikes. A complete in box with all those games, yeah. like in a half hour before I got there. And I was asking about old games, and they're like, Do you want this? And they pulled that out. And we, we kind of put it all together and bundled up and made a deal to buy it all. I got a great deal. I'm super excited. And I've got an Odyssey 2 here. Now, an Odyssey 2 was a system. I'm, I, don't, I didn't look up the research or, or anything, but I'm guessing this came out um, either probably right after the Atari. It was during that era. I don't know the exact date. It's yeah. definitely, it might even be before the Atari. It could be. I think uh, the graphics seem close to on par, but maybe a little bit fatter even than the Atari. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if you've ever seen one of these. Um, I've learned, because uh, a lot of people have been talking about Video Pack on twi- mm-hmm. Twitter. Yeah. But that's, again, we have a lot of British friends that's right. on Twitter. Yeah. The, this is the Video Pack. Okay. So it's the, uh, we just named it something different. We here. call it the Odyssey 2 over here. 
The Odyssey 1 was a Pong machine that played like three different versions of Pong. Yeah. The Odyssey 2 is a cartridge-based game where, you know, one of the first machines to actually have games in separate cartridges that play in a system. Okay. That you pull in and out. And this thing looks like a straight-up computer. It does. It's got a full keyboard. Now, if you thought any other keyboard was bad... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's like the membrane keyboard, right? There's no membrane. I mean, it does work. Yeah. I've tested it. The keys work. You're going to have to... I'm not pulling this whole thing out. No. Um, oh, and you can see it does have a game in here, too. Oh, wow. What's the packing game? Packing game was a uh, multi-mode game cartridge. Came with <laughs> Exciting. I know, right? Speedway, Spin yeah. Out, and CryptoLogic. Those have, that, that sounds pretty cool. Yep, we got racing, we have an electronic maze game, and we have a solved the secret messages enciphered by the computer game. How stoked would you have been as a kid to get that? I mean, right? It, it, it's not just a video game. It's like it's got a computer built into it with keys and everything. Oh, yeah, the system. Yeah, absolutely. That would have been amazing. So I do want you to put your hands on this, even though it's hard to yeah. put away. Um, you need to feel the keyboard and how there's absolutely no tactile feedback to it. Yeah. The power button is literally like a push-in, push-out button. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing I want you... I, when, as soon as I felt this... I'm going to come around, so I'm getting off mic here. Oh, I was going to pull it over to you, but okay. It's okay. Here, let me do this. As I'm soon as I felt it... Here, go ahead and sit down with that. Just yeah. sit and smell and enjoy the history. I don't want to, like, rip the box apart. Or knock over a beer, which is sadly empty, and we'll need to fix that. Yeah, we need to fix that soon. Uh, we're almost done with catching up. We'll get some more oh, views. Dude, it, it, I like that the power button is a big red button. It's a large red button, and it, it pushes in and stays down and pushes out. It's like it's like it, a very like war games thing. Let's launch the nukes. I know, right? I'm, I'm surprised you don't have to like flip up a cover first to access it. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> I almost want to glue one on top. There you go. So now I want you, this is what I want you to do. And as soon as I felt this, I understood what it was. But feel the um, the brown cables that are that connect the controllers to the system. Yeah. Just feel that. Yeah, it's like vinyl. <laughs> it feels like old 70s vinyl. It's like sticky. Yeah. Um, it almost feels like like old flypaper that's not that sticky anymore. Yeah. And I can just tell when I felt that at first, I'm like, gross, what spilled on this? Yeah. But then instantly I'm like, no, that's just the plastic and that's just age. I can almost guarantee that every one of those feels like that nowadays. Yeah. Um, the joysticks remind me of... Um, you know what? I have one of these at home, but it has a nine pin connector on it. It was for a Commodore 64. Oh, it's funny you say that. These are actually hardwired into the system. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I there's have no this, connector. I have the same exact joystick in a box in my garage that is just nine pin for my 64. Now, use that like you're playing a game. I actually love that joystick for what it is. Right. It's got this feedback with a spring that centers it. Like the, the joystick spring centers it. Yep. And then to make sure that you know which direction you're pushing, there's physically plastic in kind of this asterisk shape. Yeah. So that it locks it into that direction. Interesting. And um, I think it works really well. Oh, look at that. You can just tw twist this to pop this off to get inside. Yeah, it's of almost it. like an old mouse at the bottom where you can twist off a disc to access it and clean it out and stuff. That's that's a trip. I, I, I've never seen the joysticks for the Odyssey 2, but th this is exactly like one I have at home. Yep. It must have just been a very common like a uh, build. Maybe. Or yeah, maybe it was just maybe Magnavox made that for other systems with the nine pin. That's really cool. That's probably why you've never seen them because they don't detach. I and mean, those are straight in the back. That is, you know, one of the issues with this they haven't thought of that stuff yet. So there's like four connectors in the back or four cables that go right into it. You can't take them out. That this this goes on the outside? Yeah, it goes on the outside there. Um that's interesting. It is weird. I have uh, I've come across a few type of systems. None are coming off the top of my head where the joysticks. Oh, careful! 
the joysticks are built in to a system. And that seems like to me, um, growing up, our first console was one of those Pong. Um, it was called the Telstar Ranger. Yeah, yeah. It I had a gun and it had like little. Oh, you uh, had that. That's cool. Little dials. That was the first thing we had. We and we we got that in the seventies. Wow. Yeah. Like the big bushy hair on your chest mustache seventies. <laughs> um and I I loved that console. We played it till it died and then um and then uh I cut the gun off. I asked oh, my dad yeah, so yeah, that yeah. I could just play with the gun as a little kid. Because <laughs> it was a big old revolver. So what I love about these games and there's one game I really want to get and I'm going to buy. Mm -hmm. Um I don't need any more of these because this for me it's more about having this system playing a few games and experiencing what the system is. Yeah. I don't think this will ever become like a regular player for me. No. Um, but what I love is all the games, you can tell this is a system where people kept the boxes. Yes. You don't find the games loose very often. And the boxes, are they do get pretty beat up. They weren't designed. Well, yeah, they, are, they had a lot of space inside without a lot of structural integrity into yeah. the box. Yeah. But what I love about these is um, the cartridges, have first of all, have a huge handle on them. Yeah. They were worried that you wouldn't be able to get that thing out. Oh, look at that. That's really cool. But then every uh, box has a little pocket here, and then there. So they almost all have their instruction manuals. Oh, that's slick. Now, what's key about this mm -hmm. is you absolutely need this instruction manual to play the game. Yeah. Most of these games, they're not all, they don't make sense. You kind of have to read them. But also, because they have multiple games in them, it's kind of like, again, the Wild West, right? Uh, you know how on the Antar you just go to uh, Game Select? Yes. To change your games? On here, it'll just say Select Game. It's literally, you can see it here, a blue screen with a rainbow lettering that says Select Game. Yep. That's all it says. And depending on what game cartridge you on there, you have to go through here and be like, all right, I want to play. Here you go. Armored Encounter. Press A. So I have to find A on the keyboard and hit A. See, and that's probably why when I ran it on the Mist, the FP FPGA Mist, you couldn't I, figure out what the hell I you bet I doing. couldn't get most of the games to even work right. Now for Subchase, you will press 1. Uh, some of these games will be completely random. It'd be like for car chase plus X. Yeah. It's just a random key on your keyboard. And that huge keyboard, I don't know what you would ever use it for aside from selecting the game and then moving forward from there. But um, They must have had plans for the Odyssey to be just a home computer style. Probably an add-on to like a cassette deck so you could write programs and save them. Yeah. I mean, I that mean, keyboard's atrocious, but yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's one game that I really want to get. Um, I would love to actually try to get through it and play it and it comes in a box like this but it's three times as big and it's a big old like rpg adventure game mm, wow and it comes with all like a big old instruction booklet with like pictures and things and oh that's neat i think feelies and stuff i'm like i gotta try that one out no that's awesome that is a great system yeah and again i got it for uh it wasn't something i was looking for but um when i talked to those guys and the deal they made me with the with the system and everything i'm like that's too cool to pass up right um, if we're going to keep talking about legacy systems, like this is that Game Boy that I got. Oh, there you go. You got to talk that one through. Here, I'll let you hold that for a second. So I'm holding a Pokemon Game Boy Color. Yep. And uh, there are what appear to be bite marks all over the front. Yep. And the speaker. Some on the back. And then the... Uh, so the thing, the Pokemon one was blue on the back and yellow on the front. And then it's got a. Um, I only kind of know some about this, but because I like, told you about it, yeah, yeah. This has a yellow uh, battery door. So the that local place, Legacy, sold that to me for fifteen bucks. Can I pull this out? Yeah, yep. Yeah. And um, 
the the battery door was the worst it had bite marks to the point where it was kind of distorted and just looked really bad there's bite marks in the speaker but they're not bad one thing i liked about it is the screen isn't bad at all uh the lens i mean there's a couple little scratches but the screen's pretty good but I'm, I've decided I'm going to try my next hardware modding is going to be to mod this. I'm going to install the Pro Audio mod so that cleans up the sound coming out. And then I'm also going to, they have a drop-in color display now oh, cool. um, where there's no, no soldering involved. You just pull this LCD out and you pop another one in and attach the ribbon cable and it just... Oh, cool. So the old, the, the old ones used to be a lot of soldering and stuff. Mm -hmm. This is really just a drop-in. It's like 70 bucks. So I'm going to sign up. You have to get on a waiting list for it. Oh, well. But I'm going to just mod this one up the wazoo and use it for a chiptune maker using LSDJ. Which is that cart you have in the back yeah. there. And I got this from the UK because they don't make this cartridge anymore. So you can see there's a battery inside of that. So you can like write a song and save the... You can only save one song at a time. But you can write half a song, walk away, um, you know, finish the song. And then you can output that song into like Audacity or Cakewalk or whatever. And then just move on to the next song. But very cool. Yeah. Fun project. Yeah. It's probably gonna take me two or three months to do it, but it'll be it'll be fun. Plus I'll play some games on it because the screen I'm gonna get's gonna be a much brighter yeah, I'm sure you'll, yeah, L C D. So anyway. Then you'll have to get a Game Boy Color Everdrive. Yeah. <laughs> I probably will. I do love my Game Boy Color Everdrive. Yep. Uh, there's one more uh, catching up thing that you have sitting right on the oh, table. I've been staring at and slobbering over the whole time. Yeah, so I, my birthday was yesterday. He, oh, I didn't know that. Happy birthday. Thank you. And my wife got me this Neo Geo Mini international version. You got one, finally. I finally got one after we did the Glowing Rice interview. Um, and you brought it in this box wrapped up in everything. Yeah, I didn't want to scratch the screen bringing it over. Uh, it's going to just sit on my desk. But you can mess around with it. You can't play it because it's not. There's no batteries in it. You have to. I know that's a bummer. That's that'd be yeah. one of the kind of negative things to me. If you're going to make a portable system, yep, you'd you'd have, you can do a portable by getting one of those USB power banks. You know, oh, the batteries. Funny, you have can one. Just yeah, okay. plug it in. Um, I, I I've only had it since yesterday, but so far I do really like it. Okay. Um, the complaints that people do are are kind of moot. I mean it. it I think on the HDMI screen, it looks great. Um, they say it looks like uh, kind of blurry, but I think it looks awesome. Okay. Um, I played a ton of, of Ghost Pilots today, like the shmup with the little uh, seaplane. Um, I played some of the Samurai Showdown, played some Metal Slug. Um, the sound was awesome. Um, I do see people's complaint about the about this. Cause, so I got the the neo geo the, the, the game pad the, the controller i would be upset if i had that system at home and then i got that and the buttons were in the wrong location because they are the a and b should be on the bottom oh what the heck a like right see the see that yellow that should be a blue should be um b red should be c the the, the buttons are not in the right spot but with that said I wanted to compare that um, Neo Geo Mini controller to the Commodore 64 one. because they both feels really good. They both use the membrane buttons instead of micro switches. Okay. Um, without be there being a joystick shaft, that actually isn't bad. I used it all day, and I loved it. it I mean, I didn't, 
Well, I liked it. Got a it. lot of travel to go from left to right. Yeah, I wouldn't say I loved it. I liked it, but without there being a a, a long joystick, very comfortable that, on your hand. That actually isn't bad. That joystick isn't bad either. The one on the system, it's membrane as well. It's um, you know the little membrane button, contact buttons. Mm -hmm. Not micro switch, but when you don't have a big joystick, I think the leverage on the joystick makes a difference. Um. I love the feel, the physical shape of this controller. Yeah. I even like the way the buttons press. Yep. Uh, yeah, I think the joystick itself is a C. So there but is if a... If this had a D-pad, I would use this for a lot of things. Yeah, you can pop that off real easy, uh -huh. that thing. Um, you move it all the way, and then you can pop it. I wouldn't, you, don't like have that. To, you don't have to do it. Yeah, it just pops off. There are third-party ones on Amazon. You get four of them for ten bucks. Yeah. They're rubberized, and they're, they come up a little bit, so they're more like a joystick. Oh, cool. Like, but but it's still flat on top like that one with texture on it. Yeah, so your finger I, I, kind of slides off of this one. So I'm going to grab some of those because they're essential for fighters, and there's a bunch of fighters on there. Oh, yeah. Um, so I'm going to upgrade Geo. I'm gonna upgrade that pad. But anyway. Um, I love the, the form factor. I'll stop it, saying that. That's all I keep saying. Everything that Glowing Rice said was pretty much dead on. I mean, it's not like a perfect system, but it no. actually is pretty good. Now, one thing I did do, the only thing that did not work well is i loaded up um shock troopers okay shock troopers 2 i don't have you ever played oh, I that i love it yeah i've never delved into it too much but i love loading it up and playing so i love level. it too but i did play that one today and when i got i got pretty far because i'm pretty good at that game i love that game when i got f pretty far in where there's a lot of enemies on the screen it started to chug I mean, oh, that yeah. thing slowed down so bad, I thought it was going to stop. <laughs> oh, see, yeah, that's not okay. That's not okay. That's the only that's the only game, though, that, that did that. I played five or six other games. They all played perfectly. I will have to say the it, it looks kind of tacky. Like the, the whole feel of it? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's literally stickers, and, like, the edges are hanging off the edge. Uh, th that's my fault. That's, uh, that sticker doesn't belong there. Oh, it doesn't? I just okay. stuck it on. That, that's supposed to be a header, like the one on the other side. Oh, one of these? Yeah. Oh, okay. They're interchangeable, but I just, I don't want okay. a sticker laying around, so I'm going to cut the edges off. There you go. Yeah. Okay. That's my fault. But yeah. So you had to put your own stickers on, though. Yeah, there was only, like... The two. Two stickers, yeah. But you had to put your own. I picked that one for the header, but that one I didn't want to waste it or throw it away, because it would just get thrown away. But I needed. I should have cut the edges off. I didn't measure it right. Yeah, that's one that I definitely was waiting for to drop to pick up, and it's not dropping. No, I don't think I'm a, at the price it is now. I don't think I'm going to pick one up. But if I can, you know, if it drops down to sixty, I'll pick one up in a heartbeat. Yeah. One thing I want to do or try is take this controller. It's USB C, and I want to get an adapter for standard USB and try it in my sixty-four mini. Oh yeah. My C64 Mini, that'd be a pretty nice little controller. Well, it's funny because it looks like they tried to make it proprietary by putting that big old hole yeah. in there so you can't use another USB controller. They literally just sunk the USB jack in the machine yeah. in like a half an inch Yeah. and made this kind of round oval hole. Yeah. Interesting. People say this works on PC just fine if you have a USB-C. Which is like the oval-shaped USB. The oval yeah. shape. But I want to try to get an adapter and see if... Because this would be a nice one for the C64 Mini. And that way I could just have that one controller. Anyway. Anyway, that's it. Let's grab some more beer. Yeah, please. Beer. <laughs> Excellent. And we are off. And I will be rude and pour mine first this time. That's fine. I guess it doesn't matter, but... Look at all this candy. Mm. So while I'm pouring this... Um, 
my birthday was fairly recently, uh, before our last episode, but I received another gift a little later. Oh. And uh, you and I both now have a BitBoy. Yes. I got my new BitBoy with the uh, microSD card, and I still have yet to put too many games. I put a couple games on here, but... Um, I'm about to take mine on vacation, and I'm going to give it a good workout. I, yeah. You know, I haven't had to charge it a single time since I've had mine. The the I feel like the cheaper the emulator device nowadays, the longer the battery lasts. Yeah. We've talked about my other, um, my little Sega Genesis handheld thing from mm-hmm. At Games. Yeah. Piece of, it's a garbage, but I literally charged it twice in two years. Yeah. It just works. Isn't that crazy? It's nuts. I don't know why. Um, well, I don't know why. I can't math that out. All right. Cheers. Cheers. And right, so our second beer, beer is this? Well, you try it and yeah. I will tell you. Okay. Okay. Uh, this is our second beer from our boy Tim at the Future Was 8-Bit. It is called Penpoint, oh, I'm sorry, Penpont Brewery, Beast of Bodmin. Uh, 5% alcohol by volume, brewed in Altaroon, or Altanoon, Cornwall, the best of the cornholes. <laughs> and this is a deep chestnut red ale. Yeah. What's your take? So, I liked the first one better. This one's good, though. This one's very good. This one has a bit of... Um... I know what you're going to say. God, I, 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 trying to put it in the words. A it's almost of, like that Hefeweizen yeast taste. Yes. I always call it banana yeast. Yeah, and I don't know what even to call it, but I do know it when I taste it's it. It's like a fruity floral. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. I like it. It's not bad. It's not bad at all. And the the red ales for me are always hit or miss. Like, I either hate them or I love them. And this one is the first one I've had where... You're in the middle. Yeah, I'm in the middle. Like, but I, well, I'm not it's even beer, in the middle. It's delicious. Yeah, Don't it's more wrong. towards liking it, not nor- towards hating it. But it is in the middle of. There it. are some hefeweizens that have that. I'm gonna. I think it's a yeast thing. Oh, you're right. That are very like banana y. Yes. This one has just a little bit of it, so I do still like this one. But those drive me nuts when they're super banana forward like that. Yep. I don't like banana in my beer. But that's um, good. pretty. Good. Oh, that's good. That's good to know because I almost for the beers that I brought. Um, I almost got the Wells um, banana bread beer. Oh yeah, have I you still ever had that? tried it? No. Oh man, I've heard I, of it. I, honestly, it was try it. Let's weird. Try it. Okay, I'll bring it next time. I love that beer. I'm always willing to try something, but yeah, this okay. one, this one, I wouldn't go back and buy um, just because there's plenty of good beer out there. Yeah, I do enjoy it, um, but if that other one's available, I'd go pick up. What was that first one called? King Arthur. That this one, Arthur's Ale. I love. I, I actually really enjoyed that one. That one well, was it was very good. distinctive too. I yeah, know, I've never had anything else like that. That was good. Yep. And this one's not bad at all. It's a yep. great, great. It's a good one. It's, the good Tim, news is we haven't had a bad beer in a long time on the show. We only had a couple. Yeah, very. There few, were a couple but... that were like, yeah, was, yeah. So Tim, I don't know if these are some of your favorite beers or just random beers you bought, or uh, if you picked up some for yourself. But let us know on Twitter. Uh, if you like the uh, Beast of Bodmin, Bodmin, or the Arthur's Ale, I'm curious uh, why you picked these ones specifically. Yeah, but they, um, you did good. He I did... like both. I love one. Yeah, did so, a good job. Thank you very much. Awesome. Uh, one last, uh, uh, two more items here, both from the uh, same retailer. Okay. So uh, one more of these. It's time for a review! So I have had two Commodore 64s for a while. I've had one that you helped me get up and running. Yeah. Uh, it was mostly running, but you helped me fine-tune it back four years ago or whatever when we met. 
and that's been my go-to. And my second one has just been sitting here for a long time. It turns on, it works, it never made sound, and it some of the colors are wrong. I, I didn't know it never made sound. Okay, uh, interesting. It, yeah, I don't think it ever made sound. Okay. Um, and some of the colors were wrong. So I borrowed your... Diagnostic cart. Your diagnostic cart. Yep. And I also got a dead test cart from the future was 8-bit. Cool. Um, and I had one of those thrown in the box, too. Yes, you did. Yep. And that's why I got my own. I want to have one, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, but your full diagnostic setup checks everything. Yeah. And since they both powered on, there was no dead test, so I didn't really need that portion of it. Um, and my working Commodore, everything worked. So I tried it on there, and it says everything worked. Yeah. Cool. Then I popped it on this one, and it kept showing... Um, there was a rand. I can't remember what it was, but it said the SID failed. The SID was wrong. And then there was um, a controller port failure, which I read is actually related to the SID. Okay. SID actually controls the controller ports, which is weird. That is correct. In fact, it, they definitely control paddle support, like the SID. Um, the CIA chips control joystick support, but the SID is is really into the paddle stuff. So Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, so I ended up uh, going, cool, I'll just grab a new SID. And, of course, SID going like for their 55 60 bucks for a pulled old SID chip because they don't make them anymore. Right. Well, I heard about these um, SID chips that are recreations, if you will. Yes. And uh, went online and bought one from... I better get my stuff here. Here's more of my Brewing Academy stuff here. Commodore Forever, um, which is a, a website you should check out if you like Commodore stuff. Um, it is actually Commodore for number four ever dot net. And the guy's name is John. And I picked up two things. I picked up a Commodore 64, uh, compatible replacement chip called the Nano Swin SID. Hmm. Nano Swin SID. Yeah. And I've heard a lot about these. I don't know if it was about this one in particular, but I've heard a lot about these clone SID chips. So we're going to get to that in a second. I'll tell you about that in a second. The other thing I got, and this is the main reason I went out and started buying these, or went to, to this gentleman, John here at Commodore Forever, is I have two old power supplies. Both of them are bulging. Yeah. And um, my good Commodore was getting to the point where I would turn it on and it would have a dim light and I'd turn it off and turn it on and turn it off and like the third or fourth time it'd finally turn on full power and work. Yeah. Something was wrong. I tried, I recapped it. We talked about that last time. I recapped both my Commodores. That didn't fix it. Um, tried switching power supplies. That didn't fix it. It's funny because the back Commodore would still turn on with both power supplies. But my good one wouldn't. Yeah. And I went online and tried to look stuff up <clears> and basically everybody that seemed to know what they were talking about said don't use those old power supplies like they're encapsulated there's nowhere for the heat to escape so everything inside of it damages itself and it will eventually start destroying your commodore because yep. there's no safety yep um you can't stop looking at that screen can you no I, the game, i've never played that game it looks really good i've got a uh contra legacy of war up on my playstation mini just kind of <laughs> playing uh game footage um but um i will agree with that i i in the last 10 years of using Commodore 64s, I haven't used an original one, like an original C64. I use a Commodore 128 one that is modified to, to work with a C64, and I've, that's the only one I've used oh, okay. for 10 years. It's worked perfectly. I'm still using it today. With that said, 
I, I do definitely want to try to get a more modern one. So I'm going to start looking into options of maybe building my own. Um, so I looked into building, building my own. Yeah. And it's, uh, <clears throat> I've heard all kinds of kind of horror stories. It's sure. not nearly as easy as it should be. It's not. You basically it. just need to supply two voltages to your Commodore. Yep. And it seems like it should be easy. I think it was five volts DC and nine volts AC. 12. 12 volts AC. 12 and five. Yeah. Um, so in theory, and they actually make kits and you can do, or you can just go buy it. You can go buy an adapter that makes 12 volts AC and you can make a buy adapter that's nine volts DC. Yeah. There's a quick and dirty thing you can do in an emergency. You can go to Fry's and buy a 12 volt wall wart and a five volt wall wart. Mm -hmm. You cut the ends off like, mm -hmm. and you just wire them into a five, the, the, the din, you know, the yep. little round connector, put them into the right thing. And yeah, you have to plug into two spots, two sockets. But you can have a power supply just like that. Yep. Uh, problem with that is your power will not be... Um, I'm not going to say it's not clean, but it's not what your Commodore is expecting. And you'll get um, kind of like waves of up the screen, all kinds of... It's not a clean signal. Hmm. Um, and I noticed I've never that, tried that. I've just read that you could just do that. Yeah, well, I've noticed it. There was one... We're getting a little too deep here, but there's one somebody made that you bought a long time ago. Yeah, that was a horrible one. And I you told let, you, like, use with caution. This will burn your house down. Yeah, and you let me try it, and it did exactly that. It turned on. It technically ran, but it looked so... There's so many weird waves and things going on the screen. It was like almost I did not want to use it. I didn't want me. Yeah. And I bet you that's what it was. It was a box basically shoving two of those together and adapting it. Yeah. Um. So Commodore Forever sells what they call the Commodore Atom Power Supply. And it's a cool looking little box. Yeah, I see it up there. You can see it up there. It's got a nice sticker on the front. It says Adam, and then the in the center of the Adam O, it's actually a you know an, a picture of an Adam, a little uh, Newton's Adam looking thing. Yeah. Right in the center, there's a little blue LED. So when it has power, it's blue and looks cool. Um, no on and off switch or anything like that. It's just power in. You put the other power in a Commodore. It's a power supply. Yeah, it's just the way the original ones were. Yeah. Yep. It's got little rubber feet on the bottom. Much smaller footprint than your stock Commodore power supply, and. Um, how much was that? Oh, so that guy, I believe, was 55 Okay. That's not bad. So there's another one out there. You mentioned it before that a lot of people say is like the the one to get, right? Yeah, uh, there's a guy, Ray Carlson, who's kind of a legendary Commodore 64. Back in the day, I think he he repaired all the Commodore equipment. Oh, okay. Like everything. And he's, yeah, I think he's an older guy. He's kind of retired, but he builds power supplies for everything vic 20s 664s commodore 128s so i totally looked those up because yeah. of that review mm -hmm. i heard great things about them but they were 95 dollars. they're expensive they're very much money yeah. um yeah so i'm sure that would have been great but i really want to get this one give this one a shot uh you'll probably see these on ebay he does sell them on ebay i went to commodoreforever.net directly um which both lowered my cost a little bit and then i think it also puts more money in his pocket because he's not paying for ebay fees um Again, the guy's name is John, and what I want to say first is I wrote to him, asked some questions. He got right back to me, like, within an hour. Super awesome uh, customer service. So I'm going to say A-plus on that up front. Good. Um, order these things. They paid, Not only did they come quickly, but I got text messages almost daily with where they were. It's like, your equipment has been packed. All right, it has now been shipped. Here's your tracking number. You are expecting this today. Here's a picture of your package delivered. And it's coming from like a small one-man operation. Yeah. I was very impressed. Um, open this thing up. It looks exactly how I thought it would look. 
and there's how much can you review? It's a power supply, right? Right. Plugged it in. Um, was so excited. And uh, bef- now, the next thing I'm going to say is make sure you listen to the end of this review. <laughs> I uh, plugged it into my 1702 commoner monitor, turned it on, and there was these wipes of just not distortion, but it's kind of the same thing I was telling you about that. Yeah. These waves. Like interference. Of interference. And I mean, my machine powered right up, first of all. So that felt good. But there's these waves, and I'm like, oh, no. Like, I did extra... I watched some YouTube reviews, and they said it's perfectly clean and everything. And I'm like, there's something not right here. Um, so I wrote to John, and I just said, hey, is this normal? This is happening. Yeah. And he's like, I absolutely checked yours, and there shouldn't be any of that. He's like, do me a favor. What monitor are you using? I'm like, 1702. It's like, and what um, uh, what type of output are you doing? I'm like, a five-pin... Yep. Thing. He's like, okay, we've been having issues sometimes with five pins <clears throat> for the video um, for the video cable for the yeah the five pin coming out of your Commodore. Yep. So just on a whim, I went and grabbed another five pin and plugged it in. Perfectly clean signal. Yeah. Um, there must be just some unshielded wires on there or something. Yeah. Um, and I've tried and I've since ordered another one, also perfectly clean signal. Good. So I just got a gnarly cable that for whatever reason the previous power supply d- didn't show up. Good. Um. These uh, power supplies are actually very in-depth. They've got all kinds of stuff in here and diodes and capacitors and stuff to clean this. Because originally, apparently, this is going to sound, this is a monkey trying to play with coconuts here. (laughs) Um, The 5-volt DC they had going to the Commodore was done a certain way, and now they're doing it digitally with on-off signals. Basically, they don't make the way they don't make the devices they made back then to provide the five volt right so it's really hard to basically have to fine-tune everything so that puts out a signal that is not visibly seen on the screen and uh so there's actually a lot of testing and engineering and adding things and subtracting things to get the recipe right to make this work yeah um and it absolutely does you're looking at it right now yeah i like it i like the look of it 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 doesn't get hot or anything does it uh, it actually has air holes and everything on the side yeah it's all convection, so there's no fan or anything. Yeah. yeah I mean, I feel no heat. That's awesome. Um, and it works perfect. Yeah, what more can you ask? I mean, it's a power supply. So my review for the Commodore Atom for $55 on CommodoreForever.net <laughs> is a must-buy. <laughs> and again, just uh, the customer service was awesome. That's perfect. Now, the fake SID replacement, uh, 22 bucks. That's not a bad price. That's not a bad price. Um, And we've talked about this. I've been using the Commodore 64 for decades now. I can't tell the difference between, like I have an Ultimate 64. I can't tell the difference between the synthetic SID, the real SID. I can on certain songs. Mm -hmm. And I can tell the difference between the two different SID types, which is the forget the number the 8580 and the 6581 or 81 yeah i can tell the difference in certain songs but neither i've never heard one that sounds bad yeah okay they do sound different i give it that they sound different but none of them sound bad so anyway so i got one of these to replace that non-working sid chip okay and i now these aren't the cleanest sound samples in the world Sure. I cranked up my uh, TV and put a mic in front of it and press record. Right. And my TV, when it, at that volume, 
I probably shouldn't have done that loud, but that volume, it has a natural hum that you're going to hear. Okay. That's not from the SID, that's from the TV. Okay. But I have sound samples. Oh, cool. And we're going to play a little game of All right, I'll give which my best chip here. is this. I've never been good at this type of game with the SID, but because uh, I've, I've gone online and watched YouTube videos, and I'm like, they all sound kind of the same to me, but yeah. I'll give it a good shot. All right. Um, all right. Let me hold. On, let me adjust my headphones. So go ahead and close your eyes so there's no uh, nothing. Exactly. All right. Okay. So you tell me what number of these or something so I can tell you what it is going to be. All right. Leo, go ahead and you're going to have to listen to all three. Okay. So, so there's three. So there's three. Let me let me explain that real quick. We're going to have an actual SID. Okay. Which I then pulled out and put in the the Swin SID, and I first put the Swin SID in on one setting then the other okay so you're gonna have the 8580 and you're gonna have the 65 uh, 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 what is it called 65 with uh, the 6280 what i can't think of what it's called right now the other one the classic one yeah all right okay so hold on what am i what am i saying here am i gonna tell I'm gonna you play three samples that are okay. the same sample more or less okay played through the three different sid types okay so let me let me pick uh, as we go through this i want to pick the original sid first okay Okay, so play all three, and I'll tell you which one I think is the original SID. All right. Okay. Here is SID number one. Okay. Another visitor. Stay a while. Stay forever. The buzz is bad. I'm sorry. That's okay. SID number two. Another visitor. Stay a while. Stay forever. Okay. SID number three. Another visitor. Stay a while. Stay forever. All right. I think number two is the fake Sid. And I would say, I can't really tell the difference between one and three, but I'm going to say, I'm just going to guess that the number three is the eight series one and the first one is the six series one. So number one would be the six series one. Is it right or wrong? First one you played, you said was the first one you played. I'm going to say is a real Sid six series, the six sixty five whatever eighty one. You're half right. Okay. You, that was the fake Sid six series. Oh, okay. I, I I didn't know what the options were. I thought one was the six real one, eight real one, and then the. I don't Sid. have I don't have an eight real one. Oh okay. I only have the six. Okay. Sorry. Fair enough. What's the number two? The number two is the real one, real Sid. Really. Another visitor. Stay a while. Hmm. Stay forever. Because the other two were much more bassy. This is the eight. Another visitor. Stay a while. Stay forever. Hmm. And then that's the. Another uh, visitor. I played that quiet. Stay a while. Stay forever. All right, let's try. Something a little different here. I think music would have been a better test. Well, I've got music, too. Okay, good. Okay. Uh, you'll recognize this, hopefully. Okay. Without looking here, right? Yep. Yeah, I'm not looking. Okay. Number three. Okay. 
All right, I'm going to say number three is the real one. Number one is the eight series. Number two is the six series. Did I get that right? Yeah. Nailed it. <laughs> it took me a while. The voice sample wasn't maybe the best test, I think. I was trying I, to do something uh, everyone knows. Yeah. I had a couple more on here, but that, that does a pretty good job of it. Yeah. Um, this one takes too long to get to, to be honest, but this is The uh, Last Ninja. Yeah. kind of hear that ring I'll play another one okay In theory Last one. This one's harder to tell. I'm going to say the... They sound a lot more different on this, though. Especially that harmonic at the end. I'm going to say the last one was the real Sid. Um, and the first one was the 8 series. The second one was the 6 series. Uh, <laughs> he did so good on the last one. I could tell them much different in the second one. Yeah, it had more bass. So this one, uh, the first one was the fake... 6581. Okay. The second one was a real Sid. Okay. The third one was 800. But yeah, that um you can tell the real one. So the real the difference between a real Sid and these fake ones apparently is the real one has analog filters, which yeah. you just can't do anymore, I guess, unless you build it into the chip. Right. But you'll hear like did that play? Yeah, we go. It's definitely more rounded. Yeah. It's technically more distortion is what analog does. But it actually rounds it off. Kind of takes away the harshness. And that, this is the real one? Yeah. Anyways. That was fun. So my review is, for 20 bucks rather than 55 bucks. they're pretty darn close. Yeah, not to mention, I imagine that one's going to last longer. Like, you you could buy a Sid right now for 55 bucks, but is it going to last a year And or I actually two? did buy a, a real Sid. Yeah. Um... So that's another issue that happened while I was doing the SID test the first time. I'm not sure what happened, but my real SID gave out on me. Yeah. And and I cried into my hands. Yep. And I said, screw it. I don't even want to think about it. I'm opening up PayPal and I'm getting a real SID back. I don't want to deal with this. Right. So I ordered up a real SID and I got it back. And that's the real one, my new real SID that you're listening to. Now, the cool thing about the real ones is each one of them has their own personality. Yes. No two SIDs sound the same. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. I really love the one I had. This one sounds pretty close. I don't know. Um, well, so I don't know uh, what the issue is with my Commodore. I think maybe there's um, a socket that's desoldered or something or like loose. 
Could be like a cold solder joint. Yeah. Something like that. I think it might be what it is because when I put in the new real SID, it mm -hmm. started working and then it stopped and made a terrible noise again. And I physically pushed it down to see if it was getting hot. But just my hand went on it, pushed it down, and it connected again. And it sounded great again. Yeah. And I left my hand off and it went away again. You, so my, I think there's a cold solder joint. Cold solder joint or what I found on these old systems is if you spray some of the deoxid into the sockets and then let it let it kind of dry out and clean it as best you can there's corrosion gets in those sockets mm. yeah i was thinking about replacing the and socket. then a leg just won't a leg of that chip won't make a good solid connection in there i mean so the the swin sid mm -hmm. it has a little bit longer legs and they're law uh cyl cylindrical pins okay rather yeah, than yeah, being yeah. a flat blade yep so it has no problems in there okay so that's what's in there now and i'm fine with that i will say when listening to it in person especially when it's loud the real sid hits in a way that the other ones don't there's this bassy thump the other ones kind of approximate but yeah there is something missing that's fair yeah there you know what, there is something missing but that's one interesting thing is is the ultimate 64 that i have i i put real sid chips in it and you can put in the six series one the eight series one mm -hmm. and you can switch between the two or you could have it be in stereo um there's a lot of options for sound in there but you can also, just turn them off and go with the synthetic, the FPGA SID chip that's built into the, built into the motherboard. And uh, I, I've done it a few times, and with songs, I can kind of tell. Um, but again, I can't tell that much. So it, it's pretty close. Yeah, it wouldn't bother me at all to put that into my Commodore 64. No. Now, I did, w once you told me you got that a couple weeks ago, I read up on it. Yeah, you, you know, your 64 won't work with paddles anymore. Huh. You lose paddle support with that. That makes chip. sense. Yeah. 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 Which I don't know if you. Ever I don't think I've ever it. used a paddle. Actually, it's funny because until I researched the switch, the chips, I never knew there was paddle options for the C sixty four. So the only bad side for musicians with that is that there are there's a music cart, synth cart. That's what it's called, synth mm -hmm. cart. You put it in and you use the paddles to adjust the wavetables and stuff. So oh, okay. You can actually like play it live with the paddles. Gotcha. Which can't do it with that because the paddles don't work. Yeah. So as long Someone, as you know that. The thing is, somebody needs to, I mean, these are starting to get to the point where someone needs to actually just start making some chips. Yeah. I mean, it's doable. There's nothing difficult, I don't think, about making the chip. Yeah. It just needs to, someone needs to take the time to set up a machine and make the chips. Just shoot off like 10,000 and then. I don't know what the technical problem is with that, but there is a technical problem with that. Like, they're, they literally physically have to take the top off of the chip and document every single trace that's in there to replicate it in a new chip. Mm -hmm. There, I guess, I don't know why they don't have the actual schematics anymore. Oh, they lost those, huh? I don't know, but they, they somebody's going to have to literally reverse engineer it down to like the, the nanometer or whatever, you know? <laughs> so... There, it isn't. I, from what I understand, from what I've read online, it's not going to be that simple. No, but it should it. happen someday. I mean, there's profit in it. Yeah, especially musicians. I mean, I mean, if they make these new chips, and you know, once they figured out what that is, obviously R and D cost. But making chips is dirt cheap nowadays. A few years ago, they were selling for twenty nine ninety nine, and a ton of people would buy them. There was a company that made the SID station. Do you remember that? It was a synthesizer. You could plug your keyboard into it, and it I was know a box. It. I can't say I remember it because you didn't... brought your own SIDs. You plugged them in, and then this thing was a synthesizer. Um, I, I, from what I understand, it was very popular. I mean, I don't. Seems like you could make some money from it. Yeah, I mean, SIDs are in. Like you said, they're used for all kinds of things right now. The more I drank this, the 
it went up. Banana goes away. Yeah, it went up a <laughs> it went up a, l- a little notch. Gotcha. All right, we're done with all that, which means it's time for our battle. Battle of the systems. <laughs> So our battle this month was actually provided by yourself. Hey, yeah, I don't want to take responsibility <laughs> for it. And I absolutely want to take away any potential responsibility from me. Yeah, I'm not picking the next one. <laughs> Let's just say that. I'm done. I'm done picking. No, it's fine. It was good. We can't, they can't all be winners. They cannot. And we're going to get into this, but it's amazing that not one of these was a winner because they're so different. Well, I guess you guys already have our review on it, but we played Jurassic Park yep. on both the Sega Genesis and or Mega Drive and the Super Nintendo. Uh, there was a second version on the Genesis uh, Rampage Edition. No, no, it was on the... Yeah, on Genesis called Rampage Edition. Yes. It's actually another complete game. That's right. Game. Yeah, we didn't look at that one. We though. did not look at that one. I, I was going to try to get myself to, but after playing these two gems, I uh, didn't get around to it. <laughs> no. So where do you want to start? Um, let's start with the, um, let's just, let's start with the Super Nintendo one. Cool. Genesis it is. Okay. You want no, to do Genesis I'm, first? No, I'm totally joking. Okay. <laughs> I'm just trying to be a jerk. Let's no, do Super Nintendo. Let's go Super Nintendo. Um, so the Super Nintendo one, I got to get in my mode here in my mind, is a top down. Yes. Right? Would you, you'd call that top yeah, down, right? Yeah, top down top-down game in the vein of kind of zombies ate my neighbors chaos engine chaos engine yep um you run around and you destroy dinosaurs yeah in this one you can destroy them yes so this is one this is one thing that i noticed right away the genesis one you destroy them shotguns missile launchers no, the Super Nintendo one. The Super Nintendo. Is that what I said? He said, yeah, Genesis. But yeah, the Super Nintendo, the Super Nintendo one, you destroy one. them. In the Genesis one, you trank you them. tranquilize them and like tear gas them. Gas bombs. And... The funny thing is it's Nintendo versus Sega. Sega was always the like two <laughs> attitude. Yeah. Like killing Mortal Kombat with the blood. Yeah. Like Genesis was the blood machine and they tranked dinos. Yep. And Super Nintendo, you, you killed them. Yeah, you absolutely did. I thought that was interesting. But anyway, um, you go around, you collect um, items to get... You, you go into these shelters um, that then it shifts from a top-down perspective to almost like a Doom... First-person shooter. First-person shooter. So, in my opinion, it turned from a pretty decent, rather fun and engaging top-down shooter mm-hmm. to a god-awful, atrocious... Oh, it was horrible. Of a first-person shooter that's beyond choppy. Yeah, and um, it was a me- it was horrible. I, I was even... very excited when I turned this game on, and started playing it. I'm like, oh, this is gonna be fun. I went into that first shelter and I just went, oh no, no, yeah. no, 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 <laughs> please no. <laughs> Whoa! I opened the window. We got wind blowing things yeah, over in here. Fell in the um, yeah, you know, I had high hopes too because even you know it was top down. I love top down games. I love them. Yeah. Absolutely. I will say even the top-down part of this game wasn't the greatest. I I had a hard time targeting 
like the dinosaurs, the top down part when they jumped out of the bushes and stuff i had a hard time actually getting the controller and i played on suit real my suit real super nintendo i had a hard time really like lining up shots correctly and you have limited ammo yeah it's um, kind of like a almost like a resident evil with that like you you only have so much and you only collect so much and you kind of gotta yep yep um so one thing i noticed first of all when you turn on this game and again it kind of goes against the super nintendo thing well, first of all, you turn it on, and uh, it's very Super Nintendo, because out of nowhere, they're like, let's use Mode 7. Exactly. And there's an island with the Jurassic Park logo on it, like, spinning around Mode 7 style, like, a, you're above the ground looking down right. at it. So I'm like, okay, it looks like they're trying to make a tech de- demo out of this. And the music is this actually, actually like, pretty legit creepy horror music. Yeah. The, the, which surprised me. Right. It, it, the, I thought the music was one of the higher higher points of the game yeah it almost didn't fit but i mean it kind of did but yep. i mean the movie wasn't a horror movie it was an action <clears throat> right. movie suspense. It's kind of a, yeah, i think it tried to be a suspenseful yeah but this made it sound almost like i was going to see like little dolls attacking children. <laughs> right little clowns um and then uh i got a kick out of when you started it there was this terrible voice sample of a guy who goes Welcome to Jurassic Park. With like no personality whatsoever. Right. And it's like they just wanted to get a voice sample on there off the bat. Yep. So, I mean. <laughs> oh, yeah. Before you start with the start menu, did you notice this? Do you remember how do you start the game when you're on the title screen that says Jurassic Park? Do you remember how you have to start the game? I don't remember. Out of nowhere, you press up on the control pad and you're actually moving a pointer around the screen. I don't remember that. You actually moved a pointer around the screen, and you actually had to select start from a menu, a drop-down menu, like in the middle of the screen. I thought I just hit start on the controller, and it started. Huh. I wonder. Yeah, We'll get I, to that in a second. Maybe I didn't notice that, because I just hit the start button, and it started right up. Um, okay. There were some other parts in this game, I think, during the first-person shooter level. Hey, do you think you had that pointer because maybe that was this is a game that supports the mouse? Yes. That must be it. And I think I'm guessing the first-person shooter sections might work better with a mouse. You know what? Now that you're saying this, it's making a lot of sense because I I hated that part. Yeah. And but with a mouse, it might not be that bad. I don't know how the top-down would work with a mouse. I it would be like uh, Chaos Engine on the Amiga, right? And they make aftermarket mice now too for the Super Nintendo, complete with the hmm. purple buttons. I'm gonna have to get a Super Nintendo mouse now. <laughs> for I'm not this kidding. game, I'll, I'll pick it up. No, not just I, for this game, just to have one. I was gonna say the uh, Mario not, Paint is hilarious. But I, I won't be loading this game again. <laughs> so, um, on your controller, X is to pick up stuff on the ground. Y yep. is to shoot. Uh, A is also to shoot, but you have kind of like two weapon slots. Yeah. Um, A is typically when you, if you don't have any weapons, you have this the little electrical done thing. Is that from the movie? Because both games had that. Yeah, the, well, the, the trainers would have the sticks with the, like, tasers at the end of the stick, and they'd poke at the so dinosaurs. pretended that stick they'd shot They'd them so they could, like, corral them and stuff. Yeah. So um, that's what that did. And uh, B is jump, and yeah, you actually do jump on its top-down game. Yeah. Um, and you had to jump to get to certain areas. You had to. Yeah, there are some grates on the ground that you have to jump over. And if you're not, they electrify you. Yep. And then I don't know if you realize that you come into a part where there's rivers. Yes. And I just stopped. I'm like, oh, shit, there's a river. You can jump over the river. You can just jump over the river, yeah. (laughs) It's like one of those obvious things that after I saw someone do it online, I'm like, oh, duh. And then I'm like, cool, now I can go back and beat that part. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to turn it back on. That's cool. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Very colorful. Mm -hmm. I did like that about the game. Uh, You mentioned the bunkers. 
there's kind of stairs that go up different levels. So even though you're on uh, doing a top-down shooter type of game, um, there are different levels that you can climb up, like mountains or yep. or uh, you climb up the structures that are out there. There's no strafe when you're in first-person shooter mode. So you literally turn to where you're aiming to shoot, and then you shoot, yep. and then you try to turn the other direction, and then press forward or backwards to get away from stuff. Right. So it makes it very hard to avoid anything. On the counter side of that, if you open a door, half the dinosaurs don't see you, and you can just stand there and pick them off while they stand. If as long as you don't nothing. approach them, you can usually pick them off from a distance. Yep, they will just stare at you and just go, "What's up?" Yep, and you shoot them. Um, the yeah, super choppy, even laggy. You press over, and then wait literally like a half a second, and then you turn. Yep. Um, there were there were multiple dinosaurs in both modes, like that you would that you would see. There yeah, there was those, spitters, there was there raptors, was those, those little guys, there was raptors, yeah, there little was, turkey looking ones. Was it? Wasn't there? There was like a the kind of rhino looking ones that didn't. They would just charge through. Yeah, you just had to stay out of their way. You just had to stay out of their way. Yeah. In top down mode, I, I didn't see them in first person no. shooter mode. No. And basically, you're going around your ID. Your my main goal, from what I could tell, is you're supposed to get these ID cards to, that allow you access to certain things. Right. Um, I got a lot of ID cards. I access access a few things in first person shooter mode. There'd be rooms that had no lights, and so you had to find night vision goggles first, so you can go to those rooms and see what you're doing. Right. Of course, as soon as you go in there, there's three things attacking you. Um, awesome. Yeah. Uh, there's also elevators that you had to go in, which are kind of funny because you go in and it automatically turns you around. And you just kind of stare at the door and wait until the door opens back up. Yep. But if you noticed, when you're in the elevator, it says, pressed select or mouse button, or left mouse button. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, it tells you how to use the elevator while you're in it. Otherwise, you'd never figure it out. Right. But it mentions the mouse button. I'm like, oh, okay. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, B, a button B or right mouse. I wrote it down. Um. And then there's also some, like random things around the the maps. Uh, eggs. You're supposed to get 18 eggs. I'm sure that's kind of like a side quest you can get. Um, one thing I found really annoying about the game when you're in top down mode, you just be walking and out of nowhere this huge ID card thing would pop in front of you, telling you like a dinosaur fact, to the point where you like couldn't see the screen. Yeah. I'm just like, what? The that happened hell? to me a couple of times too, and I thought I triggered it somehow. I was like looking to see if I hit a button accidentally. I think there's certain points you can that trigger it, or yeah. if you stand still for too long, a random fact will come up. Otherwise, right. it'll say something like, "Did you know that raptors won't attack you unless you like provoke them?" Which I tried and got mutilated multiple times. I'm like, okay, right. that's not either not true or else that's not a raptor, even though it looks like one. Yeah. Um, Cool. That was the SNES game. <laughs> That's right. So over. Now we're not giving. Do, do we give spoiler alerts on the end of the game? I mean, we're pretty much walking well, through the game. Did you see the end? The end of the game. The end of the game. Did the you get to screen. the end of the no, game? No, I watched it on the video. <laughs> oh no, I didn't get to the end of the game. Should we? It's. So, I'm not going to play it. So that's just fine. And I'm not going to recommend anyone play it. No. So it's the spo I don't want to give away spoilers because it's not much of a spoiler. Plug your ears for the next 10 seconds. Go, Eric. So you know the mode 7 thing yeah. in the beginning? That's your ending. Like it just it goes away from the island and you see the mode 7 island spinning. And then it, get, it rolls the credits. Yay! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> yep. <laughs> that's the end. I just thought that was a funny side note in that you you go through this horrible game and that's your that's your ending. 
You know, before we get into the second one, you're gonna have to break out some more beer. Yeah, I, this is we have to drown ourselves in our sorrows with these two games. We gonna go Mexican here? Uh, yeah. We're gonna do Twenty First Amendment El Sully, which we've done on the show before. Yep. We enjoy yeah. it. It's a decent light beer with some flavor. Yep. And um, as a bonus. Oh, bonus! I brought. Oh. Pre-cut limes. Limes. I'll like, let you reach in there. I'll grab one of these two limes. Yep. Um. It's gonna be hard to squish it. You're gonna pour yours out, probably. I know you. Um, Jurassic Park on the Sega Genesis. So this game, I know you didn't pick it for this reason, but when you when you when you pick this game, I had like a Sega Genesis when I was in middle school. Okay. With like four games, and this was one of them. Oh, cool. Um, and I remember hating it back then, even. Yeah. But, but I only owned four games, so I played it a lot. Well, and I never got past level three, even when I owned it and had nothing else to play. And I did not get past level three. And nor, this time. nor did I. <laughs> um, I did watch a video though, so I could talk intelligently somewhat about it. But okay, you, I won't be able to talk about any details past level three. So nostalgia went far for me on this one because when I heard the sounds and saw things, it was like, oh yeah. And then I played the game. And went, yep, nope, still hate it. Cheers. Um, cheers to Sully. Ching. Um. So when you turn this on, first of all, the coolest part about it is when you turn it on, you know how there's always a Sega logo? Well, the T-Rex actually goes, Sega! Yeah, and I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> I did like that. Uh, I it comes up from part. the bottom. Yeah. And you see that exact same T-Rex face later on in the game. Yeah. Um, that was funny. Yeah. This this uh, game, and I remember this specifically, is all about this weird farty bass line. Um, and that's pretty much the entire music track for the whole game, I think. It's just this kind of bass line. It changes, but it's almost solely a bass line. Yeah. Um, actually, the bass lines are kind of cool, but still, music average to, I don't know, average to forgettable. You're right. Um, the, this must have come out like pretty soon after Mortal Kombat because the graphics were motion capture. Yeah. A lot of them were. Not all of them, but a lot of them were... Not motion capture, but uh, it's like digitized. It's digitized. Um, I will say because I took this in my notes, the the animation, it it the they were kind of janky. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They weren't smooth, which you know is possible because they done it in both SNES and Genesis games. It was I, like it was he'd be in one pose and then he just goes into this like yeah. complete forty five degree other pose. It, yeah, there's not a lot of transition. There's just, not a lot of smooth transition. Smooth animation is not smooth animation. It is very, like, janky. I and, don't know. It, and if they did that so that it made, they made sure the gameplay was tight, yeah. I would understand it. The gameplay is so not tight. No, the gameplay is not tight at all. And, and honestly, an impossible mission on the Commodore 64, if they can do smooth animation with that guy, they yeah. can do it on the Genesis. Rotoscoping and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's cutscenes, which is and by the cool. way, this is a platformer. Did we say that yet? No, we haven't. So this is a this is a basic platformer. Platformer with shooting, yeah, yeah. platformer shooter. Yeah. Uh, except you're shooting red and blue tr tranquilizer darts. Yeah. You also have smoke bombs you can throw. And you do run out of the ammo. You have to collect these the ammo as you're going through the levels. Um, you collect. There's med kits, so you can increase your health. Um, when you start the game, you're it, there's an overworld map of the island, yep. and you go to different locations. Yep. Um, it's precisely three locations before you stop playing. Yeah. Um, and I'll get to this in a second. I'm going to try to throw a curveball at you. Um, but it's interesting because you can climb ledges, 
although it's done in a very janky way. Yep. Uh, you can jump, but depending on what surface you're on, you might jump like up-ish slightly, or you might shoot way over. Um, yeah. You'll land on platforms that are at an angle, and you'll slide down them uncontrollably, and they lead you right into like a pile of pit or of spikes. Yeah. So the only way you can like get off of there without dying is to like jump early, hit your head on the ceiling, and then have that drop you down where there's no spikes. Yeah. It's it's just super. <clears throat> No. Uh, janky I had, is a good word. I, I like the word janky. Yeah, I had a very hard time controlling this game and getting far. I played it over and over and I couldn't, I could barely get past the first level. I finally did. But it was mainly because the controls were bad. The first two levels I got by very easily, but that's just because of muscle memory from when I was a kid. Yeah. I remembered it. The pipe level, the second level, you're kind of in these sewers, industrial plant area. and Yep. Um, first level, you're in the jungle. Um it's funny because you start, you're in a, there's a car crash, so apparently your Jeep crashed, and like right in front of you is a Triceratops. And you, yeah, and you're wondering what, what what do you do with this guy? And you have like, like a half a second, yeah, to either jump on him, jump over him, or grab your smoke bombs and and knock him out. Oh, Otherwise, you know. get charged over and over and over again uncontrollably until you die. Yeah, I just jump on him. I I, I didn't. That works. Yeah, I never uh, tried to tried to sedate him. <laughs> sedate. <laughs> um, yeah, there's also some vines in there, some vines that you can hang from. There are, yep. Those are kind of difficult to use too, though, because you kind of have to jump, hold up, and then while you're on the vine, you have to hold up, and when you press over, you still have to hold up, because as soon as you let go of up, you're going to drop. Um, there's the little turkey dinosaurs, I always call them that, but the little small guys. Yeah. Those are paying the butt because they'll nibble at your feet, and you can't kill them unless you duck and shoot them. Unless you duck and shoot, and that isn't a very smooth operation in this game. That is not, because if you duck facing the wrong way... Yep. You have to get back up and then turn the right way and then duck again. Yep. Uh, and if you are on uneven ground and you're like a few pixels too high, you won't hit, you won't hit them. Another bummer was the pterodactyls. Yes, there are pterodactyls that fly around. Yep. So they fly around. They're very hard to hit because they fly very fast and you don't move very fast. You pretty much have to know where they're going to come out yep. and be prepared for them ahead of time. Yeah. But most of the time they'll just hit you and you lose some life. Luckily, you have a ton of life. You do. But the whole game is just you getting hit over and over again repeatedly. Yeah. So like you're just getting beat up. Having a blast. <laughs> there's spinning dinosaurs. There's the pterodactyls. The pterodactyls. Um, there's a brontosaurus head sticking out of the water. Yeah. I don't know if you ever I fell through I, that water. I did get that, yeah. You fell through the water? No, I didn't fall through the water. Oh, I, it's fun. When you fall through the water, Yeah. the screen still scrolls, and you see like the water stop, and your guy just falling into like infinity. Oh, and I then it goes. I never did over. that. And you can see the bottom of the brontosaurus neck underwater, but there's no water there now. It's just like it looks like. Hmm. You can see like all the artifacts of the game. I didn't see that. That was terrible. Yeah. Um. <laughs> excuse me. Yeah, I wrote it down. I fell into nothing. And then uh, once you get to level three, that is the raft level. Oh, level two. One cool thing about that is the T Rex does break his head through the wall, and essentially break the fourth wall, oh, the third wall. Yeah. Um. Because you're playing a platformer, and all of a sudden this T-Rex just breaks through the background, and now he's like trying to bite at you and stuff. It's choppy, but that's probably one of the cooler parts of the game. Hmm. I didn't actually see that for oh, some really? reason. I made it to the raft level, though. Huh. End of the second level, yeah. Yeah, okay. T-Rex head. Uh, it's the same T-Rex head from the logo. I played this game first, so I may have just be forgetting about it. Gotcha. So yeah, level two, power station, level three, pipes. Oh, I guess level four was the raft. Because level three was the so that was a power station, the second level, right? I, I, I wrote down so. factory. It looks like a factory, but yeah, I think it's supposed to be that power station. I think there. you're right. Because yep. there's no factory on the island unless they're making 
glue out of dead dinosaurs. <laughs> right. Um, and it would stutter and slow down when a lot was going on on the screen. Yes. Now, did you ever on the title screen, instead of pressing start, go down to where it says player and then hit? No. Nope. Didn't do that. So you missed half of the game. <laughs> if you go down to yeah. player, yeah. you can take yourself off of Grant and onto Raptor. And you play a whole different game as a raptor. Oh, wait. I, I did see that on the some videos I watched. So, so I knew a, about it. That's yeah. a select thing. So you can... It was basically like having two games, which as a kid I thought was so cool. Yeah. And the raptor doesn't fire anything, right? The raptor can obviously jump. He can lunge. Yes. He can attack with his talons, his like hands, if you want to call them that. Or he can bite. Now, the bite is cool because there's no health for the raptor. The little turkey dinosaurs, you actually press down and bite at them and you eat them. And oh, that gets wow. your health. That's your health. Um, the raptor is even harder to control than Grant is. Okay. So, so you're flying I wouldn't have all over the place. Yeah. I didn't play that. Yeah. You, when you grab the ledges, you kind of bite them and then like chuck yourself, your body up. Um, okay. What's crazy is when you hold up and jump, he does this jump that's literally like three, almost like two and a half screens high. Oh, wow. So he can jump crazy high. Yeah. Um, anyways. Oh, and he can also nudge boxes around. Oh, he can, but Grant couldn't do it's that. It's weird because they're almost like two completely different games. They're both platformers, and they have some similar um, pieces, but they play like two different games. I don't have anything else to say. I don't really, other than I did see the end on the video. For like, both? The final battle was... Um, you're basically breaking the skeleton. You know how like in that showroom? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's that big the big the skeleton of, or of, yeah, the, yeah. of the I, forget, I don't know what dinosaur it is but these two those two you know there's like two of those one dinosaurs that are both kind of like those are the raptors aren't they I think they're raptors yeah they're encroaching on you mm -hmm. you shoot the skeleton to make it fall on them and then when, the, when it falls on them that's how you win the game cool and that's the, that's the end of the game <laughs> I mean it was creative it had a lot of set piece it had a lot of parts yeah. from the movie um the thing is, like, both games definitely seem to have like like educational facts yes, about the dinosaurs yes. and stuff, and try to keep that like the raptor being able to jump so high and things like that. They're like, I don't care if it hurts gameplay; it's going to be accurate to what we think the dinosaurs were. At the time, Jurassic Park was one of those movies that made w so much money. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean, it was like crazy money. You think they could have just made better games, though? <laughs> But I guess that's the kind of the curse of licensed games. A lot of licensed yeah. games just aren't very good. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so. So if you had to pick which version of Jurassic Park. <clears throat> yeah, it's easy for me. I'd pick the Super Nintendo one. Over I wouldn't say it's easy, but yes. No, I, no, no. I agree. Uh, it's the Super Nintendo one. Yeah. I, I the Genesis one controlled so poorly that it was just got really frustrating. Yep. Like, like sometimes you jump and slide down those things, and when you got to the bottom, I couldn't find easy ways back up. So you're floundering around, and eventually you just fall off or you get killed or you make yourself die to start over. Correct. Yeah. So yeah, I just got very much more frustrated with the Genesis than the SNES one. They were both frustrating, <sighs> but I picked the SNES. I also picked the SNES. Yeah. Um. Even though I have nostalgia and oh, I, my life with that, and but. nostalgia is strong. I trust me. I mean, nah, I think that helps me prove that I can differentiate. Yeah. 
All right, I'm going to let you pick the next uh, versus battle. You can take your time. We don't no, have to announce it. But... It was fun. I'm glad we did that because yeah. games I wouldn't have played otherwise. So. <laughs> I never played either at all, ever. Yeah. I never. So Where did you hear about that being a, an option for... I think I went, literally went online and was looking... I think I might have looked through your notes where you j jotted down like some of the oh, okay. verses, like options for the future. And I looked through those and I think I went, oh, that sounds like a good one. I like Jurassic Park. So I did buy Jurassic Park for the NES as well. Okay. Uh, before. Yeah. And similar thing. It was a top-down shooter. And I was really excited about it. It looked really good. In fact, I, the first two levels, I loved it. And then, like, the third level became also a rap level and completely changed the game the gameplay. Yeah. And it's so broken and difficult to pass that third level, like, stop the game in its tracks. Oh, wow. The first two levels were great. I'd recommend you try that. Name some top-down games you really like in the world. Oh, I... I mean, I, I off the top of my head, there's a ton, but like I love head, zombies I... ate my neighbors. Yes, um, I love uh, Chaos Engine. Yep, I love. Um, I'm just gonna sit here and agree with the ones you think of. Uh, Into the Eagle's Nest on the Commodore 64 is a great yeah. one. Um, uh, that's I, more of a puzzle game. I though. think of Super C, which is Contra, but every on Super C, the, all the even levels are top-down shooters. Yeah, or Ikari Warriors, kind of a thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a great um, genre. I wish there was people did more with it these days. I think yeah, there's a ton of it. Yeah, cool. Um, cool. Well, now we move on to the news. Uh... Reporting the news. Big time news. Yep. How's that, El Soli? Sitting with you. Yeah, it's actually very limey. My lime, that was a very effective lime. In a good way. It's good. <laughs> what was it, the Pokemon? You've casted lime. It's effective. It's super effective. You never play Pokemon I mean, games, I have no you? references to Pokemon. Oh, man. But yeah, I'm sorry. One of these days, I'm going to pick up a... I'll pick up one. I know I'm going to get like sucked into it. I love. I have to say I love Pokemon games. My daughter asked me today to get the new Pokemon Eevee one. Oh, yeah. So on the Switch. Let's go Eevee, I think it's called. Let's go Eevee, yep. So I might have to jump into that, and I'll probably end up playing it myself. Toe Jam and Earl. Awesome. It's to being released, and this isn't really new. Well, none of this is news. This is news to us, right? Yep. Um, did you know who the executive producer turns out to be for Toe Jam and Earl remake? I do not know. Macaulay Culkin. Really? <laughs> <laughs> of Home Alone fame. Okay. I don't know. He came out recently saying... Basically, that yeah, he, that's his game, and he's the executive producer on it. All right. Just thought that was interesting. Yeah. Um, it doesn't make me want to run out and buy the game. No, not at all. But, but anyway, something super nineties. Yeah. Executive producing something else super nineties. <clears throat> I heard the a podcast recently, an interview with the guy who wrote that game and basically invented it. Yeah. Like from the first version, it was a pretty interesting podcast. Yeah. It's a super unique game. Yeah. I, I don't enjoy playing it, but... I don't think I ever have. I think I loaded up once and was like, this really isn't for me, but... Yeah, I don't, I, I don't quite get it. Yeah. Um, but, anyways. Um, the new uh, NES games that are on the Switch... What's it called? The Switch Online? Yeah. Were released. And um, pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Mario Lost Levels. Mm-hmm. Which is also known as Mario 2 in Japan, but over here we call it Lost Levels. Yep. Uh, because it was too hard for us in America. I was going to say, they're supposed to be super tough, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. And, and in weird ways, apparently. <clears throat> yeah. Um, almost like people made, you know, 
Mario Maker levels, and they just made it a game. Uh, Star, Star Soldier, Soldier, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's a good. So game. we got a shooter on there. Yep. And then Punch Out, not the Mike Tyson version. No, but Punch Out. Punch Out, which is funny because Mike Tyson tweeted on it, bring Mike Tyson back. He basically said something like, "What is this Punch Out? Like, when you think of Punch Out, who do you think of? Right? Yeah. Um, the Spectrum Next, a little bit of an update on that. I got two pieces of news on this. One was that the keyboard was further delayed because some other hiccup happened. Okay. But then by the time the podcast started today, like two days ago, we just got pictures of... You got the tweet I sent you, A complete right? unit in a box, which, yeah, you sent me. Complete unit in a box, and it looks awesome. It looks absolutely awesome. And it looks like it would fit on my wall. Exactly. In, I hope you get it. I hope you get it. I hope it actually becomes reality, and I hope that after you get it, they... We'll actually just sell them on a website somewhere. I'll probably buy it. Yeah, it's going to be really cool. So, yep. again, my, my Spectrum is a 48K. I have run into a number of games already that require 128. Yeah. And um, I knew that would happen. But there's not a ton of them, so don't get too down on that. Well, a lot of the new ones are. Yeah. And that's... That's true. That's why I really think I like the Commodore and the Spectrum is the scene. <clears throat> yes. People are making stuff and releasing stuff and hacking stuff, and, and that's what I like the most. And that's why one of the next is... Excuse me. They are creating their own scene. Yeah. And it's really not, I wouldn't say it's thriving yet because um, people have the next board. Yeah. It's hard to be thriving when you don't have the end result in a bunch of consumers' hands to try out. I mean, so I'm hoping more stuff gets put out there. But like right now, I think there's like six games for the Spectrum Next. Yeah. The main reason I'm buying the Next, we've said this multiple times on other uh, episodes, but is to be able to play spectrum games yep but i couldn't wait any longer so i got my rubber key which i wanted anyways just because it's cool looking and right i want to start playing games on it yep but so i'm gonna that'll be my go-to machine of course it outputs hdmi and other stuff too so. yeah um a switch game was released which i'm going to be picking up it's for 12 or 11.99 it's called mixed Germination force i got it did you really? I did. I bought it. Um, I, I was having a conversation online with Roy Fielding, the Roy Storini. Mm-hmm. He says he bought it and he played co-op with his son and they beat like all the, they basically beat the game together over several days. Um, and I'm going on vacation here next week. So I'm going to, I'm going to do, do the same too. thing. I'm going to play co-op with my son, see if he likes it. Um, but I, I bought it. Yeah. Cool. It's yeah, like a it, Contra type game, except it's all boss battles. It's all boss battles. It's very colorful, very like interesting art style. Um, I only played it for about fifteen minutes, and like I, it, it was kicking my butt. Like the first <laughs> boss. Yeah. Like there's a tutorial boss which was was pretty easy. Then the very first one, which is that giant centipede that goes underground. It's just like I've I've died probably four times and haven't beaten it yet. <laughs> but this is the kind of game I don't think there's that many bosses, that many mechs. Yeah, you just got to practice and get better. So the whole game is basically playing the boss. The boss is the level. Yeah. So it's going to be one of those games where, yeah, you're going to die 20 times trying to fight one of these bosses, but eventually you'll get through it. Yep. So almost like the Dark Souls of oh, the no, Switch. Oh, don't go there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it looks really cool. I love Contra anything, so I'm excited yeah. about that. Cool. What's this device that you've um, written down? Well, I wanted to see if you had looked at Google's Stadia product coming out. I've specifically, no, not on purpose, but 
You haven't heard about it I've, at all? I've heard about it, some kind of online thing. and It's going to be are... a total, completely streaming, gaming. It's Google's gaming yeah. stuff. So you're going to buy a controller, and you can use your own controllers if you want to, but you buy a controller, a Google controller, and they've already shown prototypes of it. It's Wi-Fi. So you can use it anywhere you want. It doesn't matter. So you play, let's say you have a TV with Chromecast on it. Mm -hmm. You can just play a game on there and it casts straight from Google. And you tell your Wi-Fi controller, well, I'm playing on my Chromecast right now. And you just start playing. If you want to hit pause and save and switch to your tablet or your desktop, or you just go do that and you just start continue playing over on another device. The game itself is run on Google's mega computers. Yeah. So all the stuff is so they they already have Assassin's Creed, I guess, like a prototype running. And they're gonna come out with a bunch of games that just play in the cloud and you just getting the screen updates. Mm -hmm. So you can play it on anything. Literally anything. But the controller I thought was pretty interesting because Wi Fi you could take around you can play it on your phone, you can play it on your computer, you can play it on thing. Um it's interesting. I'm not sure that it's for me, but it seems it seems to be one possible avenue for the future of gaming. Yeah, it's just going to be all in the cloud. That's going to really suck. I think because, a lot. Oh yeah, I think that's why I'm not excited about this. Can you imagine way. like never owning a game anymore? It's all licenses. So the minute that it becomes unpopular, the game's gone forever. It just gets delisted, and you don't get to play it anymore. Yeah. Um, there'll be no more retro computing scene. I mean. <laughs> That gives a shelf life to our podcast. Shoot, in 60 years, we might be out of this. Exactly. Man. Yeah, I, these things are, I don't know, they're so out there right now at this point that it's hard to care too much. But yeah, if it goes the way it says it's going to go, I have a hard time right now being interested. Yeah. But that being said, five years ago, I never would imagine myself paying for a digital download. Yeah. And at this point, I buy albeit very cheap digital downloads mm -hmm. i buy stuff. that's the beauty of them <laughs> i buy a lot of them for dirt cheap basically yeah. knowing that i will play them as long as i feel like be done with it and be like great i only paid two dollars for that so if it disappears it's not that. the end of the world yeah but i like owning my things i don't know that's gonna be hard yeah all right so anyway that's that i just want to see if you had seen it it was a big announcement yeah well then and then apple's doing their streaming service mm -hmm. and uh did these doing a I mean, everyone's doing stuff now so yeah everyone's fighting jockeying for this next market yeah which, which will be here quicker than we think the only one weird thing about it is i hope so you know what happened to the music industry is like artists are getting screwed for spotify and amazon music because it's a streaming service and they're getting paid like pennies mm -hmm. when their songs are played right so the record company gets this huge licensing money from spotify or whoever but the artist gets paid next to nothing, like literally next to nothing. They'll have to wait like a year, some of these smaller artists, to get caught up to the minimum check that they could get cut. Mm -hmm. Imagine that happening with game developers now. Like, instead of like them selling a, a game for 60 bucks, you're going to buy it like digitally on the system for X number of dollars, but all, a lot of that money is going to go towards Google or Apple. Yeah. It's yeah. very little is going to go to how long is that going to take for the developer to be like, why am I making games anymore? Yeah. And one is, and like you said there, the musician thing, 
a lot of them are doing a lot of gigs now. Yeah. Because they can make a lot of money doing shows. Just doing big shows. And but basic... how do you, how does that translate to video games, though? Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. That's going to be... And it'll be a basically self-published... Um, it could be a dimming of the free lights. Free to play streaming or downloads or... For a lot of these Assassin's Creed, Call of Duty type of big titles, mm -hmm. it could just be dimming the lights on those now. Like, they're just not going to be around anymore because who's going to program them if they don't make a lot of money? Yeah. So, anyway. Yeah, I mean, it'll work itself out eventually, but yeah, it's... Ugh. Konami is having its 50th anniversary. Okay. That's a big deal. Remember when Konami made video games? Mm-hmm. Well, they're actually uh, going to hand out some of those video games. Not hand them out, but charge for them. Okay. But they're going to turn their heads away from their slot machines for <laughs> a couple of years and, and yeah. pay some respect to the video gamers that made them who they are. Uh, and they're releasing three new digital-only collections. Okay. I believe these are on multiple systems, but I am very excited about all three of these. Oh, really? And I'd really like for them to release a collector's box and make it all work. Yeah. Um... The first one is the Arcade Classics, they call it, which is a very generic name. Mm -hmm. They should just call it like a shooter pack or schmuck pack. Schmuck pack. Uh, games so far that are announced. Um, actually, I think they announced all of them for this particular collection. Um, Haunted Castle, which is funny because that is actually not a shooter. That is a Castlevania game before Castlevania was actually called that. Yeah. Uh, Typhoon. Nemesis, otherwise known as Gradius. Vulcan Venture, otherwise known as Gradius 2. Life Force, otherwise known as Salamander. Thundercross, Scramble, and Twinbee. Yeah. I Almost like, all of those are great. I like all these. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, Haunted House is actually pretty bad. <laughs> but. I think I played that on my main cabinet once. It yeah. Was, it was, yeah, it wasn't great, but it was okay. I mean, it's Castlevania arcade, but it's kind of like Double Dragon or some of the games games we mentioned last time the rest of all these though um, other than thundercross i've played i played, a, I played a, all the rest of these quite a bit oh yeah i love life force um but, twin, uh, but twin have, what is thundercross have you played that i don't think i've played that um i want to say i've played i think it's a vertical scrolling shmup <clears throat> okay twin b i love yeah twin b is fun okay uh, they also come with what they call a bonus book. This thing's this is driving me nuts, to be honest with you. When people say, hey, it includes bonus books and postcards, and then it says digital. Yeah, they're all digital. Yeah. Postcards are not postcards if they're digital, my friend. I'm That's sorry. Right. They're just pictures. They're just some bits. And a, it's not a, well, in my opinion, it's not a book. It's a document. Right. Um, anyways, it's going to come with an ebook, and it comes with um, some extra musical scores and some interviews, design documents. So some extra stuff so that's pretty cool okay um the next pack that they're coming out with this one i'm super excited about uh they've announced the castlevania pack which will come with castlevania on the nes uh castlevania 3 Drag dracula's curse which is a great game as well um you'll notice they skipped castlevania 2 because that game was a kind of weird adventure rpg game that was yeah it had weird um solutions you would never naturally think of you'd have to like honestly look it up otherwise you'll never get past that part in the some game. kind of strategy guide yeah and it happens pretty early in the game yeah uh they do have castlevania 2 belmont's revenge on the game boy which is supposed to be great i've never played it and another great game super castlevania 4 from the super nintendo okay there are four other games in that series that they have not announced yet and i can only imagine how i mean there's great castlevania games 
Um, I mean, uh, the Genesis one, uh, Bloodlines. Bloodlines, yeah. Awesome game if they put that in there. Um, I actually like it better than the Castlevania 4 on the Super Nintendo. Yep. Uh, what about Rondo of Blood? Rondo of Blood would be an awesome solution there. Yep. And what about, like, the best one, which is... Uh, Symphony of the Night? Symphony of the Night. That's my favorite one. So that'd be three. What would the fourth one be? And what I'm worried about is they made a version of Rondo of Blood on... Saturn? The Super Nintendo. Right. But they called it something different, and it was atrocious. Okay. It just got all hacked up. I don't know. I'm not really up on my Castlevania versions, but... I don't know what the fourth one would be, but I'm, I would expect to see Bloodlines, Rondo of Blood... Hopefully, Symphony hopefully night. Symphony of the Night. Um, but I'm looking at these other games, and none of them are past 91 for the other collections. So I don't know if they'll do that or not. I'm not sure what else they would do. Yeah. Um, and then the last pack that come out with is Contra. And they have the Contra arcade game, which we talked about being a bad port. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a bad port when it's not actually a port. Right. Um, Super Contra in the arcade, which I've never played. Super C, which I've mentioned already, which is Contra 2 on the NES, which is one of my favorites. Oh, Contra 3 Alien Wars is awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping they put NES Contra in here. Um, there's four games on here that they say coming soon. Um, what about Legacy of War? It might be. I don't. I, there's not too many other Contras. We're looking again. We're looking at Contra Legacy of War on my screen right now, just playing the uh, background footage. Um, it's a cool little game. And there's also some good ones on the. Uh, DS. It's a really good Contra game on the DS, yeah. apparently. Yep. I haven't played it, but that could be cool. Arcade 1-Up is back at it. Did you check this lineup? I did not. Okay. This is cool. Golden Tea? Wow. That, there you go. You just stole my thunder. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> so they came out with uh, some new lineups, including Golden Tea, which is a very cool choice golden tea is a neat game and it got really popular mm-hmm. and it became like a huge underground gaming scene where people at bars that weren't gamers would have yeah golden tea competition i've never actually played a lot of it i played a couple holes i i didn't because every time i'd see it i i would marvel at the graphics but it would always cost like 75 cents a buck mm-hmm. to play i was like i'm not and that would be nine holes or whatever and you had, yeah you couldn't play it still couldn't play a full round right um they're also coming out with a Walmart exclusive Space Invaders, which I do not think will sell well. Nope. Uh, Mortal Kombat 2. That's a good one. Final Fight and Karate Champ. Mm. Now I'm curious if Mortal Kombat 2, Final Fight, and Karate Champ would be one machine. You would think, because um, like Karate Champ isn't that big of a game. I mean, it's pretty basic. It's a pretty basic game. Yeah, because they had when they first came out, they came out with like five and ones. Yep. Then they came out with a twelve and one. And now they're going to do single games. I'm do you confused. think? Do you think they're doing well? Arcade one up. I mean, do you think I do they're think selling so well? because I totally thought that by now they would be trying to blow these things out and get rid of them. But, but they're, they're not. not. They're just coming out with new ones. And they're buying the new ones. Walmart yeah. has an exclusive new one with Space Invaders. So yeah, Walmart's not a. They're not dummies. They're not losing money for the fun of it. Nope. Um. Anyways, Golden Tea would be cool. And it would have a cool trackball. Funny thing is the, the golden tea, um, those those cabinets were pretty big. Like in if you went to like I know they had one at a uh, Buffalo Wild Wings not too long ago. Yeah, that yeah. I saw, but it's a giant cabinet. So what are they going? How are they going to make that in a little arcade one up cabinet? It was big, but it doesn't need to be. No, it doesn't really need to be. You're right. Yeah. 
Hmm. All right. Um, one of my favorite series, East. Yeah. Number nine is being announced. Yep. Japan. So cool. I'm sure it'll be just like all the other ones, which means great comfort food. Yep. Love East. Um, this is again news to me. Have you heard of the Mega Sixty Five? Uh, of course. I know nothing about this. Yeah, it's but it's been a it's been a legend or a myth for five years now. Like they've been talking about the Mega Sixty Five is going to come out, and it there'll be months that go by with no news, and then somebody. What the hell is it? It's going to be like a clone of the, the you know, the Commodore sixty four. There was going to be a successor to it, not the C-128, but it was going to be called the Commodore 65. Okay. And um, there was a prototype that went around for a long time. And it's a real computer. It's done. I mean, the Commodore made it. Mm -hmm. But they went out of business before they could market it or something happened and never came out. So a bunch of people took it on themselves to build a modern one, kind of like what the Spectrum Next initiative is. Yeah. But they're going to make the Mega 65. And they have like prototypes of it. I mean, the shell—it's like it looks like a Commodore, like a almost like a like a C sixty four C, but on the side is a forward facing three and a half inch floppy drive. Yeah, I saw that. Um, they they just keep saying it's gonna come out, and it's and then it shifted to FPGA instead of custom chips, and blah blah blah. It, it, it's almost like vaporware. So are they trying to create a new scene with that? Yes. So it's just like the Spectrum Next, yep. except, I mean... That's going to be okay. the Mega 65. Um, I hope it does come out. I think Was it would it be... Was it Kickstarted, or are they doing this from scratch? No, nope, they're just doing it from scratch. At they're least not they're doing, doing it that way. Yeah, they're not doing Kickstarted. And, yeah, I'm in no hurry, so I don't, I don't like, uh, begrudge them for taking a long time. But the, the, the progress is glacial. Like, yeah. I mean, it's... Who knows if it's ever really going to come out or it not? Looks, it looks cool, but yeah, yeah. The Mega sixty five is a cool looking machine. It would look great on your wall of uh, micros. There you go. It's a great looking machine. The next is going to look good up there. Yep. I need to find a way to mount a Spectrum. You Rubber just key, put a board on there with a little ledge on it, like a flat board with a little ledge, and you just set it in there. I'll find a way. Yeah, you'll find a way. It's funny the Spectrum. So over <laughs> here, I have all these little individual. Um, tubs yeah labeled with each computer and i put all their stuff in there so like the sd solution and their cables and their power supplies so i pulled off the wall grab that bucket and i have everything i need the spectrum just fits in the in the, in <laughs> in the, the bucket tub. yeah <clears throat> it's a little uh shoebox tub i think that's what those are actually made for for shoes but it fits the next and every or i'm sorry the, the spectrum and everything in it so anyway if the mega 65 ever comes out it'd be cool i heard if it does come out it's going to be astronomical astronomically priced so, oh really yeah bummer yep vector patrol for sale this? now for the vectrex it is yeah and it that's by the same people that made the vector pilot which is like the time pilot oh really yeah so that's what i've always wanted to get but i've just too. been dragging my heels on it and haven't pulled the trigger on it but now they have this so i might get them both at the same time are they still selling vector pilot yeah Oh, I didn't know that. There's a website, and it's still it's still listed. May, you know, I didn't click through to see if you could buy it, but I'm assuming it's on the website. Yeah, I thought they were done making that. But anyway, I really wanted that. This Vector Patrol looks cool. It's Moon Patrol, but it does have parallel scrolling, like parallax scrolling. 
Yeah. So like, you know, the mountains move faster, further oh, yeah, away. Oh, yeah, yeah, cool. Very slick. So I'm not, I'm not a fan of moon, moon Patrol, so this doesn't particularly interest me, but... I am. I love Moon Patrol. If Vector Pilot still yeah. existed, that would be awesome. I believe that this website, and I put a link in there, right? Yeah, that website, yep. you go there and you can see all the games that they publish. I, th I assume they were all for sale. I hope so. That's awesome. Yep. This is funny. The name itself is a conundrum. They are coming out with R-Type Final 2. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't yeah. know if you played R-Type Final. Uh, I've seen it played. I it's haven't played awesome. it. It's awesome. Is it? It's awesome. Um, in fact, that should be on your PlayStation 2. Oh, it's on the PS2. Okay. Yep. I'll throw it's it awesome. I, I own an actual copy of it, but it, it always made me sad because it was called R-Type Final. I'm like, this is the last one. Nope. Nope. R-Type Final 2. So is, what is this coming out on? Uh, I think it's coming out on everything. I don't know. Okay. I know it's coming out. They showed some video of it. It looks amazing. So uh, on modern machines. They're all, yeah. They're also coming out with the Kunio Kun Classics. Okay. Everyone's doing these classic things. Do you know Kunio Kun? I don't. So that's the Japanese name for all of the, like, River City Rampage. Oh, okay. You know, all those kind of chibi little street fighting guys. Yeah, yeah. So it's going to include, I'm sure all the games you know of, but Renegade, Super Dodgeball, Ready C River City Ransom, Crash and the Boys, Street Challenge. Yeah. And a bunch more. Uh, all in one collection. Um also, the Double Dragon, Dragon games are, I think, Kunigo games. They're going to be on their NES 1, 2, and 3. Cool. Um, what is Spectronet? Spectronet is going to be a... Um, it might even be ready by now. I can't remember if this was coming soon or ready now, but it's going to be soon one way or another. Um, it is a going to be a... I'll just have a digestive. You I, keep talking. You have a sweet digestive. Um, it is a network card for your spect zx spectrum you plug it in you can go ethernet connect to a network and from what i understand you can even load games from either a system on your local network or from the internet so you could go to like a website like world of spectrum and load up a game straight over the internet it's like the stadia <laughs> exactly for the spectrum <laughs> spectrum no, stadia. It's, that's not exactly Coming the computing soon. power is going to be right there on your sweet spectrum <laughs> but you, and I assume the Spectronet will be able to be used for not just downloading games and and playing them, loading them. It's like a disk drive alternative. But it'll be also, I imagine they'll make it so that you can launch a terminal and go to BBSs and stuff like that too. Cool. Yeah. Cool for you. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do it. Yeah, yeah sure. Okay, you would. So Dwarf Fortress. Have you ever heard of Dwarf Fortress? No. It sounds very generic. I'm not gonna lie. It, well, it is generic. It's very okay. old, and it is like a rogue game, mm -hmm. but it uses ASCII characters. Okay, yeah. Okay, so this has been around forever. I mean, on old systems, and but it's maintained by a bunch of programmers in their spare time, and they've added, they add stuff all the time to this game to where it is a giant behemoth of an online game now. Really? Where Dwarf Fortress is very, but it's all still ASCII characters, right? So I tried this maybe, I don't know, six months ago, eight months ago. I'd loaded it up and I was like, this sounds interesting. I played it and I was just like, uh, you just couldn't get over the I, ASCII graphics. I couldn't and... get over the graphics. I couldn't get over, there's a ton of like commands to use. I mean, you're using the keyboard pretty much and the mouse, but there's all sorts of commands to use. And I just didn't have time to sink into trying to learn this. 
they're going to do this complete overhaul and have it on Steam where they're doing graphics for it, but it's going to be the same game, but instead of just the ASCII characters, it's going to be like real, real graphics. Hmm. And they're going to load it on Steam. It's you'll buy it. Won't, it won't be much money, but all the, the one thing about this is it's so detailed because there's so many people just throwing stuff in there. There's thousands of spells to cast. There's all sorts of loot all over to find, but it's basically a rogue game where you're going through dungeons and stuff. I'm not even saying I'm going to jump into it, but I thought it was cool that this kind of game that's been around forever and ever and ever is finally getting a facelift and getting graphics. Yeah. I nope. thought it was and pretty cool. A mass audience release. Yep. That's cool. So I have to admit something to you. Yeah. I have not been listening to Amigos any longer. <laughs> right. Because I've been listening to their new podcast. Yeah. Our Sinclair. Because of my new Specky. Yeah. Sounds like they also got a new Specky. They did. And they're playing through games and talking about it. And, and they got the same one you did, 48K. it's a blast. Yeah. Um, I do have a question. Why do they call him Boat? It's just a... I think it's just a nickname that he has. From what... I, I need to figure out what that's from. I'm very curious about that. I don't know. I'll have to ask them. If you guys... Yeah. They listen to our show. So, Boat WTF, which is PG-13 for what the heck. <laughs> um... But you're still going to listen to the Amigos podcast, right? Uh, well, right now, I'm backlogging the okay. Ar- Arson Clay. Actually, I'm all caught up now. I think they just came out with one more I have to listen to. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's just, it's, it's so new. It's just cool to me. It's very enticing. Like, I love listening to the games they're playing, and I, I want to go play those games, like, yep. right away. And that Chaos game is, I, I, I remember loading that up a few couple years ago and going, I don't know what this game is i don't know what the hell yeah I'm well doing. they force themselves to dig into it and learn it yeah and so, and so i gave yeah. up i played it for 10 minutes was like i don't know what this game is i'm giving up and then i listened to them on the pie i'm like i want to go back and play that Sounds game cool. now that i kind of know what's going on like one-on-one wizard battle simulator and i printed out the instructions and i played it and i it's a great it's a great little strategy game we'll have to learn so we can play against each other yeah because i mean it can have like eight players or something but I, it is cool that you have this ZX Spectrum podcast here in the United States. It's almost like sacrilege. Like it has no no it has no right to be here in the U.S. Yeah, well, but it the, is the Amiga one almost doesn't too to a point. Except yeah, the Amiga did do sure some business here, but but they do have a huge community of guys that are big into ZX Spectrum, so they chime in and give them advice and things like that. So. It's pretty cool. That's very cool. Yeah. I like it. Well done, gentlemen. Yeah. Um, you couldn't go uh, anywhere in, in our, within our Twitter universe and not see that Shantae5 is coming out. Right. Have yeah, you seen I, that all over the place? I have, yeah. And it's ridiculous because apparently everybody who is excited about Shantae5 can also draw because they all just are drawing pictures of the half genie. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw that it's on Twitter. It's crazy how many people can draw and how they all decided they have to draw. I, it's literally hundreds that I've seen. I guess she's an iconic character now. Yeah. I mean, she was small time the, the first few games. And yeah. at this point, everyone's like, oh, got to draw her. Yeah. Um, very excited. Shantae 5. Yeah. Uh, I love Shantae. I love the Shantae games. Have you, no, gone, have you gone back to yours at all? Or? I haven't yet, but I will. It's a good game. I, I loved playing it. It was great. Yeah. You know, I just got busy. Also gets a little heads up in my uh, one of my uh, segments this uh, episode. Oh, cool. Uh, Spider-Saurus is a new Contra-style game, also by WayForward. Okay. Um, 
However, I believe this is specific for Apple Arcade, which is, in theory, a competitor to the one you just talked about, Stadia. Yeah, yeah we'll see which one uh, reigns supreme. So, so far, I like Apple Arcade because it's got a WayForward game on it. I love WayForward. Yeah. But I really don't care about the format. I, I don't like either of them, I don't think, at this point. Right. But I do want to try Spidersaurus, which is a ridiculous name for what I expect to be a very cool game. Yeah. All right, so we got to talk about the new Genesis Mini. Yeah, this is big news lately that finally Sega is coming out with an official key mini. Sega, I mean, they've endorsed some Sega minis. From our games, yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) Um, So they are coming out with their own Sega Mini. Yeah. Which should compete with the SS, or not compete at this point, but it should hit the same buttons as the SNES Classic and the NES Classic. Um, gonna cost eighty bucks, yeah, or seventy pounds, depending where you are. Um, Comes with forty games, forty games, which is a pretty good chunk. Yep. Um, did did ten- you read if it was gonna come with one or two controllers out of the box? I thought I had heard two. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Um, which would be right on par again with the SNES. Yep. Uh, ten games have been confirmed so far: Sonic the Hedgehog, which is a given; Echo the Dolphin, another given; Castlevania Bloodlines. Look at that. That's going to be great. Uh, Space Harrier 2. Yep. Really weird decision, in my opinion. <laughs> Super Scalar Sega. Yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, Shining Force. Yep. RPG. Doctor, uh, Doctor Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine, which is Puyo Puyo. Yep. Um, Toe Jam and Earl. Yep. Could care less. Comic Zone is a cool game. It is cool. I heard it was really hard. I never played it. It's cool. You fight through a comic strip, and it, you yeah. like, literally like bust through the margins yeah. and everything. Yep. Altered Beast, and Gunstar Heroes, which is a great app. Gunstar Heroes is great. That's great. I pick it up all the time. I've never beaten it or anything, but I pick it up all the time and just kind of play it for a half hour, and then I'm done with it. Yeah. I I mean, it's, it's actually a very easy game, to yeah. be honest. Um, the first day I played it, I did beat it. Okay. I tried to try a few times, but I, I, I beat it. Okay. But this is what I love. They're going to, well, first of all, they're going to announce games intermittently, moving up to the release date. Yeah. But... Uh, you can tell they're really trying with this thing. It looks a lot better, and they're using M2 to do the yeah the ports. Yeah, and M2 is has a history of doing just amazing. They ports. do. They they make everything. They go above and beyond, and so this thing is going to be legit. That and is cool. I will be purchasing it. I did hear one thing about it is that the American version, true to form, will have the three button controller, but I heard that the Japanese version of this will have the six button controller. Huh. And so we may have to buy each one. <laughs> of course. <laughs> but or, anyway, I thought that was cool. Or, I, I'd or lo- third-party six-button knockoffs. For my wallet, I'd love to say, well, I'm not going to buy this, but I'm going to buy it because I have all the other minis. <laughs> yeah. I want to see it next to my, yeah. my stack there. So I will, I'll, I'll be getting it. Oh, you also notice I built a little random shelf? Yeah. I'm going to put my PlayStation 3 under there. It's been in our other room, not being used. Yeah. I'm like, I might as well put it in there. Right, so I'll be able to have my PlayStation Three at hand. Mine's mine is tucked like on my shelves. It's tucked behind and under because I very rarely use yeah. it. But it's back there. I want it to be there so I can get yeah. to it quick. Uh, one more announcement from you here. Yep, Dangerous Driving. So do you like the Burnout series, right? I uh, I played Burnout, Dominator, Revenge, Takedown. No, the um, the like Paradise. semi-open world one. Yeah, Paradise. Yeah, and Paradise is a good one. It's not my favorite. 
Burnout Takedown is probably my favorite. Yeah. Um, but I love Burnout. I, I just love the Paradise series. Paradise was fun. There are a lot. Of, yeah, Paradise was great. I love the the collecting the cars kind of thing in that one, and the open world was mm -hmm. fun. Um, so a bunch of the designers of Burn of Burnout left Criterion, started their own kind of thing, and this is their their result is Dangerous Driving. It is Burnout. Okay. And cool. one interesting thing about the game is it is every mode in Burnout that you can think of. Because, you know, they, they always, always introduce new things like uh, after-touch takedowns where after you crash, you can use the bumpers to, like, shift your wreckage into, okay. like, oncoming cars. <laughs> um, but every little mode has its own mode in this. So it has, like, all the... It's, it's almost like a big compilation of every burnout, but with new tracks and everything. It's the way I see, like, the demos that I've watched. Um I think it's going to be really cool, um, and it's going to be a reduced price one. I think it's twenty nine ninety nine. Oh, sweet! So I don't know. I might look into it. I did hear that on basic systems. I don't know what kind of PS four you have. I have like basic. I have the basic Xbox One. It only runs at thirty frames per second. Hmm. Which I've never I've never been into F like frames per second. Yeah. Like you know how some gamers are just so into that. Oh, it's got to be sixty and not deviate from that. I haven't personally met one like that, but I hear that they exist. I don't care if the game is fun. I don't care. Yeah. I don't give one iota about it. So I'm gonna. I love Burnout, so I'm gonna get this game. Cool. Um, maybe not soon because I'm still want to like I'm still doing my thing where. I don't want to buy modern games. I'm still. I want to hit PS2 <laughs> and Dreamcast hard um, for my modern fix. My modern. Have you hit fixed. the Dreamcast or you just been? Yeah. No, I've oh, been playing Zero Gunner. Oh, Zero Gunner. Uh, Zero Gunner Two a lot. Like, I love that's, that game. I can't get off of that game, so I'm not playing anything else on Dreamcast right now. But that game. I love that game. I love it. It's great. Well, uh, you keep getting to level four, probably. Yeah, about there. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, that's a hard. Yeah. Hump to get over, but yeah, it's a shooter. But you can actually turn on your axis. Yeah. And so you hold the button that, down yeah, and so spin cool. on an axis, and then you can like hit things from different directions. I love it. So that's all I've so been. That'll playing also that be in the new Sikio Volume Three collection coming out from Play Asia. And I read that, and so that makes me want to get that collection because it'd be fun to have that on the Switch. Yeah, yeah, very cool. So right, that's it. So let's go ahead and uh, hear Eric's take. So for this month's uh, segment of Eric's Take, I wanted to talk about a genre of games that I believe isn't talked about enough and is a lot of fun. Um, the These games I'm going to talk about are definitely not the best in the genre, but the ones that were significant to me that I played the most. Um, and that genre happens to be a car combat games. Um, when I was first thinking about doing this segment, I was thinking vehicular combat games, but I realized ve ve vehicular encompasses all vehicles. And really what I wanted to focus on was car combat. Um, I, I've played so many of these games over the year and really enjoyed it. 
Um, and as I got to thinking about this, I kind of wanted to just have a just talk, kind of talk off the cuff about this. I usually come in prepared with a pretty good outline, but uh, this this month I think I'm just going to wing it and talk about my favorites off the top of my head. So the furthest back I can remember enjoying a car combat game was, of course, the arcade classic Spy Hunter. And, you know, it's a pretty simple arcade game where you're traveling up in a car, you have guns, um, you're basically trying to get to the next checkpoint and you, you fight game. I mean, you fight games, you fight other cars and motorcycles and things like that. But there are these semi trucks that you can go into that where you can get rear weapons like smoke screen, oil, things like that. So you can beat, uh, cars coming up behind you, um, and I believe that you could even get missiles, which aren't necessarily rear-based weapons, but um, they're they're handy for taking out the helicopters that come up in in the future levels. Um, that is a classic game. I remember when I got it for the Commodore 64, after having played it in the arcade quite a bit, it was one of my favorites in the arcade. Um, the Commodore 64 version, while a little a lot more kind of basic and rudimentary, was a pretty good port. And I played that a ton. The second uh, car combat game that I remember playing quite a bit was Road War 2000. And this was quite a bit different. It wasn't a advent like um, an action game at all. It was more of an RPG, almost like a text adventure. But your main screen, what was taking up most of the screen was... Um, a map and you basically were a person trying to gather up resources and recruit people across a post-apocalyptic wasteland and you're trying to grow your caravan of vehicles and supplies and make your way through the country beating up basically huge gangs of villains and you know, my my memory is pretty hazy on exactly what the plot was, if there was a main boss or enemy. Um, this game was made by SSI Strategic Simulations Incorporated, which was one of my favorite publishers back in the day. They mainly made war games and gold box Dungeons and Dragons games, uh, which I loved. But I do remember this one. I spent a lot of time on it. And it was one that I bought in the store because I knew that it from a friend of mine who got this, that it had a huge manual and I was a sucker for just big manuals that, you know, I would, I would basically take those to school and just read the manual all day long in class. And, um, I, I, I absolutely love that game. Uh, the next game, uh, that I was thinking about was auto duel. Auto Duel was a game by Origin Systems, which also did um, Ultima uh, 4. I think I think all the Ultimas um, were made by Origin Systems or published by Origin Systems. But they also published this Auto Duel game. And at the time, I was playing, this was would have been the 80s, I was playing a tabletop uh, game called Car Wars, which 
basically you had these little card cars that were symbolized by little cardboard cutout and these sheets of paper which were the tracks and you it was like an rpg but with cars and i loved it i played it all the time with friends um and then all of a sudden i i think it was in a magazine computes gazette magazine i saw an ad for an upcoming game auto duel and it it took car wars almost directly from the tabletop game and put it into a game that just blew my mind and i loved it playing it today i'm not sure it holds up super well but it had it had a lot of rpg elements where you were you basically start out with a very basic car you went into town you could go get missions and things but before that you needed a better car so every i think it was saturday night or friday night or something there would be these competitions in an arena and you would take your car in there and if you beat the guy you would get money which you could then go into town buy upgrades for your armor on your car your guns your weapons so it did have an action aspect to it which was a lot of fun uh, but it's the meat and potatoes of the game was rpg uh just blew my mind this was a great game and it was one of the very few games um, that I remember back in the day beating the whole game. And I remember at the end, spoiler alert, um, there was, and, and my memory's hazy on this, so it's probably not much of a spoiler alert, but there's basically at the end, you would get a newspaper that said that you took down the main villain. Um, and that was it played. I think it played some music or something, but I still remember it to this day because I didn't beat very many games back in, back in those days. Um, and that was one of them. So I have very good memories um, with that. Um, the next game, if you know me at all, you know this is one of my favorite games of all time on any platform. And that is Twisted Metal 2. Um, Twisted Metal 2 came out on the PlayStation 1. Um, it was the first Twisted Metal game I got. I didn't get uh, the first one until much later, but I got the second one. And oh, I, I got to tell you, this, it, this is by far my favorite game on the PlayStation 1. And if I had to rank all the games in my whole life, it would be in the top five games of all time. I love this game. And, and it's, it's such a silly premise, but... You know, you base, it's basically an arena fighter, but you have a car that has different weapons and every character in the game has a car with different weapons. And you don't upgrade them or anything like that. It's just you going into combat. And the funny thing is, back in the day, I did play through the campaign mode, but it really isn't much of a campaign mode. It's, it's basically this kind of contrived story that goes along and hits you against a lot of the other characters in the game and you have to beat them um it it it, it was okay but once i beat that way back in the day the only mode i play in now is basically i pick my favorite levels i pick a bunch of enemies and you just it gets unleashed in there and you see how many wins you can do versus number of losses that's all I play nowadays, and I love it. I love it every time. And I, in fact, there's only two or three of the levels that I really like. I pop those in. I usually pick two or three enemies, and I just go at it. And it's 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 a game I can just sit and relax, and battle, and and I and I love it. 
Twisted Metal 2 is a fantastic game. Pure combat, pure action all the time. So the last game I want to talk about is a game that I remember getting. It And this was on PC. And I played this with my friends online, which was a new, newish kind of thing. Um, and I probably put more hours into this game than almost any other game. And that game is called Interstate 76. Hey, Swinger. Race you up to Mondo Burger. Loser pays. Moving out. It basically is a game where you... There is a story mode, which honestly I don't remember all that much because the best part of this game was just going online. You get thrown into a certain area and you take your car, which you can put armor, guns, weapons, different you know, machine guns, missiles, whatever. You put them on your car and you drive around and last person standing wins. Um, the, it, I remember it took the very early graphics accelerator cards, like the, I think it was called the 3D FX, was the one that I had, um, by GeForce. So, I mean, this was the very beginning of PC gaming. Um, not the very beginning, but I mean, when 3D graphics started becoming a very popular thing and there were specialized video cards. Uh, I remember that was the time, period of time when I remember tweaking my system the most, like I, I wanted to pull every bit of power out of that system uh, by tweaking the auto exec and batch files, tweaking the sound card. Um, I remember I've probably upgraded my graphics card three times just for this game. Um, amazing game. Interstate 76, you basically are driving around and you destroy other players. But I do remember I have one particular memory of this game that's pretty funny. Me and my friends got so good at this game that we would use this very particular tactic where we would drive around in circles around our enemies. And you could, instead of using your main weapons on your car, you could start out with a very fast small car with little armor and drive circles around your enemies and they were trying to keep up with you. And you could put your hand out the side windows with a pistol and basically shoot at the enemy. And if you hit them, it was one shot, one kill. Instead of the car blowing up, you would just hear the horn like they, were, they had slouched down because of a headshot. They had just slouched against the steering wheel and the car would then just crash and you would win. And my friends and I got so good at that one tactic that every time we'd go into an arena, we would get accused of cheating in the game, like using cheats. I, I just, it was just crazy. It was the one game I remember in the past that I got, I, I, I was very, very good at. And that game was one of the first games where online you would create uh, gangs. So like, you know how nowadays there's um, guilds of players that all take, are on teams. Um, I know my son, when he plays like Fortnite and 
Counter-Strike. He's part of uh, basically teams of players. And we had a team in Interstate 76. And they didn't, they didn't really have a mechanism within the game to make it easy to play with teammates. But we would just put a little... I don't even remember what our team name was, but we would put that in little parentheses next to our aliases. And that designated we were part of that team. And uh, one of my other friends created a website for our team where we had screenshots of us kicking butt and stories of of things we did in the game. Um, it was the first game I remember just having a sense of community online and really enjoying it. Really, they did come out with a sequel. I think it was on PlayStation 1 or 2, but it lacked the online gameplay. Um, so... It just wasn't that interesting to me. I, I really wish they would reboot that game. It was an amazing game, and it, I think it would be a blast on modern PCs or consoles, especially with the way online has been refined over the years. Anyway, that's my segment for the month. Just want to talk about car combat games and see if it's piqued any memories or interests in any of the listeners, and maybe you could email us at podcast at pixelguiden.com and let us know your memories. And uh, we'll post them on a future show. All right. Thanks a lot. Welcome to Cody's Big Preview. Playing this title and want to give you the full, unadulterated truth. This week's title was Renegade. So tell us, Cody, how good is it? Well, it's definitely a game. Whoa! Well, stay tuned next week for another one of Cody's big reviews. The first one hundred dollars. Hello, friendly listeners, and welcome to Cody's Corner. Um, the Nintendo Switch has clearly become the choice for, I think, many retro gamers as their modern console of choice. Um, it seems like all of the retro-inspired games have made their way over here, either actual retro games that have been ported over here, or um, a lot of the uh, nindies, as they call them, but indie games that have a lot of the retro-inspired um, gameplay. Not to mention that Nintendo's always kind of had a background and kind of just solid, you know, with their Marios, and they have a lot of solid uh, 2D and, and you know, th- uh, 3D collect-a-thon kind of things. Games that are just retro-inspired inspired in general. Um so even though I've only had my Switch now for a little over four months, um, I wanted to run by and do a first $100 on the Nintendo Switch, keeping in mind that I am a retro gamer and that is kind of where my allegiances lie. Now, as we know, Nintendo uh, Switch games cost a lot of money. They call it, you know, We call it the Nintendo Tax, right? A game that might cost $29.99 on another console or be released 10 years ago. Yes, I'm not joking, Skyrim. Things like that um, are full $60 price games. 
um, Diablo 3. Anyways, I wanted to do a first $100. Now, I'd love to do physical. I usually do physical on everything. But again, physical games on, on the Switch are just way too high priced. And if somebody were to buy a Switch and say, Cody, I've played, um, you know, Super Nintendo, and I've played on microcomputers and uh, Commodore, and I've played on um, up to the Saturn, but I really just skipped, you know, everything from the uh, Xbox onwards. That was kind of where I stopped because um, I just didn't care for the games. But I want to hop on board with the Switch. What should I do with my first $100? Well, here's what I would do. And I tried to get a little of everything like I usually do, but let's just jump right into it. Um, although I didn't personally play this one on the Switch, um, I would have to throw Shantae Half Genie Hero on there. You've heard me talk about Shantae, the series, Way Forward Games, a number of times on the podcast. And I just think, regardless of who the audience is, it's a great game for everybody. Um, it's not terribly difficult, um, but even though you can sit there and kind of uh, chip your way through it, um, it's going to it's gonna be a, you know, a nice 15-hour, 10, 15-hour game. Um, the character is just super endearing, the, the purple-haired half-genie. Um, it's a Metroidvania-style game, but it's just got all kinds of great platforming and power-ups and RPG elements. It's just got everything I love. Um, you've got to put Shantae on there. That cost uh, $20 if there's no discount on the uh, Nintendo eShop. So I, I, I want to throw that one in there first and foremost. Um, RPG, right? i got to cover myself an RPG. Well... I'm going to throw Golf Story in there. It's not a traditional RPG, um, but to be honest, I haven't played a lot of RPGs on the on the Switch yet. Um, but I just love Golf Story, and this is one that, again, it's $14.99, so $15 on the eShop. But Best Buy has the limited run uh, game version of the physical game that they, they stock in their stores. And I think that's going for um, $30, and if I had thought about it sooner, I would have bought the physical. But for this list, $15. And this is just, again, a super endearing. Nintendo's really good at carrying these endearing titles. Um, it is a Switch exclusive, and it is literally half RPG, half uh, kind of a simplified golf game. Um, if you've ever played, uh, I mean, pretty much any golf game, you understand what this is. We've talked about it again before on the show, but um, it's kind of your typical three-click golf game. But simplified to the point where the RPG overworld map is also the map you're playing golf on. Um, so in, in relationship to the the uh, hole that you're playing, you are a huge character. There's a huge ball and there's a huge hole at the end, and they're not terribly long. Um, but there's some club selection, and you you know have to deal with wind more so in the later levels. Um, but the whole time you're endearing. Uh, characters going through and leveling up and trying to become a pro and there's all these other characters to help him and hinder him along the way and all kinds of side quests and they all involve golf but just a great game very colorful very peppy love it golf story pick that up um now this one's more unique and it's another one i did not play on the switch but I know it's going to be equally as good on the Switch. It's gotten really high ratings, 91% on the Switch, so I know the conversion went well. But um, a lot of people are really into the SteamWorld Dig games. In fact, SteamWorld Dig 2 came out, and I did recently play through that. I'll probably mention it previously here on the on the podcast. Um, it's okay. Uh, but I actually started with SteamWorld Heist. Now, that is a game, um, if you played Valkyria Chronicles, it's like a Valkyria Chronicles game, but in 2D. 
Um, the characters are in the SteamWorld universe, so there are these robots that kind of have this uh, this fun steampunk um, tongue-in-cheek humor to them, um, kind of floating in space. But uh, for what, yeah, for whatever reason, the dig game they're in the uh, in the in the West digging for for a mine, right? Digging for gems and things. But in this one, they are in space, and your spaceship docks these other spaceships, and then they become kind of these um, turn-based. 2D side view, um, uh, how do you put it, tactical strategy game where you're hiding behind barrels and shooting ricocheting bullets off the ceiling to try to hit um, the opponents that are, you know, strewn about this spaceship. And uh, you can hit barrels, make them blow up, and make the opponent blow up, or else they'll, uh, there's certain walls you can shoot through, certain walls you can't. And um, I don't, it's just a great, it's a great game. I spent, um, you know, I think I finished it in only eight to ten hours, but I had a blast doing it, and I was really hoping they'd come out with a second one of these. But for nineteen dollars, you can pick up SteamWorld Heist, so I would suggest that as kind of my tactical strategy game. Um, I've got to get a shmup in here, right? Got to get a, a, sh- a shooter, and I, once again, you know, I'm sound like a broken record here, but if you heard me talk about Skyforce, originally a mobile phone game, but um, they ported it over to the Switch, changed the aspect ratio. This game is so good because it's so easy to get into. You start with a pea shooter. It's kind of slow. Um, but every time you play through it, you earn coins. You take it to the shop. You build up your, your either your missiles or your main gun or your side guns. Or you pick up your armor and add health. Or you make more powerful um, uh, homing bombs. Or you make more powerful... Um, uh, they have like a, a, a strong laser that shoots forward for a period of time that you can make stronger and longer. And... Uh, so as you play through these levels, you know, I think on this one there's 14 levels. You don't just play through them once. You play through them. You try to get all four stars. You get a star for um, getting through without getting hurt. You get a star for damaging or uh, destroying every single enemy in the level. You get a star for uh, collecting all of the um, the currency, which I think are, are little stars in this game. Um, and uh, there's another one which I can't think of right now, but... Basically, you get um, four stars, then it opens up that second level, but at a harder difficulty. And I think it goes, you can start on normal, hard, very hard, extreme, or something like that. And so you've got 14 levels, but you can play them four different times. And you want to, because uh, as you do that, the rewards get higher and higher, and you get to level up your ship faster and faster. And you can get to the end of the game where you will finally beat the the, um, the game boss. Um, but then there's also online um, weekly tournaments where they make a level just for that week. Um, there's kind of bonus levels. Uh, there's cool levels where you're not just playing a normal shmup. You actually go through this force field, which steals your guns, so you're just dodging the whole time. Um, but it's kind of slow-paced. It's not a frantic shooter. It kind of reminds me of the old-school Gradius kind of thing, but it is vertical um, rather than horizontal, and I just love this game. So I chose Skyforce Reloaded. There's also a Skyforce Anniversary for the same price. Um, I mean, equally as good game. I chose this one. It has a few more levels. It's more recent, so they have a few more bells and whistles, but they're both great. Um, I have 35 bucks left. So I'm going to pick an- yet another game I actually did not play on the Switch, but I would suggest it. Now, this one you can get physical for $20, and that is uh, the one that Eric introduced me to, and that's Yoku's Island, um, the pinball... Metroidvania type, Metroid-like game. Um, 
very cool game. Very, again, bright, fun colors. You've kind of got this, uh, <laughs> the music's this kind of funny uh, reggae slash softcore porn music. <laughs> this like jazz reggae thing, depending on where you are in the world. But it's one large world, and you are, I mean, you're technically you're a dung beetle pushing a ball around. A, I'm guessing a ball of dung. But uh, as you play the game, you kind of forget that you're a beetle. You're just rolling this ball around. And then you get to parts where there's pinball bumpers or pinball flippers, and you use your shoulder buttons to, to flip the ball around. Um, you'll get the areas where it feels like you're playing a pinball table and you're trying to meet certain objectives to get out or collect um, uh, the thing you need to go somewhere else in the level to collect something else. And um, I don't know entirely how to explain it without you seeing it, so I suggest you look it up. But for 20 bucks, killer game. Absolutely loved it. Um, I did have to go online and look up a couple uh, things because I was going all over the world and I couldn't figure out what to do next. I mean, I knew what I was trying to achieve, but I couldn't find the uh, you know the key, if you will. Um, uh, but but very cool game. Very um, there's enough story there to, to it's, it's not you know a story driven game, but it's enough story in there to keep it really interesting. Want you to keep going to different areas and um, you just got to check that one out. So for my last fourteen dollars. Um, we've already kind of touched on the tactical strategy game, but this game I just, I've loved so much and it's a game you can just leave on your switch and play whenever, which is really the, the beauty of the switch for retro gamers is the fact that we don't have the time we used to. So you can play this thing plugged in, you can play it on the go, you can play it in bed as you're going to sleep. Um, and you get to get the same experience no matter where you go. And you can also play it in bite sized you know, chunks and just turn the system off. It'll stay there. So it's just really good for, for for our retro mentality and this game um absolutely fits that bill and that is into the breach uh which is a it is a tactical strategy game but i would actually rather than calling it you know kind of like a um i consider it a game like wargroove by the way for this which is a great game kind of an advanced wars style game um but I, this one won out not only because it's 15 dollars rather than 20 which i needed to sneak into my hundred dollars but i actually chose this one uh, i actually like this better than wargroove um and it's really not the same type of game. Uh, Wargroove, you have all these um, uh, units that are going all over the place and shooting, you know, uh, you're trying to be tactical and, and surround the enemy in certain ways or back off so they come to you. And then you have these towers you're trying to defend and uh, overtake and then get more abilities to buy more things. This game is really more like chess. And it's got a board with essentially squares on it. And when you start um, a battle... You have three units, and that's it. And if you lose them, you lose them. Um, they all do different things, and you have to learn those uh, specific three units very well. I think there was ten different military um, uh, teams, if you will, of three units that are all different that you can play throughout the game. I've played through, I think, two so far, um, but I'm having a blast, and I want to keep going. Um, but this game very much becomes uh, you know, thinking, if I go here... And then put this person over here. That'll achieve this and get rid of this person. But then it'll leave this person to attack that tower. Is that worth it, the risk, or do I go over here? Um, it's not as... It's shorter, more bite-sized, uh, more poignant, I would I would say. And, um, you know, less story. Um, there are some RPG elements, because if you win a battle, you get to choose one, one uh, of your units that powered up to carry over uh, for future battles. Um, but great game into the breach. Uh, yeah, that's my hundred dollars. Uh, I don't have a whole lot more to say on that, except that I have a ton more games 
Um, it was really hard to narrow these down because there are so many good uh, Nindies, as they call them, right? But indie games on the Nintendo. Um, again, Wargroove, uh, The Messenger, um, the I actually haven't played it yet, but the uh, the new Castlevania style game, uh, Curse of the Moon, I believe, uh, as Bloodstained is coming out, which is going to be um, kind of like a Symphony of the Night type of game. So many great games on here. Uh, Iconoclast is another one. Um, man, just a bunch. Hollow Knight. I played Hollow Knight. Shovel Knight. Um, I could keep going, but love the system. Love what they're doing. Um, good price points if you want to download digitally. I, I do hate doing that. I try to get physical, but um, if I find them on sale, I don't mind paying um, money basically to play them and just consider them lost in the ether at that point because I'm not getting my game back if it ever uh, disappears as the uh, the Wii shop recently did, right? So that's it. Um, hope you take these to heart. Hope you try some of these games. Um, that'd be really cool if somebody actually went out and got themselves a Switch and bought these $100 worth of games. Um, if so, let me know. Uh, listen to the end of the show. We have our email address, our Twitter handles, our contact information. I'd love to hear from you. So thank you much. So Eric and I both uh, purchased Age of Heroes on the Commodore 64, a new action game. Yeah, right. I'd call it an action released by uh, one of the most prolific C64 software distribution companies, Cygnos. It, what's it called? Cytronic. <laughs> Cytronic. Cytronic Software. Yep. Yes, them. Um, and they released a bunch of great games. Yep. This seems to be another good one, at least. Yeah, very good. I want to get your opinion on it. But um, this is kind of a uh, fantasy hack and slash, yeah. you would call it? I'd sure. Side-scrolling hack and slash. I think that was a good explanation as any. Um, and it just came out, and the physical version looks super cool. Yeah. Uh, the digital version cost me three ninety nine, Which is a great deal. It's a, it's a good deal. Yeah. Um, so how would you describe the game, and what were your impressions? Yeah, so you, it's almost like a, I don't know, altered beast kind of game where you're walking. That's a good description. Left and right with a sword. You can duck. You can do low hits, high hits. It, that's right, right? Yeah. And uh, you can jump, and you are going through the levels basically. Left or right? Yep, killing things left and right, and you can you come across things, power ups, like their chests, right? If I remember right. Yeah, you can attack these chests. I think I played this part wrong. Um, and then when you break the chests open, these little like emeralds or some kind of gem is there. You can collect those, and I think you can use those for like screen clearing magical abilities. Oh, okay. Um, I'm guessing you hit spacebar. I actually never used those because oh. I didn't know that was a thing until I beat the game. Yeah, I, I didn't know that. I beat either. the game without those. I haven't um, beaten the game. In fact, I didn't get much time with it, so I spent... I mean, I've, I've probably gotten halfway through the game. Gotcha. So, um, graphics are great. Uh, I think the graphics are beautiful. The We're watching it really right nice. now, and the colors are amazing. The textures... It, 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 they really outdid themselves with the graphics. I would they look say fantastic. it looks... Yeah, it's, it's up there near Sam's Journey level. Yes. Uh, it looks like an NES game. Yep. Um, I mean... Everyone talks about the muddy Commodore 64 palette, but they make it look bright and... It looks great to it me. It looks great. Yeah. So graphics are solid A+. Plus. I mean, I'll give it A+. Plus. I mean, that's one of the best I've seen. Yep. Absolutely love it. Uh -huh. It is kind of interesting. When you start the game, you can pick a guy or a girl. 
kind of mm-hmm. barbarian when you're playing them. I, they both kind of look like dudes. <laughs> I mean, how, many, how much GHL can you fit you right. know, into that sprite? But yep. um, they do have different weapons. They, they act the same way. Um, so I do enjoy the game. Very fun. Definitely worth $4. I enjoy the playthrough. Uh, I played once, died, um, I think on like the second level. Uh, I wasn't able to feel it out and figure out how to play it from there. Yeah. Second time I beat the game. That's great. And well, how long did it take? Fifteen minutes. Fifteen minutes to play through the whole game. Yes. Wow. That's kind of where uh, my. That's what I'm going to say. I would. I'm going to. I'll put it right now. This game is good. Yeah. I wouldn't call it great. I think it has the potential to be great, and I'm a little bummed about how, how yeah, it turned out. The playability. Yeah. But I'll get back to that. It's very playable. What you play is very fun. And the fact that it's four dollars. If this was a like twelve dollar game, I'd be just very disappointed. Yeah. Just because I'm I finished it, and um, I enjoyed it. I'll probably go back and play it again. I enjoyed it enough. Sure. Um, it's definitely not perfect. Um, so you'll be going through these levels and slashing at things. There's you know um, flying animals that'll attack you, and you wait until they get near you and swoop at you and attack them. Enemies that walk up to you, they kind of like wiggle their hands in front of you. You can just attack them twice. Some enemies take two hits. Some yeah. take one. Um. Some take more. There's these dogs later on in the game that kind of jump at you. You got to duck and attack them. There's also these guys with shields, so you can't hit them in the shield. You got to duck and hit their legs. Um, but each enemy, once you've seen it, you know how to defeat it. Then mm-hmm. you just, when the en- enemy comes at you, attack it that way. Uh, later on in the levels, enemies will come from behind you. And you got to turn around and deal with them going, coming from the back as well. Um, and I will give props. The music is, uh, the graphics are great. The music is okay, it's, yeah. it's passable. Um, and it does seem, it seems like there's different tracks on every level. There might only be a few, but it feels different every time. Yeah. So it's definitely not, rep, you know, you don't get, doesn't get old. Um, but I will say you'll play the first level, you'll play the second level, and then you'll get to a boss. Um, uh, now this is kind of spoilers to a point, but you'll get to that first boss. And if you look online, you'll see this boss, it's this giant head that floats around, flows up and down and it spits this projectile at you. And you have to hit the projectile with your sword and bounce it back at the boss. Um, the bosses are the, probably the most fun part of the game. However, the boss is the same boss four times throughout the game. And does um, it vary in, in difficulty? They vary in each boss adds something the previous boss didn't do. Okay. Um, the second boss, I think, just moves faster. The third boss adds this thing where it will stop and drop and hit the ground and send like a, sho- send like a shockwave at you. You have to jump over. And that was probably the most fun when the bosses got to that point. Uh, other than that, all the levels played almost identically. All the bosses played identically. One of the levels right before the last boss, literally, I think you walked forward, killed two enemies, and 30 seconds later, the level was over. Okay. Like it was, I mean, it was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, that final boss uh, got me very close to dying. Uh, there are level ups. So there are, there's, are, you get experience for killing things. So you can actually, if you choose to play a level over again, you can use it to attack and, um, build up experience points and level up when you level up your uh, health bar gets a little longer and then you also fills all the way up um that is key to note there's only one life in this game once you lose it you're you lose the entire game okay um it, the map is pretty cool because you'll get to a point in the map where you have to get to a, a a spot where you can go up down left and right and you must go all directions you want to go to the t- left and right or wherever it is uh to the if you want to call them like a cul-de-sac a dead end you have to go there first to collect these emeralds at the end of that level, 
and then you want to go to the other one that's a dead end to collect that emerald. So now that if you proceed down the line that eventually keeps going, yeah, uh, you'll have the emeralds you need to get past gates. If you don't collect those emeralds, you'll get to those gates, and you can't open them, and you have to basically leave that level and go back to those other levels anyways to go collect them. So it's kind of a, it really is a linear game, but they kind of make you feel like, I mean, you do have choice, but you have to choose, if you choose correctly, you have to go back and re-choose and do it correctly again. Yeah. Um, some levels have snow, uh, some levels are like jungle inspired, so again, lots of different, uh, and they aren't just palette swaps, they're different art elements. Yeah. So again, I can't say enough about the graphics, the gameplay is fun, uh, some, it's kind of goofy how some of the enemies move, like the dogs, if you're way high up on a cliff. The dog will like jump through the cliff, like climb somehow hmm. magically through the cliff and just show up where you're at. Yeah. Um, doesn't really make sense. Um, but I enjoyed it. Um, yeah. I would give it a C, to be honest. What I've played so far it was fun. Yeah. I just, I, w- I want it to be either longer or a little more challenging. Now, I did look up some information on this game, and apparently when the sample copies were given out for people to try to play test, okay. they complained about how hard the game was. So, that, so wow. it's, it's almost like they designed it one way, and at the last minute they decided to kind of scrape out some of the challenge. Dumb it down a little and bit? And I think they just dumbed it way too far down. Okay. Now, what I did notice, and I wish I had played this more, I'm looking at the screen now. It says Age of Heroes. When I played through and beat the game, the screen came back up again, and you could play it again, but it was no longer called Age of Heroes. It was called something else like Champions of Heroes. And apparently you can play through a second time at a harder difficulty. That's interesting. So that is cool, and I wish I did that. No, I did not know that. It, w- it did not make it apparent. What? So what did you see when you beat the game? I mean, not, if you don't want to give spoilers, I, I understand, I, but... I think it was a very straightforward... Wow. You have saved the kingdom. That's and then, it. And then you just didn't notice it say it said something else. I don't think it said anything. I, I did notice the title changed. I'm like, wait, why is the game called Champion... Or whatever, Champions of... of heroes or something like that like why is it called that now i don't remember that so that might be a thing for you i mean so now i might try to go play through and play through again yeah so i'm gonna go back to it i didn't have a ton of time to play it so i think i'm gonna go back and play it it was i had a lot of fun with it it's interesting because knowing people who like the commodore 64 Mm -hmm. and the fact that it's four dollars i'm gonna call it a must buy yeah but i can't call it a even a b it's got to be a c yeah um just because there's not enough game there, and what is there is just so repetitious. Now, it is enjoyable. Yeah. But, yeah. Cool. But a must-buy C, which is a weird review. <laughs> There's my review. Right on. Um, and I would ask for your score, except you haven't played enough of it to I give it I haven't played enough of it yet, yeah. So. Um, how about our uh, challenge? Uh, we played Time Pilot on the arcade, or MAME. Yep. One of my favorite games that you introduced me to. Oh, I love Time Pilot. Yeah, it's so good. You have to have the right stick. Apparently, a lot of people I think were were struggling to kind find of the right off on that, yeah. input um, to, I, to do this. I think if we have a game that is Mame only, even in the future, we're probably not going to get that many players. And this... that surprised me. I thought that would be like one of the most readily accessible. I agree with you, but it it wasn't, and we only had three players. What? That includes you and me. <laughs> Wow, though. Oh. So, you came in third place. <laughs> you came in third place at 128,400. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I came in second place at 1, uh, 136,800. Ooh, right there. 
And uh, Daniel on Twitter, who is at at any one four two three, came in first place at one hundred sixty four thousand seven hundred. That's pretty close, actually. Uh, applause oh, for yeah, him. Applause. Yeah. Yeah, so we only had three contestants, which really surprised me. A couple of people said, oh, that sounds great. I'm going to do it. And they never submitted scores. So, you know, I think. Come on it, now. I think if we picked a Nintendo game or a Super Nintendo or Genesis, we, we're going to get more people. Well, let's try to pick a Nintendo one this time. Let's try okay. to get something super mainstream. Yeah. So, it, it is. this is an interesting experiment. Because remember, we had like a lot of people playing. Um, what was that one? Uh, I don't remember now. Yeah, we had yeah, but we've had many many players on some games, and this one we only had three. It really surprised me. Yeah, interesting. Yep. But anyways, it uh, comes a time once a month where Eric and I like to get together, and we talk about you know six good games. Six good games. And this time we are talking about licensed games, which everybody loves licensed games. <clears throat> yeah, I think licensed games have a reputation for actually being poor games. Yeah, now why would I even Jurassic Park think that? I mean, I just, <laughs> exactly. I don't understand Jurassic Park. If if you think that one thing would be good, why wouldn't the other? Yeah, and you would think that things as popular as movies or books or whatever Jurassic it's Park. licensed from would be they'd spend some money and make decent games on them, mm, right? And sometimes they did make good games, and that's what we're going to talk oh, about today. Oh, at least six of them. At least six of them. So you, why don't you and start out it's funny because I'm looking at these, and I think we tried to get pretty creative with these because... I did. Yeah. Um, you want me to start? Yeah. I'm going to save... I'm going to go... Uh, I'm going to start with Tiny Toons. Okay. On the Sega Genesis. Uh, this is a game that... So there's a Tiny Toons game also on the Super Nintendo that is often considered a hidden gem, and a lot of people like it, uh, called Buster Bust Loose. Okay. Um, no, I'm going to be up front here. I'm not going to re recommend this one for you, and you'll see why in a second. <laughs> okay. Uh, but the Tiny Toons Buster's Hidden Treasure on the Genesis is a great game. And I've played it through to completion. I fell in love with this game. Um, I actually did own a cartridge of it, and... Um, I think it's almost as good, if not as good, as the SNES one. Okay. Which is interesting, because that could be another good... Uh, it's always Genesis and Super Nintendo that have two different games with the same name. Yeah. Um, that'd be an interesting Tiny Toons uh, face-off there. But uh, great game with uh, you know characters that look like they're straight out of the cartoon strip. Uh, all the characters are there. There's a lot of personality in the game. And the game is kind of a mashup between, um, honestly... A Mario game and a Sonic game. Oh, so it's um, kind of fast paced. It's got the fast paced Sonic. It even has like little springs, but they're a little different. You push against them and let go to shoot yourself, depending on how far you push them. Um, and you don't like Sonic games, so that's kind of why I said I don't know how much you would like this this game. Yeah, but there's a lot of other things. There's more things to collect. Um, well, if it's more controllable, I might it's like it. More controllable. Yeah. Um, and it's not. It doesn't suffer. I like it better than Sonic. <laughs> yeah. Um, it doesn't suffer from the whole. Hey, Sonic's really fast, and you can tell on level one and two, and now we're on the third level, you're going to be stuck in these claustrophobic small spaces that you can barely move. Yeah, right. Which became an issue with Sonic. Yep. Uh, no, this one's designed really well, and you can, you're can you collecting carrots instead of rings. Um, lots of different characters. Um, <clears throat> great game. Cool. And, uh, and, I mean, it'll probably take an hour and a half to play through it. 
uh, they're not it's not short it does have if I remember correct um, continues all the way through oh nice so, so you, you can could play get as through. far as you want yeah and then, and then, I do like that in the yeah. game because even though you're not so running... Sonic to yeah. be fair cool but good right game on. I think I'm going to go out of order here too on my list I'm going to pick the next one is Star Wars Arcade I love it so obviously, many, many people are going to be familiar with this game. It is uh, an arcade game, and it came out on like Sega 32X. Um, it came out on a few other things. They even have a Commodore 64 port of the game. Did the 32X? The it was 32X. They had, it was yeah, a version I have of it, this? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Not on the disc. Continue. The cartridge. Yeah, it's on the cartridge, 32X. Um they even had ports for Commodore 64 and some other ones, but I mean, I'm talking about the arcade one. Um, when that came out, it it, it you, basically it's taking scenes straight from Star Wars and putting it into a game that you can play, where you're flying down that little the trench, tunnel, trench run, the the trench run exactly, um, or you're fighting Tie Fighters in space. Um, Darth Vader. It's all little... vector-based graphics, which is awesome. It had like uh, voice samples of the actual actors in the game. Um, you know, I, super I, good control. It had super great controls with the with the yoke yoke. Yep. Um, and and I just have personal great stories of it just being in the arcade and being in a CD arcade and having a friend stand by so that. Um, yeah, you mentioned that last episode. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I'd go inside, Very but I didn't worrisome. want to be there by myself, so he'd stand guard outside of it. Um, but it was the sit-down version of Star Wars, so I don't know. This is a great game. And that's... I like how you literally, in your mind at least, you literally risked your life to play this game. Exactly. You're like, I yep. don't want to go there. It's scary, but the game is so good yep. that if you just like have my back, yep. I'll risk taking a shank and a rib. Yep. And the arcade, <laughs> so in the arcade, you could, there was a sit down one that was pretty rare, but there was also a stand up one. Yes. Yeah. I've only played the stand up. Yeah. All right. What's next? Good choice. One? Good choice. So, again, trying to think outside the box here. Uh, because I have been playing my new 2600. Yes. There are some hidden gems on that system. There in fact, really there are. are. A lot. Yeah. Have you played Fantastic Voyage? Mm mm. So, Fantastic Voyage is a 2600 cartridge game. Yep. Based off the 1960-whatever movie where, you know the movie? Fantastic I, I, I do, yes. Where they literally, like, a guy has some kind of sickness, I don't remember exactly. Yeah. And they sh shrink down a spaceship and inject it into his bloodstream. Yep. And the spaceship goes through and basically has a space battle in his blood. <laughs> yeah, I remember <laughs> to, that. To free him. Yep. Um, this game is really cool. It's a shooter. It's a shmup. Yeah. And it's like a legit shmup. Um, do you know if that was officially licensed? I, I, I do not know that. Okay. I'm just That's wondering. That's a good question. But, well, it, it's going to lead up to my next one. So okay. I, I want to, but cool. I haven't played that. So it's pretty much a shmup, right? It's a shmup. Now, you're literally going through a vein yeah. or an artery or whatever it is. Yeah. And it kind of goes back and forth, zigzags back and forth. And depending on the patient's health, there's a heartbeat. And the bottom of your screen, you'll see a heartbeat monitor with a little dot going across and beeping. Boop, boop, cool. Boop. And as you, uh, there's certain enemies that do different things. So there's certain, um, like white blood cells and stuff, you don't kill. You leave those alone. And then there's viruses and things you have to shoot. And then there's, um, um, 
trim around how it all works, but there's other ones you can suit you you have to shoot, but there's other ones that you want to just avoid hitting. Um, but if you let things get by you, the heart the health the uh, patient's health goes down, and the blood uh, or the <laughs> heartbeat starts getting quicker and quicker. Okay. Until they flatline. Wow. Also, the uh, the arteries will get skinnier and skinnier, and so they'll go back and forth while getting skinnier. And so, yeah, there's some parts you have to shoot, um, some parts you have to avoid. Um, and then eventually, to end the level, you'll get to a blood clot, and you have to shoot the blood clot like 20 times until it breaks before you run into it. So you're sitting there oh, wow. smashing the button. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Almost like a Summer Games kind of game where you like to hit. Yeah, you're like, like, That's pretty cool. It's pretty cool, I mean, for a 2600 yeah. game. Cool. Yeah. So the reason I asked about the official licenses is, is brings up me to my next one, which is Bruce Lee. I knew you were going there. And that one was released on Atari 800, Commodore 64. I played it on the Commodore 64. Where did it, it started on the 64, this I, one? I don't know. I think so. I think it was the first one was on the C64. It's funny because if it starts on the Spectrum, you can tell. Cause they right. Send it to every other system with an all-black background. and Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, so the funny thing about this is on either a podcast or something I read online, it was like one of the first officially licensed games. Oh, okay. Like they went to the estate for Bruce Lee and were like, hey, we want to make a game on Bruce Lee. And so they paid him to use his likeness in the game. That's bizarre. Cause I don't know if that's true, but yeah. I, I, uh, I had read that somewhere. But Bruce Lee uh, is an amazing platform game. It's simple. You run around, you collect lanterns. You avoid Yamo and the ninja. His name's Yamo, right? Green Yamo. Green Yamo, yep. And uh, you can punch and kick, but you're really just trying to avoid the bad guys to get the lanterns and move to the next screen. Yeah, I have a hard... I struggle with the combat on that game, but... Yeah, and it's a flick screen game. I, yeah, I don't think the combat really is supposed to be the, the, the thing you focus on. Yeah. But anyway, Bruce Lee is a great game, and that's my second pick. Very cool. What's your pick? Uh, my last pick. Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't know you were ending up with the last one there. Yeah. Okay. My last pick is um, something you would not expect. It yeah. It is retro-inspired. It is retro-inspired. Uh, it is a Android game, so a mobile phone game. Do you play that on your phone? Uh, I played it on a Kindle Fire. Okay, cool. Right. Um, That's neat. And it is Stranger Things. How is the game? So good. Is it really? And it is free. That's cool. You have to play it. I'm gonna. I'll have to download it. It's I, so I, good. I have an Android phone. It is a actually it is a top down style game. Okay. And there's I mean it doesn't focus on the shooting, but you do have to shoot things, you have to shoot enemies and stuff. And uh, I mean you'll be you'll you'll play this for eight hours to beat the whole thing, and you'll love every second of it. Um, it does have on screen controls which is is difficult yeah you can also drag you can just put your finger on it and drag and your character go that way okay um which works better than trying to push fake buttons i actually bought this little joystick where your phone snaps into it yep i was and gonna say because it's android you can also use your fc yes sf30 yeah. plug it in and use that but it's no it's i don't i don't know how to explain it um the graphics are solid it's a long game it's a full featured game and i cannot i would pay 10 bucks for it easily but it's free. It's free. Are there ads in there or anything? Nope. That's awesome. It's an ad, the whole thing's an ad for Stranger Things. All right. Have you seen the movie, the show? Oh, I love the show. Love the show. Yeah, yeah. Um, you get to be all the characters. They each had different abilities. Um, I mean, it goes through almost every plot point of the show for the first season. Yeah. Um, 
You think there's, everyone there's would just puzzle be seven. elements, but it's like light <laughs> light puzzle elements. Yeah, you think everyone oh. would just be seven, so you have the power to like move things around. Oh yeah, no, it's so good. Oh, that's it's awesome. So good. I'll try it out. My last one is Ducktales, which yep. is kind of a uh, on the NES. On the NES, yeah, yep. it was classic. It's probably three years ago when I picked that up. You play Scrooge McDuck. Oh, you hadn't your... played that until then, huh? No, I haven't played. I'd never played that, but I didn't really know anyone with a NES back in the day. Believe it or not, that's bizarre to me. Yeah, didn't know anyone with a NES, so I played this in recent times. I heard a podcast about it, so I started playing it. And um, you're Scrooge McDuck. You're it's a platformer. Use that you have a pogo stick, mm-hmm. so you're jumping What's around. Your, it's actually your cane. It is your cane. But yeah, it, it works. It bounces. Which it bounces okay. like a pogo stick. Yeah, um, and it's really just a basic platform, but it does get really hard. And I remember I never. But it's finished very it doable. Again. It's doable. Yeah, it's very doable. I wouldn't. Yeah. I don't think I beat it, but I enjoyed playing what I did. The hardest part about the game is getting used to using the pogo stick. Yes, because you have to press like you have to jump out, then press down. I'm trying to remember the combination. And basically hold, it's been a while hold down played, yeah. while you go left and right. Yeah. It takes a long time to get used to that. Yeah. But once you do, yeah, it's very it is very beatable. Yeah. Um what's interesting is yeah, so a lot of the Disney games, almost mm-hmm. all the Disney games on the NES were great. Yes, with good animation. Um yeah. with the extent uh, or with the exception of Mickey Mouse Capades, which was a Hudson game. Oh really? But then Capcom took on all the Disney games. Okay. And they were all great. I mean yeah. Little Mermaid was okay, but it's still good. Yeah. And then, um, well, we did Aladdin once, and I just thought that th- those games were a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Rescue Rangers, awesome game. Um, DuckTales. So, what I haven't done yet, even though I love Rescue Rangers and I love DuckTales, love those two games, for whatever reason, I've never actually gone through and played Rescue Rangers 2 or DuckTales 2. Oh, wow. They're super rare games. They came out right at the very end of the system. And so, at a physical copy, it's like 500 bucks. I mean, something ridiculous. But why don't I just go back and play them now? Yeah, because you have the EverDrive, so... Yeah, I, I don't know why, because I do love those games. Rescue Rangers is a game that I almost threw on here. Um, it's actually very easy, hmm. but it's just fun to play through. I can pl- keep playing through it. Oh, that's neat. So I'll throw that in here as an honorable mention. Right on. All cool. Right. That's it. We're wrapping up this episode We're 10. We're wrapping it up, but we want to know, uh, are you looking forward to anything, or...? What, um, what are you looking forward driving to? Driving dangerously. I'm really looking forward to that because I love Burnout games so much. But honestly, it's been Baldur's Gate all the way. I've been really obsessed with that game. So Yeah, you're making me want to try one of those again. I'm going to play that. Um, I know in the next month I'm going to play that a lot. But other than that, not really looking forward to anything in particular. Hmm. What about I'm, you? I'm trying to calm down. So I'm trying to, too. Um, I'm I'm going to get that 32K expansion for my TI-99. Yep. Uh, I'm going to keep playing a bunch of Spectrum games. I didn't talk too much about them, but I've been playing a ton of Spectrum games. Yeah. Including a lot of the new homebrew stuff, which is... I say homebrew, but the difference between games released by two or three guys now is no different than it was back then, no, to be honest. No, it wasn't. So, no. <laughs> um, there's some really cool ones out there. There was one that I played recently, uh, Malignant Gore. On the ZX Spectrum? Yeah. Oh, it's pretty I cool. I heard of that. Pretty cool little game. Hey, you have to try uh, um, R-Type. 48k R type it's really good yes and I think I do have a copy of that um I think Tim included that yeah I have I mean I got the full yes Tossic or whatever they call it yeah um but yeah a lot of the games I did try I can't get running because they're either 128k versions or for whatever reason I just can't even the 48k version wasn't running but for the most part I'd say almost every game I've tried will load yeah and um the hard part is going to be 
not getting overloaded with all the games and all the options and trying to, you know, this game's a classic, and I'm like, well, I spent 30 seconds on it, I can't figure it out. Next. Yeah. It's like, now I need to dig into it. I need yep. to actually try it. Download so. the manuals. That always helps me. But uh, let me know if you run any games that don't launch, because I'll boot up my... I'm going to... Because now that I, we have that Div MMC, that new one, I'm going to... I'm going to take my my Spectrum out, hook it up, and start playing some games on it, too. Yeah. I mean, that thing makes it so easy. Yeah. And then you just hit the all button on the top, right back. Yep. Take another one, hit the all button top, right back, hit another one. Almost too easy, and so you have to yeah. focus on not hitting that too often, but... Cool. Yeah. I'm going to play a crap ton of Spectrum. That's what I'm excited about. Right on. Right on. All right. Well, until next time, remember, it's, it's dangerous, dangerous to, to go, go alone. alone. Thank you again for listening. You can find episode information and show notes online at pixelguiden.com. Please follow us on Twitter at pixel underscore guiden. And you can also follow Eric at theproject. That's D-U-H project. You can also follow Cody on Twitter at oddball49. That's O-D-D-B-A-1149. Please leave a review to help get our podcast listed higher up on the show rankings. We would also love to hear from you with any comments or input. So hit us up on our email at podcast at pixelguiden.com. <laughs>